promotion idea I ever heard of. Never been anything else like it. No, no, I don't, don't suppose it has. <laughs> I thought it would work. I planned this thing right down to the last detail. It was perfect. Where'd you get those birds? <laughs> Les, are you okay? I don't know. Those two children tried to kill me. After the turkeys hit the pavement, the crowd kind of scattered, but some of them tried to attack me. 
jam myself into a phone booth. <laughs> then Mr. Carlson had the helicopter land in the middle of the parking lot. I guess he thought he could save the day by turning the rest of the turkeys loose. Gets pretty strange after that. Oh, You're right. No, Les, come on now, tell us the rest. I really don't know how to describe it. It was like the turkeys mounted a counterattack. It was almost as if they were organized. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. WKRP in Cincinnati, very classic episode from the first season from 1978. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the Druff and Friends show. Decided to play that clip because tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and I can't think of a better time to play that classic clip. It's considered one of the funniest clips from a sitcom ever. That's uh, definitely WKRP's most, favor- uh, most famous moment. And, you know, I... I understand a lot of the audience here is old enough to remember WKRP, but some of you may not be old enough to have really watched it as an adult when it ran from 1978 to 1982, and that includes me. I was 10 years old when it went off the air. Uh, So I I saw it in reruns as like a teenager, but I didn't fully appreciate it until watching it again and watching a lot of episodes I never even got to see in the first place. Starting like last year, it's a great show. It's it's one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. After rewatching it as an adult, so if you haven't watched it recently, I suggest catching it again. It's not even dated at all. That show, uh, you'll notice from the hairstyles and the clothing that it takes place a long time ago. But a lot of times you'll be forgetting that you're watching something that's more than thirty five years old. Kind of like All in the Family, also another timeless comedy that's so well done that. Uh, you forget you're watching something from a long time ago. Anyway, hello, I'm Todd Dandruff with TELUS, and I'm broadcasting from a new computer. I hope it sounds good. If there's some sound issues tonight, that's why. We're going to try to solve it, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be okay tonight. I put some effort into testing this before the show started, which I usually don't. But, uh, yeah, I got this new computer in the mail last week, so... Here it is. This is my new computer. I'll probably have it till about 2021 before I replace it. Last one I had since 2009, and it finally crapped out on me. I mean, it physically works, but it's not good enough to broadcast radio. I switched over to my girlfriend's computer, and now I'm back on my own new computer. And uh, it took some effort to set, set everything up. Adam Schwartz, the one of the two hosts of the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast, said, Sounds great. So... That's all the endorsement I need. If Adam Schwartz likes it, I know it must be good. So tonight, we're going to have some co-hosts, which I'm happy about, because the last two weeks I did not have co-hosts, and the last two weeks I received some criticism from some people, including some who love the show. In fact, one guy who told me that he goes back and listens to old episodes, uh, a very, very dedicated fan to the show, complained that the last two weeks he didn't find to be very good or interesting. And I know some of that's because I don't have a co-host all the time, and the last two weeks I had no co-host, and you can tell. So, this week, we're going to have two co-hosts, 
We're going to have Daredevil returning to the show after being gone for a while, and glad to see that. I missed having Daredevil on the show. In fact, when I listened to these reruns on the live streaming that we have, I heard some with him, and I said, wow, I, I miss having Daredevil here. And Brandon Drexel Gerson, also who's been away, not for as much time as Daredevil, but who's been away for some time, is also returning. And you will hear about from Brandon when he comes back. He's not going to be here at the beginning, but he'll be here in the middle of the show. You'll hear from him why he left the show this time, and it was because of me. How about I didn't blow out your ears with that? I, I hope the sound effects are the right volume. This is like a work in progress for me. So if you... If you don't like any sound volume or sound quality or whatever, tell me, and I'll try to adjust it during the show and hopefully get it right. So Daredevil will also stay on for as long as he can. I don't know how long he can make it tonight, but he will stay on when Brandon comes on. So we will have three hosts for some time, provided it all happens. I see a Team MLK is trying to call me frantically, but I, I can't take the call right now. I will take your call later, though. So... I want to get something out of the way before we even get to anything else, and that is the free roll, which starts at 8.10 p.m. And I was a little concerned that we would not have money for it. Coming into about 6.45 p.m. when I made the radio thread, we had the very large sum of money known as $14 for the free roll. And I was afraid I would have to announce a $14 free roll at which point you guys would announce back to me this. <laughs> but fortunately, we had some donations, in fact, uh, several of them. So I'm going to hold over some for next week so I don't have to panic next week when I don't have donations. We had a donation of $63 from Donkey Killer who placed second in the last golf free roll we had. So he has uh, donated that to this free roll. So we're going to add the 63 on. And we're going to have a total of $77 in this free roll. So the way it's going to break down, we have some bounties too, which I'll tell you about in a second. The way it's going to break down will be $40 for first. We'll have a top heavy first over half the price. We'll have $40 for first. 20 for second, 12 for third, and 5 for fourth. 40, 20, 12, and 5 for a $77 free roll. This is thanks to Donkey Killer, who gave $63, and Ricky, who gave $3, Frank Rizzo, who gave $6, and Jay Stat, who gave $5. And we have three bounties, and I think one of them is not going to go tonight because I think he's not listening live, but. If these three people play, or if any of them play, there's a $5 bounty on each of them courtesy of Ricky. Seriously Serious is one. Sonatine, who's known as Teen something on there, T-I-N-E, uh, he's also a bounty for $5. And Pooh is a bounty for $5, but I don't think he ever listens live. So any of these bounties that don't actually become active because these people don't play will just be rolled into the general free roll next week. And that was by request by Ricky. 
So we actually have a decent free roll, $77 plus a potential 15 worth of bounties. Thank you, everybody, for donating there. You can play this free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is part of PokerFraudAlert.com. Near the top of the screen, you can find it. You need a separate account there, and you don't need anything else, not even any play chips. But before playing, make sure to familiarize yourself with the rules, including the rules to be eligible for the free money. That's at PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. It starts at 8.10 p.m. Pacific time with a 25-minute late registration period, meaning you can register all the way up till 8.35 Pacific time. So you have some time even if you're just hearing about this now. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase for the rules. If you want to call into the show tonight, we have the usual two phone numbers. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the main phone number. And if you want to call the Mount Charleston line, Mount Charleston, you got a little bit of snow. The phone is probably pretty cold if you were to try to use it. We have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, and it forwards to wherever I go. That phone number is 702 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is that phone number. And you can also text me during the show. I will read your text on the air unless you ask me at the beginning of the text not to do so. Now, I will also read your text, maybe, if you text me before or after the show, this is a number you can always reach me on via text. And people do text me during the week. So go ahead and text me if you want. I don't care what time of the day or night it is. You can always text me. You're not going to piss me off or wake me up. The phone number is the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is our text number. And as I said, I'll probably read your text on the air unless you ask me not to at the beginning. And, uh, by the way, Belly Buster sent me a text, and I wanted to respond to him, but for whatever reason, it said text cannot be sent. I, for whatever reason, the Poker Fraud Alert text number, I don't think it can text internationally. So, Belly Buster, I'll, I'll PM you the answer, or maybe I'll even read it on the show. It's not nothing secret. We have a new thing for November, the listen-only line. The listen-only line is a phone number that you can call up to listen to the show without any internet connection whatsoever. You don't need a computer. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need the internet. You can call from your grandmother's rotary telephone, like the one we have in Mount Charleston, and listen to the show this way. You cannot reach me by calling this number. You're not going to call into the show. That is, like, you can't be on the air by calling this number, but you can call it to listen. And a number of people use this. It's very useful. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. And you can always find that phone number on the radio page if you forget it. 712-775-8162. Now, we have live streaming reruns, also starting in November, where when this show is not on the air live, you will hear random archives being played on the radio page or on that phone number I just told you. So you can call up that phone number anytime when I'm not on the air, 
and also listen to the rerun that's playing or just go to the radio page and listen to the rerun. We have 24-7 reruns now, just randomly selected reruns over the past almost four years of broadcasting that I have done from this site with the various co-hosts that we've had. So a lot of options to listen. And, of course, in the archives, you can always listen in one of many ways that you can find on the radio page. I try to make it easy for you. And let's see here. If you want to donate to the free roll, by the way, I just got a question about that. You can always send money to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com on PayPal. It's dandruff, all lowercase, at pokerfraudalert.com. If you donate a minimum of $10, then you qualify for the free money of the free roll, even if you don't qualify otherwise. Dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can also email me that address. That's my PayPal address. And you can donate there to the free roll. It's the best way to donate. You can also send me Bitcoin, so PM me for that address. I'm not going to read that long thing on the air. So let's see if I can find Dare of Devil tonight. I'm on a new computer. I just installed Skype. See if I can reach Daredevil. Let's see if everything will work out. So far, we haven't had any fail yet. I'm crossing my fingers. Oh, Daredevil answers the phone. That's a good sign. Daredevil, hello. Now, that's not a good sign. Oh, I know. Oh, that's my end. There's our first fail. I had the fo- Here we go. Here we go. Okay. You there? Uh, Talk now. Yes. Okay. No, I, I turned down Skype, uh, and I forgot to turn Skype back up. So it, it is turned back up now, and this should take care of the issue so good we can hear you everything's beautiful and we will proceed and welcome back to the show i want to tell you that uh, much like uh after you have a breakup you can uh, go back and read old letters that your ex-girlfriend wrote to you or see old videos of you together and sometimes miss her uh i called up the listen only phone line which i sometimes do like uh, i usually don't go back and listen to full shows in the archives even the ones i just did like i just I just don't really feel the urge to do that, but I'll admit, like when I'm on the toilet, especially, I will just pick up the phone, you know, because I have my phone with me in the in the bathroom, and just dial that call to listen number and just hear what's playing. And it's it's actually kind of fun because I get to hear what random episode gets chosen and see if I remember doing it and if I remember the date and all that. So I heard you on some of them, and I go, "Oh, Daredevil! Wow, it's been months since he's been on here, and that's kind of sucks. He's not around anymore." And like, I, I, I didn't even know if you were reading the site anymore, if you're listening to the show. I, di- I didn't know what happened, and I was like, "Wow, if only we could go back and just get Daredevil back." And and then there you were. Here I am. So, so you're back, and you know, everybody. Th- there's always a few haters on the site who uh, no. who criticize you, but I know and it shocks you, but but the truth is that for the most part. Uh, you were very well liked as a co-host here, and and people really actually got used to you because you were on so many times. And uh, and I thought you always one thing I really liked about having you on there, and I noticed when I listened back to these old episodes, was that you always seemed knowledgeable about the subjects and had a lot to offer. There was there was a, a good uh, a good dynamic on here, and, and I felt uh, you brought a lot of good information to the table, and uh, and I missed it. And I said, wow, the, the Daredevil days are over. Well, thanks. I enjoyed it. I took a step back a bit during the World Series because I wasn't playing and Brandon was and he was co-hosting and the shows were great during that time. And, uh, you know, we always kind of assumed that he'd be back. And then when he wasn't, I thought about jumping in, but I hadn't read the site in a while. And I, I, I kept listening to the shows. I'm a bit – I'm like one episode behind. I got behind. But uh, no, I'm happy to hear you say that. I'm happy to be back. 
Okay, that's good. And by the way, anybody in the chat room, uh, you can always tell me if, if I'm too loud, if he's too loud. Again, I'm still yeah. experimenting with the sound uh, with this new computer so I can see what levels. It, it's totally different, like, setup as far as the sound levels as it was on the previous two computers I've used. So this was like when, when I was messing with it today, I was getting depressed because I couldn't get it right, and I was getting really frustrated. I even had Benjamin test it with me. Some of you may have heard that. And uh, he was describing the shirt he was wearing and told people he's five years old. But <laughs> that, that was the riveting radio you could have heard with Benjamin. I actually have him. I'll have him on here one of these days because he should. Now, now he can actually talk. Where yeah, but I, he could talk a few years ago, but it wasn't very coherent. Uh, apparently, I'm slightly louder than you. That's what the chat. No, we said. can't have that. Okay, let me. No. I'm gonna, we can't. That that bothers me when I go back and listen to old episodes and the other hosts are louder than me. I go, oh my god, how can this be? I'm the owner of the site. How can the co-host be louder than me? That's that's an outrage. So let me. I know it's a reverse conspiracy theory. Yeah, I I actually strive to have both of us the same volume. That's some people may think that I'm casting myself as the important one who should be loud. I don't want to be loud either. I I like everything being the same volume because it's so annoying to listen to a podcast or any kind of radio show where you've got to, especially on headphones, you've got to keep turning it up and down, up and down because the volume level is different with different things. It just, I hate it when I listen to things with that issue. So I don't want to have a show with that issue. Okay. Mm -hmm. So enough complaining about the volume. Uh, I... Want to let, read the agenda for everybody, and uh, then we can get going. I think I've said everything else. So here's what we're going to talk about this week. Not a huge week of news for poker, but good news. There were some people who were complaining that this changed from Poker Fraud Alert Radio to Daily Fantasy Sports Fraud Alert Radio. And that's kind of true for the last few weeks, but yeah. we're taking a break this week. There's no Daily Fantasy Sports topics on the agenda this week. There's, if you don't like those topics or you're sick of them, great news. It's not going to be here. But here's what we're going to talk about. Justin Bonomo, also known as Z. Justin, claims that three well-known poker players, and he claims poker players who are in the top 100 most known poker players, meaning not me, three of them are either sexual harassers or rapists. So now we have to play the game of guess who the rapist is. <laughs> and uh, everyone's playing this game now. But of all people to bring this up, it's Justin Bonomo, who, while he's never been accused of any sexual impropriety, uh, he's been accused of other impropriety that he's admitted to in the past. And the guy was kind of a douche to me this year at the World Series. I will talk about that and his little essay about it, why he called this out. And we'll talk about that whole story, which I think is... An interesting discussion, at the very least. I think so. Now, here's something I've been talking about over the last uh, year or so. At least the last year. Maybe the last two years. forgot when the story broke. And when I tell people about this, especially people who don't listen to the show, they're shocked to hear this. I tell them, Harry Reid, the, uh, the, the former Senate uh, minority leader and majority leader for some time. Uh, Harry Reid is going to be... that He received a $1 million bribe from Full Tilt Poker. A bribe. This is uh, not just some local politician. This is Harry Reid received a $1 million bribe, most likely, 
I can't say for sure, but most likely from what I believe, from Full Tilt Poker. And apparently Reed has had this reputation for a long time as someone who took bribes, someone who was very, very shady pretty much his whole life. How he dodged this all his, you know, through his political career and the position he rose to, I don't know, but he managed to. The state of Utah, which has really, really, really tried to investigate this because this is where the bribe took place, they've run into so many walls placed up in front of them. But uh, they're forging on with this after it seemed like this was dead. The state of Utah is still trying to investigate Harry Reid for receiving a bribe about online poker related, related to online poker for $1 million. So I will tell you about that and where I think that will go. WSOP.com, the legalized online poker site that you can play in Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware. They have a player on there called BTC Blade. I don't know if the BTC has to do with Bitcoin, but this isn't really a Bitcoin story. But he was caught breaking the terms of service of the site on his own camera. Yes, he videoed himself breaking a major rule of the site repeatedly. So what happened to him? The answer is nothing. We'll talk a bit about that and who called him out and the response that WSOP.com gave when he was called out. I'm going to talk a bit about a new strategy I have in the NBA with betting. Last year, the NBA is the only sports I bet. I I don't bet uh, football like most of you do. I don't bet baseball. That's really, really tough in my opinion. Even though I'm a huge baseball fan, I think betting is so hard because the games just have so much variance. But the NBA, I, I got to enjoy betting last year, and I started off well. And then around January, I just went in the toilet. I just went on an awful streak. And I have this kind of defense, what I call my Jewish defense mechanism, in that if I start losing a lot of money doing something, it, it stops being fun for me and I get depressed and I stop doing it, which is kind of good. It, it prevents me from chunking off all my money or, or wasting too much money on something that's uh, harmful. So that happened last year. I said, screw this. I can't be this. And I quit. So this year, I wasn't even sure if I was going to bet on the NBA again, but I, my degenerate side uh, went out over the Jewish side and I decided to do it anyway. But I, I've been focusing more carefully on what I think I'm better at betting, and I'm focusing on halftime bets. And I'll describe what my recent halftime bet strategy is and how it's been doing. Maybe you'll want to copy me with it because it's not that hard once I tell you what it is. Former poker pro Alex Jacob appeared on the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions. I'm not going to say how he did, and I'll put a spoiler before I tell you how he did in the segment itself. So if you don't want to listen to that, you can skip over it. Pocket Fives has released a confusing retrospective on the early days of online poker. When I say a confusing retrospective, they, they tried to write an article about the very early days of online poker. And while I understood it because I was around in those days, I can tell you the article was a mess and very difficult to decipher, even for someone who was familiar with the whole thing. So... I'll give you – I'm not going to read the article on the air because, as I said, it's a mess. But I will talk about the topics they touched on, give you my takes, and tell you a few memories of my own 
of when I played very early online poker. Daredevil, how far back do you go in online poker? Uh, 2004. Okay, so you came after yeah. the booms. Yeah, I'm one yes. of the few who was there pre-boom. I was not one of these guys who showed up because of Chris Moneymaker, the WPT on TV, or the World Series on TV. I was there before all that. Yeah, the funny thing was I came after the boom, but not because of any of those things you mentioned. Oh, interesting. It was just coincidental. And then I found out <laughs> like later in 2004 about Moneymaker and all that stuff. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you came in in a good time. 2004, I thought was yeah. – I actually thought that was the best year. But there's people who talk about 06. I, I, I thought 04 was when the games were the fishiest. That was my opinion from playing a lot of online poker, at least in Limit Hold'em. I don't know about No Limit. Uh Dogs playing poker, you know, that painting, that kind of tacky painting, if you want to have the original hanging in your house, you're going to have to put up a lot of money. I will tell you how much it just sold for. A British teenager who has a 17-year-old, he's, I think, 19 now, but as a 17-year-old, did a DDoS attack against an online casino just for fun. Not because he hated them, not because he was trying to extort money, just for fun. Apparently in Great Britain, that's not a big deal. He got a slap on the wrist. Talk a bit about that story. Brandon, provided he does show up as promised. I think he's going to come around like 9 or 9.30, which is like about an hour from now. But he tried out the Limit Hold'em 6 Max bot at Harrah's that I talked about last week. There's a new machine. There's a single machine, the only one that exists in the whole country, at Harrah's Las Vegas the Limit Hold'em game where you're playing against five bots in the, in the casino. So we'll talk about what Brandon experienced and whether this thing is beatable. I've done some more calculations. Brandon will chime in with his opinion. And if he doesn't show up for whatever reason, I will speak for him. General topics. And you never know what will come up, especially with me, Daredevil, and Brandon on the show here. It could be anything. But the two scheduled general topics... Obamacare. I've had a lot of discussions on Facebook with people about Obamacare. And I know you being Canadian, you don't have to deal with it. But No, but I have relatives in the States, and they've talked to me about it. But. Yeah. So I, I'm living Obamacare. I, I, mm-hmm. I have it. I, I don't have a subsidy. I pay the whole thing myself. But I have an Obamacare plan. I have a plan I was forced to take. I, mean, I could have taken one of many plans, but I was forced off the plan I had before Obamacare because it didn't qualify, and I was forced on an Obamacare plan, as is anybody in the United States who has individual health insurance. So if you have health insurance through your work, this probably doesn't affect you. But if you don't, if you're getting your own health insurance, as I am, then it does affect you. And I'm going to give you my honest opinion of whether or not it's working, what parts of it I feel are working, what parts are not working and what I think should be done with it. And I want to tell you before I get to that segment, which will be towards the end of the show, I did not come into Obamacare rooting for it to fail or assuming it would suck. I, I was, even though I'm not of the same political party as Barack Obama, I was not one of the Republicans who was uh, totally doubting it could work. I, I was skeptical but I was not someone who said this has no chance to work. I was someone who wanted to give it a chance. I was someone who knew that healthcare reform was needed in this country. So I wasn't one who felt that we should just have left everything alone because reform was needed. 
but I'll tell you whether I believe that this was the reform that was needed, and I'll tell you my personal experiences with it. And the Golden State Warriors, are they the best NBA team ever? They're 16-0, and and people are wondering, when will they lose? There's 82 games in the NBA season. Uh, very unlikely it'll go 82-0. and That's just too much has to happen for that to occur. But who's going to finally beat them? How good are they? How good are they compared to some of those magical Chicago Bulls teams with Michael Jordan? We'll talk a bit about that. That'll be the last topic because I know a lot of you people who are not in the U.S., especially outside of North America, do not like the sports talk. So that'll be at the end, so you can turn it off if you don't want to hear it. So those are our topics on the agenda. As you can tell, no groundbreaking, amazing, huge topics that are going to shake the poker world, but still stuff to talk about. So let's go right into what I think is one of the more interesting and entertaining topics Justin Bonomo and his claim about the three well-known poker players who are sexual harassers or rapists. I, I kind of would like Brandon on for this, but maybe we can ask him for his opinion when he comes on about who he thinks these people are. But that's the oh, first. You, you don't have any guesses? Oh, I, I, I don't really have that many, but we can talk about it here. I mean, I, I, I wanted to do this topic first, so since Brandon's not here, we're just going to do it. All right. But uh, I was just saying that he's someone I'd like to also hear. Since he's yeah, living in Vegas and all that, I'd love to hear his opinion on who these sexual harassers and rapists are. But uh, so here's here's what uh, Justin Bonomo wrote. He did this on a blog, dated uh, November twenty first. So it's only four days old. Now, before I begin, recall that Justin Bonomo, whose nickname online is Z Justin, and he's he's one of these Magic the Gathering guys. He's friends with the whole Magic the Gathering group. That's that's how he found his way into poker, was through the Magic the Gathering game. He's friends with Eric Froelich and David Williams and Brock Parker, they, that whole group, the the Magic group. That's who he hangs out with. That's uh, th- Those are his guys there. And he's been very successful on the tournament circuit. In fact, I end up playing with him a lot at the Limit Hold'em events, and he's, he's very good at the Limit Hold'em events. I'll give him that, even though he's not a Limit Hold'em cash player. Uh, I probably he got tips from Brock Parker, who's another very good limit tournament player. Uh, you know, he's he always seems to make it pretty deep. So he's he in fact he was at the final table I was at in 2013. But uh, Z Justin, Justin Bonomo, he's best known for a scandal. Now this did occur like nine years ago or ten years ago. It is an old scandal, but it is nevertheless a pretty bad scandal, and that is. On PokerStars, he was multi-accounting in the worst way, and that was he was entering tournaments with several accounts at once. That is much worse than multi-accounting in cash games where you're just playing under a different account and people don't recognize you. That's also not right, unless the site allows it. But it's much worse to enter a tournament simultaneously with several accounts, especially what if they end up at the same table with each other? Then you have no choice but to collude with yourself. There's no way you can forget the cards you're seeing that your other guy has. So this was pretty bad, and he did it. He did it for a long time. He was finally caught. When he caught, when he was caught, then he expressed uh, remorse. He was uh, claiming he's going to change. He claimed he knew it was wrong, blah, blah, blah. So 
He was immediately apologetic about it, but still, he did it. He still knowingly, blatantly cheated. And he can say that he was young back then, which he was, so maybe now he's more mature 10 years later, but still, this will forever be something that he's remembered for because he did it so blatantly. And he was one of the... There was that other guy, I don't remember his name anymore. I think he played under like a black car and a few other names. What was this guy's name? The, the other, who's like a 16-year-old? Do you remember the guy's name? No. Was this there was another, around the same time? Yeah, it was around the same time. There were two multi-accounting tournament scandals. One was this guy who I think was like 16 years old. Maybe the chat room can help me. And the other one was Z. Justin. The 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 16-year-old was first, and then Z. Justin. Who, okay, the chat's saying J.J. Prodigy. Yeah, J.J. Prodigy. That's him. Right. That's him, yeah. Uh, and, but, but J.J. Prodigy kind of fell off the radar. Like, I, I don't really hear of him anymore. Whereas Z. Justin is very, very much relevant in today's poker scene. So, But is that relevant to this at all? Well, a, a little bit. I'll, I'll explain in a second. Right. Uh, so people already don't like when an article is written that's kind of like lecturing you when it's from someone who – had major ethical lapses in the past. It's kind of like, like, don't lecture me, Justin. Like, that's the first thing people thought of when this was written because he didn't write this blog in the format like, hey, guess what? I heard about, I heard some great gossip here. We have two sexual harassers and one rapist who are known players in poker. Like, that would be different because he's not lecturing anyone. He's not uh, positioning himself in some kind of uh, moral way. He's just uh, saying, hey, guess what I heard? Unfortunately, this is the name of the blog, and I'll tell you, I almost didn't read it when I saw this as the title. I'm not even kidding. You know, Had I known what was in there, then I would have definitely read it, but I almost closed it when I read that it was entitled Sexism and Misogyny in Poker. <laughs> and I, I hate that because... Whenever men write this, you know, if, if a woman writes this, fine, because you know, maybe she experienced sexism and misogyny in poker. I believe that. But I don't like when men write this because I, I just don't like men that try to pretend like they're feminists or pretend that they're speaking for women or, or they're writing about things women are going through. And, and the problem is whenever these things are written, it's always written from the standpoint of I'm enlightened, I'm sensitive – I understand what women are going through. I treat women well, and you probably don't, so you've got to be more like me. He doesn't say those words, but, but all of these sexism, misogyny blogs that come from guys always have that tone to them, and I hate that. I hate that. I hate when men write about how evil men are and how bad they are to women. Like, even, even if the points they're raising are true, I don't like it because I don't like the tone. I, I just don't like it because it's always from the tone of, I'm not like this, but you probably are, and you better change. And so that's the tone, and that's the whole purpose of this article. Mm. But did you read – I mean did you read the whole thing and the part where he discussed with a female poker player whether – he sort of brought up that issue like should I say this being a man talking about women's issues? And she said yes because when women bring it up, it's seen as whining. Yeah, well, that, that's, that kind of seems like uh, – I mean I believe he may have had a conversation, but this seems like he's kind of justifying why he's writing. It kind of seems like an excuse. It just, this, this just looks like attention whoring, like just putting this out. Like why even write this? He's, he's putting this out here. Look, I, Justin Bonomo, I'm so sensitive towards women, and I'm going to let you guys all know that. And 
maybe you can all be like me one day. That's that's basically what the blog's saying. I just I, I hate blogs of that tone. They just they annoy me. And honestly, if a woman wants to write a blog about honest things that she's experienced in poker from uh, the standpoint of being a woman, I wouldn't see her as a whiner. I, I, I wouldn't want her writing that you know, all men are jerks and all men are terrible at the poker table or you know men this, men that. And there are some advantages you get being a woman at the poker table, which I've brought up too, and that has to also be fairly covered. But I, I wouldn't see a woman as a whiner for expressing truthfully what she's gone through at the poker table, you know, negative experiences she may have had with men there. And I believe there are some. I, I'm not saying that there is no sexism in poker. I'm sure okay. there is. And, and I wouldn't either. But do you think there are some men that exist that maybe need to hear this from another guy? You know, I don't think so because the ones that the ones that do it are never going to change because they read Z Justin's blog about it. Well, that's true. <laughs> so anyway, here's the uh, uh, here, here's the what he's writing. He puts, "There's been a great deal of debate about sexism and misogyny in poker swirling around Twitter and other social media platforms lately. Unfortunately, the fact that these issues are even prevalent in the first place is still being debated. It is an uphill battle for the small minority of women that exist in poker to have their opinions be heated with appropriate gravity." I'd like to share some stories and female points of view that I believe will show pretty clearly how monumental these issues are for women in poker. If you care about poker as an industry, it's in your best interest to make the environment as welcoming as possible for new players, and that means we need to start listening to women. See, I, I just don't like that tone. It's just, it's just so patronizing. <laughs> you know, it's just text, Todd. I mean, you're putting the tone into something. I can read. I can hear him saying it. I, <laughs> I know, but it, it, I mean, and I understand why you say that because I mean, this is the you know he was in that thing about Daniel Negrano saying come play with the big boys, and he was one of the people that was upset about. So yeah, I can, I can see why you say that. Yeah. So he then he goes on to say, normally this would be the part of the blog post where I provide definitions for sexism and misogyny, but I don't want to do to devolve this into a debate over semantics. As you read further, forget whatever definitions you have in your head and keep only the following assertion of mine in mind before reading it. An inexcusably large percentage of male poker players treat women like shit. So there there it goes. An inexcusably large percentage, which means not him, but Mm -hmm. a large percentage that he's not part of. So, okay, let's, let's go on here. Since women make up such a tiny percentage of poker players in any given card room, it can be hard to appreciate the frequency at which these problems occur. Here are three true stories. Each one is about a different professional male poker player. All three are among the hundred most famous poker players of all time. And three either have have had or still do have prominent sponsorship deals with major poker sites. So this this is the interesting part where he names the the three bad guys. Of poker, and if these stories are true, these guys are pretty bad. I agree with that, and this is the most interesting part. Provided he's telling the truth, this is the most interesting part. That this, these are three of the most hundred, of the hundred most famous male poker players out there, which he does not name. Pro A is patently disgusting. I've had two separate girlfriends tell me they had their asses grabbed by this man. Neither girl had ever spoken a single word to him. Both instances took place in the Rio and occurred one year apart from each other. A masseuse I know confirmed this behavior and shared a few similar stories detailing how outrageously gropey he is. So that's pro A. Now, I immediately thought of Devilfish, but uh, I don't think I don't think Devilfish is groping very many people right now. Also, yeah. 
Also, I don't think you can slander the dead, so I, I don't know why he would not include his name. Yeah, so, I, well, maybe he's afraid that people will get mad that he's, like, trashing a guy who can't defend himself and is six feet under. But but I still think this is a, a live person he's talking about. It just – from reading this, it doesn't sound like – I mean, yeah, he he could be changing was to is just so it doesn't give away to Devilfish. But it does – it just kind of seems like he's throwing this out here like, hey, these three guys still exist, not like – only t- he could have said something like two of these three are still in poker and one's not, and then that doesn't necessarily mean he's dead. But he's saying these three are prominent top 100 poker players. I, I don't think he'd be writing that if one of them is dead. So I don't think it's Devilfish. I think that this definitely applies to Devilfish, and I've heard stories about Devilfish from per- people I knew personally that, that knew oh, for sure. That's Devilfish hit on my girlfriend. <laughs> really? He did? Vegas, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was very, very inappropriate with women. Very inappropriate. And, uh, and like, this really sounds very much like him, but it's probably not. It's probably like a devilfish clone. <laughs> so so th- that's pro A. Pro B is well-liked, according to Justin Bonomo. You would be surprised to hear that he was accused of repeated sexual harassment by a female in the poker world while representing his sponsoring site. I'm not at liberty to discuss the specifics of the outcome due to lawyers involved, but it was not pretty. So this pro B is not as bad as A because this is only one woman who was accusing him of something. And when one person's making accusations, unless they have smoking gun proof, you never know what the truth is. But like this A person, if he's done this to two women who both happen to have been girlfriends of Justin Bonomo, he's probably done it to a ton of people. But this pro B apparently... I guess while he was wearing clothes for whatever sponsors, whatever site he was sponsoring him, uh, he was repeatedly harassing this one woman, and they, I right. guess, she complained to the site, and lawyers got involved. Also, the way it's read, don't you feel like he's the main site pro? The way it's written, uh, it says his sponsor yeah, site, meaning yeah. like he's the face of the site or was. Maybe it's his sponsoring site. Almost, I mean, I, I, I don't know. That could be either way. Whether. Okay. Could just mean the site that sponsors him. Pro C, this is the worst one. Pro C was the one that surprised me the most, according to Justin Bonomo. A female poker player accused him of rape. Yes. Pro C is a rapist, according to Justin Bonomo. Upon finding out about this, another female that's connected in the poker world instantly spoke up, saying she too had been raped by Pro C. His sponsorship contract was immediately terminated the very next day. Wow. That's the most Jeez. interesting one. The, the double rapist, or probably more than a double rapist, probably raped a lot of people if this is true. And that uh, when two different women spoke up about it, the site immediately dropped him. Whatever site this was and whatever pro this was. So, of course, everybody wants to know who pro A, B, and C are. That, that's the most interesting part of this article. Then Justin goes on to write, I can only assume my credibility will be called into question since I have not named these men, but that is a decision for the victims to make, not myself. There are other factors at play as well, i.e. lawyers. The details are intentionally kept to a minimum, but this is all real. Okay, I think that's bullshit. To say that it's the victim's choice to disclose who these people are. These are rapists that... You know, the public needs to be aware of why yeah, is it only up to the victims? Right, and also the victim doesn't have; they don't have to say who they are. Right. So, yeah, I he didn't say he asked the victim. It's not like he said I asked the victims and they're not ready to come forward. He's like, 
if he's in contact with these people who are accusing these guys of this, why not just ask the victims, hey, can I use this guy's name? Yes, okay. Like, hey, can I tell this story? Yes, okay. I, I don't know. So either he's afraid he's going to get sued for writing this right. or or he or he, uh, he just doesn't want to make enemies with, with these people or maybe he's making it up. I don't think he's making it up, but I, I think at least he heard these things. I, you know, even though Justin Bonomo did the cheating, I haven't really heard about him lying. Like, he's not really known as a liar. I, I don't see him writing this whole blog and giving these details. It just didn't strike me like this is fabricated. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd be shocked. I mean, at least not on his end. He may have heard this from someone who may have fabricated it, but I don't believe that he's yeah. fabricating any of this. So so people were guessing about pros A, B, and C. And A, people were, of course, throwing around devil fish, but I was saying I, I, don't th- I think it's someone who's alive. B, I kept hearing people say Negranu, and I don't agree with that one. I know people are thinking because of the site pro, maybe because the words his sponsoring site like you brought up. And someone that you wouldn't suspect who's well liked. So yeah, that type of stuff would apply to Indigranu. He is a main pro of a sponsor uh, of a site, Poker Stars. Uh, he is well liked. He is someone you wouldn't think would be a sexual harasser. But just from my interactions with Negranu and seeing him around women, uh, I, I don't see that. Like with Devilfish, you'd see this right away. You, you would so quickly see that he's a sexual harasser. And, like, a rapist is a different story. A rapist sometimes will be someone who is very nice and respectable in public and then behind closed doors will commit rape. Like, Bill Cosby is a good example. But uh, you have someone, like, uh, you know, who's a sexual harasser. Your sexual harassers are usually guys who will do inappropriate things to women out in public, to strangers and not care what people think. And I just... I, I've, I'm not close friends with Negranu. I don't hang out with him, but I've, I've been around him a number of times, including times when he is single and when women who are fans of his approach him, attractive women, and want him to sign something. I don't mean their breasts, but uh, I, like they'll bring up something for him to sign. I, I, don't, I just don't see it for him. I don't see him like his tongue hanging out when these things happen. He, he handles it pretty professionally. So I, I just – now, I don't know him super, super well. So is it possible Negranu is a sexual harasser? That well, also that's such a broad term. If you'll pardon the pun, but uh, <laughs> I mean, sexual harassment could be—I mean, that could mean so many things and go so far on the scale. Yeah, and also there's so. a story about—it's just one story. It's one story about this B. B is the one who's the least uh, egregious of the things that uh, Bonhamer wrote. That it's just one girl who's saying that he's repeatedly sexually harassing her. So you got to wonder, well, why is it just this one girl? And does he have a history with her? And uh, does she have a reason to make this up? Is she mad at him for something that happened between them? Like, whenever one person makes accusations, there could be so many different reasons for it. And I'm not saying you have to dismiss them, but you have to approach it much more skeptically. The reason everyone believes, for example, going back to Bill Cosby, the reason everyone believes about him now is because there's such a high volume of women that came forward about him from a long stretch of years that it would have to be an amazing conspiracy for this to be fabricated against him. But one person, I don't know. So also, like I say, sexual, I mean, uh, you know, I've worked at places where they say, if you ask someone out twice and they say, no, the third time is sexual harassment. So, yeah, like that—that's such. A, that could be anything from something like that, where someone was just 
like kept bugging someone to go out with them or something to something a lot more. Yeah, and vile, you know, so. there, there could be something else too. Like I, I there was a girl, she she wasn't well known in poker or anything, but um I was playing at one of these uh World Series events, so like a lower buy in the World Series event. And there was a girl there with uh she was like in her mid twenties and she had big boobs and they were she was wearing a very, very low cut shirt where there's like hanging out where you can see them. She, she's wearing that shirt on purpose to distract you. And I went up after I was so curious to see if this is normally what she does that I actually went and looked her up afterwards. And every picture I found of her had her wearing a very low cut shirt. So this was she always did this in the poker tournaments, uh, obviously, to distract guys and maybe get a different table image. Uh, she, she never ended up too successful. She wasn't a bad player. She's a little bit too over aggro. But anyway, the reason I bring her up is that at one point she made a speech that, like, when, when some guy uh, called her down and said some, or, or I think it was a guy called her down, she said something like, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, you know, just something like, uh, what, you don't think the girl can ever have it? Or, you know, how come people don't ever respect uh, girls? Pl-? Something about, like, you're not respecting me because I'm a female player. Just because of the way they played. It wasn't, he didn't say anything inappropriate with her. She, she made some sort of remark like that. So I didn't want to get into it, but I felt like saying, wait a minute, you're talking about respecting you as a female player when you're wearing that? Like you show up at the table wearing something like that with your boobs hanging out and you're trying to get attention that way. You, you can't complain about guys perceiving you in a certain way. And so I'm wondering, like, take a girl like that and you have – a guy who makes repeated comments about her breasts during the tournament. Is that, uh, you know, I'm not saying he should, but at the same time, does she really have a right to complain about that when she's intentionally wearing something like that to get attention that way? So, like, I'm not saying she deserves to be raped or have her ass slapped. I'm saying, like, if, if you're going to wear something to get attention for your breasts and then guys make comments about your breasts, whose fault is it really? So it, that type of sexual harassment, I wouldn't say, oh, my God, that guy's so awful. Whereas uh, a girl who's just, Dressed normally and acting normally, and some guy at the table's making crude comments to her, that I think would be highly inappropriate. So, anyway, do you have any idea who Pro C might be? The rapist? Annie Duke. No. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. So, some, the big clue here is that someone who was abruptly dismissed. From representing a poker site Now the problem is Because Amaya has been trimming the fat so much with their pros There's been so many pros abruptly let go recently That That kind of clouds the situation Right, e- even in the, the non-recent history I mean, isn't everyone kind of let go abruptly? Like uh, Is anyone told like six months out They're not going to have a deal anymore? Yeah, that's the other problem so. and like, like I think of Greg Raymer He was let go pretty abruptly But the truth is he wasn't really bringing much value to poker stars anymore at that point. And, uh, and this is before he got caught in the whole prostitution thing. You may think, oh, hmm, he was seeing prostitutes. Maybe he's also, uh, maybe he's also a rapist. Uh, not that one means the other, but it's, you know, there, one, he did commit what's considered a sex crime, uh, a very low-grade one. But the thing is uh, you could say maybe a guy who's seeing prostitutes is more likely to be a rapist than someone who doesn't see prostitutes. Right. So, but but I don't I don't know. Like it's such a stretch. I'm not even going to say I'm guessing Raymer. I'm just saying that there's so many people who were dismissed from very abruptly from the site that they were representing. And as you said, like you don't hear about like a six month negotiation. You just hear like this person's not representing the site anymore. So right. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's just so, I don't know. Again, I don't know why these people can't be named. Yeah. If, if there's really a rapist at large who's raped several people, I mean, this is a danger to the community of women that he's saying to represent. So I really don't know how it's justified in not naming. Now, by the way, I want to mention something about women in poker. I know a woman in poker who pretty well who is a longtime winning player. She's supported herself. Uh, she's a limit hold'em player. She's not famous, but she supported herself with poker for many years. And uh, she, she's around my age, but uh, she. I've talked to her about her being a woman in poker, and yeah, she's had a few guys make uh, comments, but she said she's she's never felt oppressed at the table. She's never felt like uh, that, that she's at a disadvantage, that, that that she's always on edge, that people are treating her like crap, that she's not being treated with respect. It's like she, you know, it's, it's, it happens occasionally, but then she also uh, gets the benefit of being a female occasionally, where uh, you know you, you have big hands and guys don't want to lay them down to you, or. Or you can bluff guys more easily because they don't think the girl's bluffing. Things like that. So she said that uh, she doesn't mind being a woman in poker, and uh, you know she. And this is again, this is someone who's not. Uh, this is someone who's overall politically very liberal. So this is not even like a. You can't say oh she's a conservative who's just dismissing feminists. This is someone who otherwise is pretty liberal and and and, and uh, pretty much a feminist. But even she has not complained about this being an issue. It's been the opposite. So I I, th- I already think that uh, you know putting all these accusations aside of these three pros, I, I think this issue is being exaggerated. And also, I will tell you, I have been the subject of abuse by women at the table. And, and I'm not kidding. The way I've been abused by women, not not sexually. I'm not getting uh, sexual innuendo to me. And if if I was, I wouldn't feel that abused anyway. But. The abuse I've received are women, especially ones who are either attractive or think they're attractive, and they expect special treatment. And if I don't give them special treatment, they get mad at me, and they go off on me, and they get bitchy with me. And, I'm, and I don't start up with them. Like, I don't ever start with women. I don't treat women disrespectfully. I treat everybody at the table totally equally. I don't care what color they are, what age they are, what sexual preference they are, what gender they are. I, honestly, at the table, I, I treat people according to how they behave towards me. And that's it. And that's the truth. I'm not just saying it to sound good. So, but I've had women who have started up with me for no good reason. Like I had one one time who uh, who check-raised me on the turn. Uh, or, or, Yeah, she check-raised the turn and then uh, bet into me on the river. I called. And then she would not show her hand. She wanted me to show my hand first. And that's not the way it works. She's supposed to show her hand first. She was the aggressor. She's supposed to show first. So she says, pair of tens. I'm thinking, well, I, I know I can beat a pair of tens, but I don't want to turn over what I have. I want to see what she check-raised me with. Now, she's welcome to muck it. I'm not going to demand they, they, uh, they grab her hand, but I'm not showing mine and letting her muck so she can see what I had, uh, but not the... Because when she says pair of tens, she doesn't know if I can beat her yet or not. Pair of tens is like... Uh, right, that's... No, I mean, that's an old trick. Yeah, it's an old trick. So So... So I just I say, well, show your hand. She says, I said a pair of tens, and and so, and then I said, well, show it. So she turns over a, a one card with a ten. I said, no, no, show the whole hand, and she gets really pissed and slams down the other card, which shows that she had a you know middle pair and a straight draw on the turn. That's what she was check raising, and then missed on the river, and and I had a better pair than ten, so I won. So, pretty standard, 
but boy, was she pissed, and she muttered under her breath something about me being an asshole, and and we had no history before this, and there's someone I didn't know either. So, and then amazingly, idiots at the table because this is a girl who was pretty and, and young. Uh, they idiots at the table, ass kissers at the table, all went off on me about this, telling me how I was rude. I'm not a gentleman. I was, it was awful, and I'm arguing back. And uh, finally, I gave up on the argument. I had like seven people calling me a jerk. I finally just gave up. But I, this was someone who did this and behaved this way because she knew she was a pretty girl. She knew that guys perceived her that way. She knew that they would take her side no matter what. And she felt that I should be falling all over her and showing her my hand. And when I treated her the same way I treated dude at the table, she didn't like that. And, and this is not one isolated incident. I had other women. I used to talk about in the past my mini feud with Liz Liu back in the day. She also treated me like crap at the table for no reason. I, I've had women who believe that they're hot shit treat me poorly because they believe that I should be treating them in a special way, that they should be getting extra advantages for the way they look or the fact that they're a female or the fact that they're young females, whatever the hell they think. And, and I've seen this multiple times over the years. And I'm not going to say all women are like that, but I'm saying that uh, being a woman in poker is not all negative. And not only that, there's cases like mine here where these women will abuse the guys who don't fall into line for them. So, uh, so I don't even believe that this sexism issue in poker is a big thing. I think the reason women don't play poker for the most part is, one, I think they just have less general interest in it. Uh, I, the girlfriends I've had over the years since I've been playing poker, they've ranged from a very, very moderate interest in poker to no interest in poker. Uh, just because they didn't have interest in it, not because they felt it was going to be uh, uh, an environment full of sexist males or that they were treated poorly or nothing like that. They just didn't want to play. They just didn't want to do it. And that's that's the truth, and people sometimes have a hard time believing that males and females can have different interests, that even if you try to take the societal factors away, sometimes just males and females are different and gravitate towards different things on a whole. And... I believe that's the main reason there are not many women in poker. It's not so much that they feel intimidated. And I think second, that poker is a game of aggression, and men are naturally more aggressive than women. And women just, some of them don't like that aspect of the game. That's part of the reason poker doesn't appeal to some. If you talk to women who play the ladies' event at the World Series, something they're going to tell you is that very few people are aggressive. The women are actually all nice to each other. Everybody's polite. It's, a, it's kind of a different environment because it's, it's, it's less competitive. It's less uh, aggressive. And, yeah, there's women who are very aggressive and there's women you know have aggressive personalities. And of course, you can't stereotype completely by gender. But I believe that that aspect of the game also drives away women. I, I just don't think that we're – missing a large segment of women that could be in the poker population because of the way they're all treated. I just don't believe that. And also, it would. why aren't we seeing them online, if that's the case? Yeah, I mean, I think that is true to some degree. I obviously have no way of knowing how big of an issue that is. Uh, I, I always said, though, the best thing possible for poker is for a woman to win the main event because that's the one market that hasn't been fully... Yeah actualize like every man from every race creed religion ethnic social background knows about poker pretty much but 
you know, it, honestly, if you want another poker boom, that's probably where it's going to come from. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't foresee that happening because I agree. If this, you know, the same amount of women that I'm friends with as men, let's just say 10 and 10, how many are interested in playing poker if I call them up? Zero. Yeah, and they're, and they're not even aware and of... those are home games. It's just like, that's, I don't know. Yeah, and they're not even aware of the supposed sexism in poker. Like, they, they don't even know this stuff. So, like, they, you can't even say they're not doing it because of this. They just don't want to do it. They just have no interest. So, I, I don't even believe the point of this blog. And there's another article written on Card Player I'm not going to bother to read. Another uh, man writing about sexism in poker. So, let me go on and see, tell you what uh, else Justin wrote here. If we expand our search of inappropriate behavior to non-famous poker players, the stories only get more common and appalling. A female dealer I know was talking to a player about being hired for a private event in his hotel suite. She went to look at the room to discuss logistics and was slipped a date rape drug in a glass of water. I did not realize that uh, she was going to deal for Bill Cosby. Fortunately, her proverbial alarm bells went off, and she was able to flee the room. She passed out seconds later in the elevator. A family friend of mine, who's now retired from the Nevada Metropolitan Police Department, strongly urged us not to say anything, both for legal and safety reasons. This made us sick. That doesn't make any sense. If this guy was was, was, uh, associated with the police at one point, uh, he's retired, some older guy who used to be a, a cop, why would he ever say don't say anything for legal and safety reasons? First of all, you're not going to get, ever get in any legal trouble for reporting an attempted date rape. You you may not get uh, the guy arrested or prosecuted if there's not enough evidence, but you're never going to get any legal trouble. You can't be sued for reporting someone to the police a crime that they say they didn't commit. That's no. and, and uh, it's not well, not in that country anyway. Yeah, and and uh, and safety reasons. Why is this guy in the mob or something? I don't I don't understand the safety reasons part. Like that's. He, You'd think it would be relevant to the story if he'd say she was afraid to report him because he's known as a dangerous guy and she's afraid she'd get hurt by him. Like, But that's not in the story, so that's probably not true. Legal and safety reasons are just weird. So, Okay, so going on. Keep in mind that none of the above is public information. These are just a few stories that I happen to know of because I'm close with the victims. Imagine how many countless parallel stories there must be out there that we'll never hear. Well, yes, I, I believe that. Why? Because there's a number of guys out there that are scumbags. And... If you – first of all, you shouldn't go up to some strange dude's room to look at logistics. I mean, that's, that's – I mean, come on now. This is – that's – I'm not someone – just to be clear, I'm not someone who believes that a woman should be raped or sexually harassed if she goes into a guy's hotel room. But it also is sending signals and putting herself in danger that she should not be putting herself in. It's just like I should have the right to walk through Compton at midnight with, with thousands of dollars hanging out of my pockets. But I'm not going to do that because it's stupid. I should have a right to. I shouldn't be held up at gunpoint for the money hanging out of my pockets. But there's a good chance I would, and that's why I don't do it. So, Well, I, I don't think that's quite analogous. I mean, he kind of tricked her there saying we need to go over something about the, you know a job that she's getting. So, yeah, I know. But you gotta be, by the way, uh, sexual harassment expert TMMLK said he's trying to call him. Yeah, I know. I, do, I just don't feel like taking it right now. So, So – and going on, he says, I'm sure virtually everyone reading this agrees that there's nothing even close to acceptable about the behavior in any of the above stories. My fear is that many readers will think no one I know would do anything like that, so it doesn't concern me. I have two responses to that. One, these, instances, 
these incidents are far more common than you would ever like to believe. And two, while someone you know may not be doing this, another version of them that's being used as a multi-account might be doing this in the background. No, no, no. He wrote, while these actions are on the extreme and at the end of the spectrum, they are still on the same spectrum of male poker players treating women like shit. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I like the second thing I said better, actually. <laughs> a, a few, f- and then here's the, here's where you get some supposed female perspectives uh, on the matter. For the day-to-day occurrences, it can be hard for the men to fully understand how pervasive and problematic the microaggressions are. This is where it really gets stupid. Microaggressions. Is that like microfiber? Uh, rather than provide my distanced male observations, which you've been doing the whole blog, I'd like to share a few female perspectives that show how tiresome it is to have to deal with all this stuff every day. Pro poker player Danielle Anderson told me, the pre-existing disproportionate ratio of males to females alone is enough to make walking into a card room an overwhelming experience for women. Throw any minority group into a situation where they're vastly outnumbered and it can be very intimidating. Add to that equation the prospect of sitting in close proximity to someone who may make sexist remarks, unwanted advances, and even unwelcome touch, all things I've experienced firsthand, and it's not exactly a welcoming environment for females. Well, all right. Uh, I believe she's been through these things, but uh, the problem is, again, you're always going to have guys out there who are jerks, who will do things like this. And they're not going to be the ones who are going to read Z. Justin's blog and go, oh, I can't believe I've been, I've been putting my hands all over these, these broads. And then this, this Justin guy, he made me, he made me rethink myself. Like, that's, like that, that's not going to happen. You're, like, believe me, the ones who are doing the unwelcome touch and the really crude remarks, they're not going to be influenced by this blog at all. So, uh, so then he says, in this powerful video, which I'm not going to bother to uh, – play, Christy Arnett, who's now a Choice Center disciple, by the way, speaks with tremendous candor and humor about a decade's worth of experiences as a woman in poker. She describes what it was like to start out as a young female video commentator. She actually interviewed me once. I didn't sexually harass really? her. Yeah, I didn't sexually harass Someone actually made me into a sexual harasser in a, in a gif. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, they froze it in one spot and made it look like I was staring at her boobs. But I, oh, I, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two weeks after I make my video debut in poker, there's a forum called 2 Plus 2. There's a thread named Christy Arnett. In this thread, there's teeth crooked like she got kicked in the mouth by a horse. Did she get hit in the face of the frying pan? Haha, someone replies, no, you mean a walk? Sexist and racist. I was 21. Well, okay, that's a forum. I mean... That's, that's what true. people do on forums. Yeah. I mean, that's two plus. That, that's not even a forum. That's two plus two. Yeah. I mean, they, they would say that about half the guys in poker. Yeah, that's the point. Like when guys are on TV, that they, they see something, they bash me on two plus two after I appeared on TV spinning C covers. Like it's not. That's not even about sexist. Now, you you have guys on there that they see a girl, and because girls aren't as common in poker, and of course, like a a new video interviewer, they want to comment on her, and they they immediately go to how she looks. You may say not the most mature, and if she reads it, it can be hurtful, but still. That's what guys, especially young guys, do. and uh, But that, that's not really about sexism and poker. That's just about forum trolls. Forum trolls are going to comment on anything in offensive ways. So, uh, so let me see if there's anything worth continuing. I don't want to read this whole thing. But the, I'm going to skip down to this. Why we should care. Most of us entrenched in the poker industry... Most of us are entrenched in the poker industry, so I'm not going to try to rally us together in the name of some moral high ground like equality and justice for all. It sounds like that's what he's doing. 
no, this is about pragmatism. This is about mutual interests aligning. This is about bridging more people into poker. This is about cultivating an environment in poker that makes new players want to keep coming back. This is about putting more money in our pockets. Well, that's not very nice, Justin. You're, you're writing here that women suck at poker. And that, this is about, we've got to be nice to them because they suck. And if they start playing with us and like playing with us, they're going to lose a lot of money to us. So we're all going to make more money. So we have to pretend to be nice, respectful guys so we can take these women's money. That, that's the point he's trying to make, I guess. A caller on the air. Yeah, uh, hi, Todd. It's uh, Kalwat. How are you? Yeah, hi. What's going on? Well, I just had something, a uh, story that uh, really reminded me of the uh, the sexual harassment topic that you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of the way, <laughs> you know, definitely sexual harassment does happen and women can be victims, but uh, it's not always quite that clear cut. So I had a, a girlfriend of mine a uh, long time ago that uh, she and her sister, who are both very attractive women, worked in the financial district in uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. And her sister filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against some uh, people that uh, uh, she worked with in the financial industry, right? So what they decided to do was rather than, you know, sell his name and all that kind of good stuff uh, and go to court and all that, they just decided to pay her off. Um, so I think she won a judgment of, it's like $20,000 or so. Yeah. And, uh, do you have any idea what she did with that money? I got a boob job. She got a boob job and she went to the Caribbean. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so well, good. Said, now, now she can get sexually harassed even more. Right. So she said, don't treat me like a sex object. That's not fair. I don't want that, but I'm going to turn myself into one. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That, and that's, yeah, there, there's a lot of that's there's a lot of this on both ends. There's a lot of legitimate stories of go, women being yep. treated poorly by jerks at the table or elsewhere, and other other ones who either are hypersensitive or are purposely exaggerating the situation so they can either collect money or get attention. And, and it's sometimes hard to differentiate them. So there's that matter too. But I, I can tell you from. I've observed this myself. I've played with a lot of women at the table, and I don't witness a lot of this going on. I, now, maybe at the $3, $6 table, it happens more than the higher limit games I play at. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I, I have not really witnessed firsthand uh, mistreatment of women at the poker table. But I have witnessed firsthand. I mean, I've, I've mis- seen guys hitting on them. You know, I've seen guys, in, in fact, I've seen guys being extra nice to them. Yes. You know, hoping to curry their favor. And I've, I've seen I've that seen, quite often. I've seen some pathetic attempts to uh, use very dumb lines or ass kiss. Like a, uh, yeah. that uh, Elizabeth Hille, who made like uh, 11th place in the World Series a few years ago, she was at my mm-hmm. table on day three, and there was some guy sitting next to her. He was around her age. You know, she was like 26, 27. He was around her age. And boy, he was ass kissing. He's saying, wow, so you're uh, – <laughs> I, you're, you're really beautiful and really good at poker. Wow, that, that's amazing. You don't see that very often. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, And she's like, oh, thank you. But you could tell she's thinking what a chump this guy is. Like, You could tell right. that she just yeah. wanted this guy to shut up and like these were not going over well with her at all. But, uh, like, so, but he wasn't sexually harassing her. He was just kissing ass and doing a poor job of it. Right. So... And that's 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 par for the course. If you're going to be, especially a pretty girl, a young girl is going to be sitting at a poker table with a lot of guys, and especially if you play fairly well and impress them that way, like you're going to get guys 
They're like, wow, this is cool. Someone who has the same interest as me, someone who's even a good player, who I can you know, even respect her play somewhat, and, and and she's pretty. Of course they're going to want to hit on her. Of course that's going to happen. Of course they're going to be interested and try to – and some will do it in a stupid ass-kissy way. Some will do it in kind of a flirting but not inappropriate way. And, and some will uh, be inappropriate because they don't know how to talk to women or or, uh, or just are crude. And that's that's kind of what you just have to understand if you're a woman – Entering poker that with a whole lot of dudes there, a lot of them being single and desperate, uh, you're not going to completely get away from that. So, well, it's not even just a woman entering poker; it's a woman entering a bar. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're going to get hit on there too. You know, That's yeah, the way it is. yeah. Someone's uh, someone's bringing up in chat that uh, Kathy Liebert probably doesn't go through all these uh, situations, but uh... <laughs> you know, it's funny, Kathy Liebert. I I, I said some things about her that, uh, you know, not about the way she looks, but just, you know, about her personality. I, I was kind of bashing Cash, Kathy Liebert a little bit over the last few years because she was bitchy to me on Twitter for no reason, like about four years ago, and then I think blocked me, like really for no reason. Like I just, I think she was like tweeting like a hundred different tweets about the NFL and I just made some comment about uh, it being excessive and then she just went off on me and started insulting me and started insulting me personally. So... I just assumed at that point that Kathy Liebert must hate me, which was weird because before that, me and her always got along. And she was at my table this year in in one of the events I cashed. And uh, I was like, hmm, I got moved to Kathy Liebert's table. I didn't expect her to start up with me or anything because that's not her personality. But I was kind of wondering like what it would be like. But she was actually like very nice to me like this all never happened. So I don't know if she was just being friendly because we happened to be at the table. But like even when we, the table broke and we're moving – like, uh, you know, she's making conversation about various hands we were in together. and uh, Maybe she was just negging you, Todd. Do you know what that is? No. It's it's a, it's a like a tactic to hit on people where you try to, like, break them down <laughs> and then ask them out. So they're like, oh, I have all these uh, faults, geez. but they like me. So Yeah, yeah well, it's Maybe possible, you. you know, because Kathy Liebert, even though it's said by people that she's a lesbian, she actually isn't. She had sex with Tom McAvoy. Oh, they were an item for a long time. Yeah, so she's a... I know she has some mannerisms where she seems like she's a lesbian, but uh, she isn't. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with her up until that thing with tw- on Twitter, and then I was surprised to see how nice she was to me at the table. I, I also ran so well at that table. I was – then the table broke, and I just I – w- I wasn't just running well. I, because I was running well, I was also like – I had like a lot of respect there too. So it was like a perfect situation, and like I, I also it was like kind of like a good lineup of players matching up with me the way my style is. Like it was like a perfect situation. Like oh, I just want to be here all day. And then they go, okay, table's breaking. I go, fuck. And then it was kind of a struggle from there. Like I cashed, but I kind of like uh, I didn't cash big in that one. And for for a brief moment, I thought I was just gonna own there. And there's a lot of the day left, so it's kind of sad. But anyway, tangent here. So. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh, Kawa, thanks for your call about this, and uh, definitely a, the valid point about uh, sometimes these sexual harassment claims are for gain. And uh, anything else you wanted to bring yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, a lot of times, and, you know, just the way it is, uh, not just women, but people in general want attention. And, you know, like you said, if you're going to sit there with your tits out, don't be shocked if I'm going to look at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You're yeah. putting them on display. I'm going to look at them. I'm yeah, sorry. exactly. That's that's or or even ones that get mad about comments. You can, you can't make you can't be angry about comments when you're doing something on purpose to have people notice them. You, you can't do it. You can't be mad about it. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. it's like you know a girl a girl walking down the street with her tits hanging out, and 
some guy looks at him and she says, pervert. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you chose what you're going to put on in the morning, dear. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for your call here. And, uh, all right. It was, thanks. uh, interesting story. Thank you. So, yeah, I actually met, uh, Calwatt during the World Series. Nice guy. And, uh, we, uh, he's a, he's a, a computer guy. And he actually, you know, he said before we met, he said, I don't really look like what you'd expect for a computer guy. And sometimes guys say that and then they really do, but he didn't at all. I, for, for sure, like if I saw this guy, I wouldn't think he was into computers. He just doesn't really have that look. So anyway, uh, let's, let's see anything more about this topic here. Going on longer than I expected. I'm not going to read the rest of this blog. You can go to. Justin Bonomo, that's B-O-N-O-M-O.blogspot.com, and read this whole thing. It's, it's actually fairly long. and uh, There's a number of people writing comments there about why, you know, about this being a great post, and thank you, and they, especially women. But someone did write, one day you will look back on this blog post and, feeling, and feel embarrassed about how misled you are here. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if this is an elaborate trick just for him to get women? <laughs> I, you know, I've thought about that. He just like forwards everyone to this blog, and he's like, "Man, I'm gonna get so much tail out of this." I, I've seen this before. I, I see this, in fact, on on Facebook, where you have like these white nighters who, if a woman perceives that when you're arguing with her that you're doing it because you know she's a woman or or. Uh, yeah, you're being sexist or whatever. Then, then they immediately jump to the woman's defense, hoping that the woman will see them as being sensitive and, uh, uh, yeah, a great guy, and then they'll get some action. Or so. This could be a way, though. Here, I'm going to play you though something about Justin that a lot of people may not know. I learned this just recently since this blog came out about Justin's, shall we say, uh, sexual preferences. And I'm not talking about him being gay. He's not gay, to my knowledge. Oh, but, yeah. But uh, there's something that I think you may want to hear that uh, was surprising to me. This is an interview he did with Poker News. I want to talk about this, too. (laughs) It's another topic good for Brandon, but he's not here yet. It's around the time he's going to come. Right, is this going to play? He'll be happy to know we're on this topic one. This is your first one. 2048. What is this? We're bringing you the no. New no, no. Todd, we don't want to hear ads for a gay cruise or whatever that is. <laughs> There's an ad on Poker News for some kind of app or something. Come on. Okay, where is it? Boom. Poker News. Hello, everyone. You're watching PokerNews.com, and welcome back to our coverage of the EPT Season 12 stop in Malta. I am. By the way, someone high up in Poker News listens to this show every week. They do. Tony G? No, not Tony G. Not, not that high, but someone high up. With Justin Bonomo, sporting some fresh pink locks, which I love. We haven't seen you in a while. Heard you went to Burning Man. Was it the most... We just did a big video with Liv talking about her whole experience. Obviously, you were part of Camp Epic, so tell us a little bit about your experience of Burning Man. Uh, well, I haven't seen Liv's interview, but I would venture that, like, A, everything she said is true, and B, she left 90% of it out because she can't talk about most <laughs> yeah. of it on camera. Um, that pretty much sums up Burning Man. It's just the most incredible place on the planet by far, and, yeah, unfortunately, there are some things that I can't talk about. Yeah, well, 
Was this your first time, or this is something you've been doing for a while? No, this is number two for me, but I will definitely be going for many years to come. Yeah, Burning Man, have you heard of this before? Oh, yeah, everyone knows Burning Man. Yeah, and this this isn't what I'm wanting everyone to hear, but he starts out with this. Oh, you're talking about what he's getting to? Yeah, it's what he's getting to, yeah. Yeah, well, I think Daniel said this when they were in an argument that he's... Well, I think Daniel said he's a polygamist, but I think yeah. what he meant was that he's polyamorous. Look at you. You're, spo- you're spoiling Justin's surprise here in the video. Oh, but, yeah. but yeah, Burning Man – I think Burning Man is – is the, the whole point of it – I've never been there. But I believe the whole point of Burning Man is to go there and do a whole lot of drugs and have sex with a lot of random people. Is that, is that yeah, pretty much – Yeah, it's, it's the modern-day Woodstock. Yeah. And uh, you know, people go out to this desert in uh, northern Nevada and – it's like a, a self-contained, almost like city, where they they put the whole thing up out of nowhere, and then they clean it all up at the end. But the but the main point there is that people are doing a lot of drugs, and there's a lot of people having sex, and you know, a lot of uh, partner swapping, whatever. It's it's like this like sex uh, and drug extravaganza there. And uh, you know, I guess if you're into that, that's fine. But that that's the thing is it's it's promoted to not really be that. It's supposed to be this thing where you go there and you get so enlightened and you uh uh you, you get together with so many other open minded people and blah blah blah. But it's it's not really about that. It's about sex and drugs. And that's the truth. So I guess Justin Bonomo's been going for two years and he loves it. Yeah, I actually recently watched a documentary about Burning Man, and I was just amazed, which leads us into the next question, which you may or may not want to talk about, but a little birdie told me that you were having a discussion about something called polyamory. Now, a lot of people, I think, are confused, have some misconceptions about what polyamory actually is, thinking that it just means non-monogamy, but it's not just non-monogamy. It's a whole other set of things. So I wanted you to kind of just clarify, what is polyamory, and is this kind of the direction you're on right now? So the short answer is it is it is ethical, responsible, consensual non-monogamy. And that can manif- manifest itself in many ways. Many polyamorous people are in, mono- in monogamous relationships. Even married, some of them. Absolutely. And it's just kind of the idea that, like, the institution we have for marriage, it's this, this like, life path idea where, like, you go to college, you get a 9-to-5 job, you find someone to marry, you have kids, and that's your life. And any other path is, like, unacceptable. And I just kind of believe that, like... People want different things in life, and just because some textbook tells you, like, you should get jealous when your girlfriend flirts with another guy, like, maybe that jealousy isn't actually helpful. Maybe there's nothing productive going on with that. And just just analyze things, like, whether or not they're actually beneficial. Like, if someone's getting a good, positive, healthy connection for someone, like, embrace it, enjoy it. See, I don't understand that. I, I never learned from a textbook. No, that's the weirdest assessment of jealousy. <laughs> I, never, I never read in a textbook... You know, you should be angry if another guy hits on your girlfriend. No, I. Okay, if you just want to have meaningless sex with people, then fine. Then you can take jealousy out of the equation. But if you're going to be with someone in a romantic relationship where you care about them and it's, it goes beyond what animals do to reproduce, and you're actually having a, uh, a monogamous uh, relationship, or even, whether you want to call it monogamous or not, you're you're having a relationship with them where you care about them. It's it's natural at that point to feel that when somebody else is expressing interest in the person you're with, that if you want to call it jealousy, it, it means like you you don't want to see this. You feel like it's competition. You feel like it's someone who's attempting to replace you. And that's not something you read in a textbook. That's a natural feeling one would have if you're choosing to engage in romantic relationships. I can't see how that's healthy. The, the only thing I could see of being healthy is 
if the person's flattered that there's interest in them but doesn't act on it. So, like, if, if some guy uh, stares at your girlfriend in, instead of wanting to punch him out that say, well, okay, if my girlfriend notices me. If, if she's happy that there's a guy noticing that she's attractive and she still feels attractive, as long as it doesn't go beyond him, like, staring or whatever, fine. But if there seems to be, like, a developing connection as he's describing, that's something that you definitely don't want to see. Right. Also, th- that comes across really hypocritical because he's saying, well, everyone is different. You know, you don't have to follow the set path. Everyone is their own person. But then he's saying, like, oh, jealousy is just something that's made up. <laughs> yeah, well, he learned in the textbook. Yeah, he's the- yeah, maybe it is for you. But I think it's it's very, like, evolutionary, too. Like, that's 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 a natural instinct. Yeah, and, and uh, see, this, this kind of goes along with the blog he wrote. It just seems like he wants to present himself as enlightened and in touch more than the rest of us and that uh, the rest of us are still in the Stone Ages and, and we, we have to learn to be more like him. So let him go on here, though, about uh, polyamory. Let's hear what he has to say about that. So have you actually experimented? I will say I did do this when I was, like, 19 in, in the U.K. I gave it a shot, and for me it was a lot of work. And also there still is jealousy that I think is inherent that one sort of has to fight against in order to elevate themselves spiritually I think is the idea why you're trying to do it to move beyond jealousy and to move beyond possession but have you actually had success at it so far I mean, yeah I mean, definitely jealousy for most people is the hardest thing about it I mean long before I even had heard the word polyamory like even when I was really happy in a monogamous relationship with a girlfriend I would still be attracted to other girls of and so if my girlfriend was also attracted to other guys I just didn't see any reason that I should be jealous over that and, you know, I've watched girlfriends play Hello? with other people before. Hold on. We're, play, we're playing, yeah, we're playing Justin Bonomo here. Me on. And I, don't, I just... Oh, I'm, man. We, well, uh, Brandon, you called at the right time. Welcome to the, sh- <laughs> welcome to the show. I want you to hear this. This is Justin Bonomo talking about... Just don't yell at me again, please. Guys, no, just, I'm not going to yell at you. I, would still I know we got off to a bad start already, but okay. Uh, so, Brandon, listen to this. I've, I've, I've been saying the whole time I, I want you to hear this. So, listen, this is Z. Justin talking about... Possession, but have you actually had success at it so far? I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely jealousy for most people is the hardest thing about it. I mean, long before I even had heard the word polyamory, like even when I was really happy in a monogamous relationship with a girlfriend, I would still be attracted to other girls. Of and so, if my girlfriend was also attracted to other guys, I just didn't see any reason that I should be jealous over that. And you know, I've watched girlfriends play with other people before, and it's something I actually enjoy. It turns me. On and <laughs> what do you think of that, Brandon? What do you think of Z Justin this, being turned on by his girlfriend banging other guys in front of him? I don't get it. I don't get it either. <laughs> no. This is about that whole rape thing or whatever. Well, yeah, that's that's what led us into this. Sexual, well, well, yeah, that's what le- that's what led us to play this video. This video is from October twenty third, and the, the blog he wrote was from four days ago. But uh, but this someone brought up this blog on the forum, not this 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 video, and I thought this was very interesting. I didn't know this about him that he is polyamorous, which I, I think is more of just an excuse to be able to screw around in your girlfriend. To be honest, I don't think this is uh, the lifestyle he's presenting it to be. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not very familiar with polyamorous. Can you? Okay, so polyamory is like the politically correct term for. Someone who wants to be in a relationship but fuck around on their girlfriend and be allowed to do it. It's like an open relationship. And, uh, but it's supposed to be – the reason it's different than just uh, 
an open relationship. An open relationship is implied it's just sexual, where you're you're in a loving relationship, but you're having sex with other people who you don't really care about that much. Polyamory means not only do you have sex with other people, but you can also love other people at the same time too. So, right. so Justin Bonomo is saying that he is part of this whole. No, I just I'm not possessive at all. You have to live in Utah. Like... I, well, different. He's, he's not that far away from there. What someone else does with another person affects my relationship with them. And a lot of people have problems getting around that. And certainly if you can't handle the jealousy, if you need to be possessive, if you need your girlfriend to act a very specific way, then monogamy is pro- or polyamory is probably not for you. Have you been... Have you have you read any books, sort of, any things about it? Like, for example, when I was trying this out, I was reading a lot of Osho and trying to understand why we feel these certain ways and how to deprogram. Like, are there any, anything you would recommend sort of for people to check out if they're interested? Uh, the two primary books that get called, like, the Bibles of polyamory, even though I hate that word, um, are More Than Two and The Ethical Slut. I've read More Than Two. <laughs> I've not read We're The Ethical Slut. We're taking back that slut, word. But... Taking it back. What slut is not appropriate for pokernews.com? No, no, no. I, oh, I you're just, taking it back. There's a whole thing. There's gotcha. a whole movement right now about taking back the word slut, like making the word slut cool again. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if I'm on that movement, but that makes sense. And also, Radical Honesty, I think, is a great book, which because it takes when there is this jealousy and this stuff, it takes a lot of honesty. communication for sure. Like a lot of people, they have feelings. Like even if it's jealousy, in polyamory, sometimes people are ashamed of that. But like. Just talk to your partner about that and figure out where the jealousy comes from, and you can work on it together. You know what I've seen with these before? I've known people who've tried this, and it never works out. First of all, often it's one person in the relationship more than the other who wants it, usually the guy, but sometimes not. It's usually one or the other that wants to go this way, and the other one kind of reluctantly goes along with it. But but second, this is the way people deal with boredom with each other, and instead of trying to work around that and improve the relationship and see why they are bored with each other and see what they can do to make things better and make the relationship work or maybe just decide to break up, they go to this polyamory thing like, oh, okay, well, I'm kind of sick of sex with you and I'm kind of sick of your face. You know what would be really fun? If I start fucking other people. Maybe if I start dating other people too and we'll just call it polyamory. Then, uh, But we can stay together. We won't break up. We're just going to act as if we've broken up but we're, we're still together. Like that's that's what I've generally seen happens. It's not it's not healthy relationships where everything is wonderful behind the scenes and they just also happen to love and have sex with other people. It it never is that way. It's always because the relationship is sick, from what I've seen. Sick, not sick like it's uh it's wrong, but sick in that it's it's not working out very well. That's that's what I've observed of people who have chosen this lifestyle, especially especially where it gets beyond just sex. So. I, I don't understand it. I don't. I've never understood the turn on for like watching your girlfriend be with another guy. I've never, ever wanted to do that. No, and I don't believe that's because I'm programmed. <laughs> like, oh, you got to break your programming. It's, no, that's Tr- just Trederuski. No, no, that's that's oh, Daredevil. God. That's Daredevil. Don't. Uh... Well, I was I was gonna say the voice is a little. Now, what is it? Would either one of you? be turned on by watching an ex-girlfriend with another guy? No. No, I just don't... I really don't want to watch... Uh, I, I don't really get turned on watching girls have sex with other people, especially any girl that I'm interested in or, or semi-interested in. It's just like... I Wait, I, when you say girls have sex, you mean people you know or just in general like what about pornography well see that's that's part of the reason i don't watch porn that much but 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 if i did watch you know when i do watch porn at least if i don't know the person at all 
then it's a little different because that girl is not someone I'll ever be with or someone I know or, or have any contact with but or someone I like. But if it's someone that I have any kind of interest in, then when I see her having sex with another guy, all I would think is, oh, I wish that was me. I don't think, oh, this is hot. I just don't. I don't get anything out of it. So what kind of visualization do you use when you're touching yourself to pleasure? Uh, I just... I, that's that's a great topic for the show. You just look like it feels, you like, want, a van, you, feels like a Vanity Fair nearby. <laughs> you just grab that. No, I, no, I, I can I can just imagine things. And it, it, when I imagine no. things, it always involves. Whenever I imagine things, it always involves me in some way. I gotta have visuals. I can't do the really. Problem. No, yeah. I, I can I can imagine very well. So you just close your eyes and just go from there, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Or right, as long as I don't have to close my eyes if it's dark, you know. I mean, I can, uh, but I can. And it involves me. Like, it rarely involves, like, two strangers. I know not everybody's like that, but I usually don't picture, like, a girl with uh, – in some situation that doesn't involve me. It's got to involve me, like, 99.9% of the time. That's Where's the cool. strangest place you've ever uh, touched, please, finished, completed? Uh, see, this is why we bring Brandon to the show. This is the, this is the element <laughs> he brings. This is usually at the I end mean, of the show. We have, like, a lot of topics to get to. Like, we have people who listen to the – for the serious poker stuff, and then they're, they're hearing about where, I, where I've masturbated. But uh, strangest place. I don't know if there's been any place that's been super strange. Uh, you know, I, I have – I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> I did it in a bowling alley once. <laughs> Wait, it, where? In the, in the bathroom of the bowling alley or uh, or just in a no, bowling alley? In, no, he's no. not Ken Scoot. <laughs> no, I, I, bathrooms are disgusting to me. No, it was in the actual, like, where the lanes were. But how? How could you do that without being caught? <laughs> they weren't really good bowlers. It was taking them a while. <laughs> oh, I, well, you know what? I had a little help, too, from... from Sweet something, so maybe that shouldn't even count. So, I mean, but, I was but kind like, of... no, but were, were, you, were your pants down? Like, what was? Were, no, no, I was was... Going, that's what I'm thinking. Like, did Brandon no, just no, drop his pants like in the bowling alley and then over through the hoodie under into the pants? Okay, no. okay, okay. I was no, gonna go, it wasn't I was, just. No, I'm thinking like, did you just like drop your pants in the bowling alley? No, like, how no. do you not get arrested for this? No, no. And again, they weren't very good bowlers, so <laughs> it took a while. So there weren't any 300 games that day. No, there weren't any 300 games. So what? What about uh, my two fellow uh, co-hosts? Well, um, it hasn't been. Well, see, what you described though is not really masturbating. That's, yeah. that's someone. Yeah. That's not well, really. You didn't ask your own me. question. Yeah, it's not quite the same, and it's also like um, I'm trying to think. Like I, I actually have done it in bathrooms before. I did it once when I was really young, like eleven or twelve, in my grandma's bed. Uh, that I haven't done. I've never. Done I mean, that. she wasn't in the bed with no, me. No, I, I, I hope not. I hope not. No, I've uh, no, I've done it in public bathrooms before. I'm not like Ken Skeeter. Never, like, yeah, I've never done it in a public. Bathroom. Really? I've, no, I've done that uh, at times. I haven't. Done, How do you rest your head? Your head's banging against. I, I don't have to. I can. I can just. I can sit up. See, I can't just stand up and do it. No, I don't stand. I would sit. You sit on the stall. Yeah. On the on the toilet. Yeah. Oh, gross. No, you put paper down. Like, yeah, that's still not. Still, it's, Wait, I, how how do you I sit agree. on the toilet when you go to the bathroom? There's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, but you, uh, you don't want to. <laughs> it's like well, public right. restrooms, the last resort. You I know, go, but you, you got to. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh, I'm going to spend as much time in here. You, as you need somewhere private. I mean, I have to. I don't know how Ken does it, but now I don't. I'm not like Ken where I'm doing it all the time. It's been many years since I've done that, and even when I did do it, it wasn't frequent. But I, I have before. Huh. But uh, yeah, I try to eliminate the necessity for public bathrooms unless it's an absolutely urgent. I don't. I've never been fond of public bathrooms. Yeah, I, there's people who are like that. I'm just not one of them. I've, I've, really? I've never been like. I, I don't love public bathrooms, but I'm saying like I, I'll, I'll use one 
just the same if, if I need to go. I don't say, oh, there's a public bathroom, i got to avoid it. I just... If oh, I, I think they're disgusting. Also, note to any Vegas casino owners, there's no excuse not to have dividers in the urinals. I just I don't know how that's still a thing. That's true. I agree with that one. Well, what about at uh, like a Dodger Stadium where there's like the big the trough? trough? Yeah, like that's, yeah. that was and, crazy. Uh, the funniest shit I ever seen I was, when I was at the first time at uh, Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. They literally had signs in the men's bathroom that said "No bathing allowed." Because <laughs> I mean, there's such a high element of homeless people that go in yep. there, whether it's to shave or just to yep. literally give themselves a shower. They have signs that say you can't bathe. Well, you know what? Uh, in the Hilton, I don't know if it's still there. Now the uh, they went to the LVH and what is it called? The West something now? The West Westin. West, West, Westgate. 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 Yes. So, so last time I was there, which was years ago, in the in the bathroom. At the urinals, you look up and there's pictures of women pointing down at your penis and laughing. I'm not even kidding. Like there, were, I think I may have a picture of it somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that the was what's his I'm... name's uh, old John. Remember uh, Steve Stevens? Steve Stevens. Oh, Steve yeah, Stevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, talked about him numerous yes, times yes, on yes. our show. Yes, the, uh, the the sports betting scam. Yes, the greatest handicapper in the world. Yeah, he's picking over eighty percent. Yeah. Whatever happened to that guy? Did they cancel that fail show? I guess yeah, they probably. Did. Yeah, we kind of lost track of it, but yeah, it pro- it's probably gone. Yeah. Huh. So speaking of uh, sports betting, that uh, at eighty percent, I I think I need his advice. I think I'm going to lose mine tonight. You still doing uh, NBA games? I guess. Yeah, I just made one today. I, I made one bet today. I was going to make a second. I talked myself out of the second, which easily won, and then the, the one I did make is going to lose. Who, who did you bet? I, I bet on the Clippers at home against the Jazz. And oh, I love the Jazz. They're, they're getting beat pretty hard. Yeah. It wasn't that bad until the fourth started, and now it's just a disaster. So anyway. Uh, they got to get rid of that Doc River. Something, something's not right over yeah, there. something's not right. They got so much talent. What are they under? They're under 500, aren't they? Uh, they are now after they lose this. So, Jesus. So, okay, let's let's talk about uh, one more thing with, with Justin Bonomo. I don't think I told you the story, Brandon. You may have seen it on the forum. I, I was playing the 10K limit hold'em this year at the World Series, and at the very, very, very end of day one. Tell me about this at dinner. Yeah, okay. The, the very, very he made that little comment about yes, the best at the very, very end of day one. Snide remark. Yes, if he he gets sat at the table. He wasn't already there. He gets moved to the table. And this is just after I lost a gigantic pot between me, Antonio Esfandiari, and David Benjamin, where Antonio played it like a dummy and and pumped up the pot when Benjamin made an obvious flush, and I was stuck in there with top set. So uh, and then I missed the the boat and actually folded the river. I didn't even pay off the river, knowing that you know it was so obvious. And of course, I was right. He had the flush. So uh, anyway, I was down to just a nub of chips. I was down to almost nothing. Justin Bonomo gets sat at the table. He sits there a few minutes. Doesn't make any real comments to anyone. It was a very talkative table, mainly thanks to uh, Antonio. And Justin Bonomo makes a comment just out of nowhere. You know, there's three people at this table who think they're the best in the world. And I'm thinking, that's, that's already an obnoxious thing to say. Why, why just say that? There's three people who think they're the best in the world, which is already insulting people. Like It's not like, it's not like there's three people who I know are very good here. Or there's three people I think are world-class. There's three people who think they are the best in the world, starts Justin Bonomo. So then he goes quiet again. Of course, someone asks him, well, who are the three? Who are the three here that you think believe they're the best in the world? So he says, no, oh, no, I, I don't... I don't want to name names, just there's three people here who think they are the very best. And then player player A, player B, player C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always about three with Justin Bonomo. But then after a short time, he says 
dandruff over there, he, uh, he, I know he, he thinks he's world class or something like that. Something very along those lines where he was making it clear to everyone that I was one of the three. And I'm thinking, what a, what a freaking asshole. Like, I, here I have a tiny stack in front of me, and I'm about to bust the event. It's very clear I'd need a miracle to survive. It's, uh, in fact, I almost did. I, I just got complete garbage, so I did, made it through day one as the very shortest stack and then busted early day two. So here I have a tiny stack in front of me. He, he was healthy in chips. You don't needle someone like that. It's, it's one thing if I had a giant mountain of chips in front of me, and it's still kind of an asshole thing to say, but it's, it's really an asshole thing to say that to someone who's down to almost nothing and mock them how they think they're, they think they're world class. And, and it's funny because I don't ever brag about myself at the table. I don't ever talk about, oh, I'm a great player, or oh, I'm better than everybody. I, that's never me. That's never me. So I don't even know where he would get that. But even if he thinks that I believe that about myself, to say it at that point and to make that announcement at the table, it's just an asshole thing to do. And he and I didn't have anything in the past that would cause them to, to act this way toward me. So I, I thought that was a real dick thing to say. And uh, it kind of irritated me reading this self-righteous blog of his about uh, etiquette at the table when he doesn't have any himself. So anyway, and again, this was, he didn't say this in response to anyone bringing up a topic. He just blurted it out. Three people at this table think they're world class. They think they're the best in the world, blah, blah, blah. All right, so let's go to the next topic here. Oh, so Brandon, do you, who do you think, before we go to the next topic, who do you think are these three he's mentioning, this A, B, and C? A being the person who, is, who slaps the ass of uh, random women. B, the person who had a sexual harassment claim made against them and, and lawyers got involved. And the person was like wearing the gear of the site they represent when they were doing it. And, and C is a rapist. I mean, is there any liability for the fraud alert site if I say it? No. Do you assume the liability, or there's no liability? I'm not going to say I assume anything, but I don't think there's liability. <laughs> you can just say this is this is who you think he's referring to. Isn't it? You're not saying the person. Well, one of them's dead. Well, that, no. So we've been saying that, but I don't oh. think that's who he's referring to. Like it's obvious. A could. I mean, be there's devilfish. worse than that. Jesus. Um, Assuming A is not devilfish because he's dead. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm truthfully not taking a cop out here. I mean, I would. I would say anything um but you know that's one of the few things in my time in the city and in in poker rooms i never really got i mean i'm glad but i never ever got into that element where what's the best way to put it i guess where i was in that kind of situation where i was either with people watching them you know whether it was roofie girls, sexually harassed girls. I mean, I never really witnessed a lot of it. I, I, mean, I was that, saying that too. not to say that doesn't exist. I'm sure it does. I was saying that too, um, that, that I don't see much of that. Yeah, I, I just – I mean, I even using all the knowledge I have and memories, I'm trying to think of a situation where other than maybe like the odd occasion where someone gets really drunk at a table and just starts saying inappropriate things to a good-looking woman or maybe even an average-looking woman, um, other than that, I don't really have much to offer. I've never really witnessed or saw any of that. And I mean, of course, I've heard rumors like, uh, I mean, I'll tell you one rumor that I heard for a really long time, and I don't even know if this guy's still in the poker world, but uh, I remember hearing from a lot of girls uh, and guys that Sean Chacon, who uh, 
funny enough, later on it came out that he was arrested and incarcerated for having sex with an underage woman. This was in California. I don't know if you remember. Yes, yes. That was after he killed somebody. Yeah. uh, They actually tried to – I I know we're going on a tangent here, but they actually tried to deport him. But uh, you know what attorney he got? Yeah, Sean Feldman. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. So anyhow, it was it was a rainy uh, rainy summer day in Vegas, and he ran a stop sign. And he killed an old woman, and uh, you know, I, I guess it wasn't negligible. They didn't even charge him. I don't think. Uh, they, I don't know. It wasn't uh, manslaughter or some other just reckless driving charge? He wasn't going to prison for that. But then after that, they saw that in California, he had sex with like a 16-year-old when he was 18 or maybe 15. Whatever it was, it was a year younger than what the what – what is it in California? It's, a, it's 18. Oh, okay. Then maybe it was a 17-year-old or 16. But whatever it was, parents were pissed and they actually prosecuted and he went to jail for it. I think it was like a year he went to jail. So anyhow, I heard rumors and this is again like going back in the day like 2007, 6, 8 maybe – um, some not some flattering things about him, but I never never really witnessed them. I know he had a wife at the time. Um, I know he used to bring her to commerce. And I know a lot. I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of different women that he cheated on his wife and was very disrespectful to women. But again, it's all just uh, secondhand knowledge. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, other than that, uh, I, I I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I know there's. That one rumor, it's still out there, that there is a uh, poker player. I'm not going to say his name, but anyone can mainly figure it out. He dated Jennifer Harmon for a while. And there's a lot of people that have said, and this goes back a long time ago, that uh, on more than one occasion he beat the crap out of her. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Really? Any, anyone can just Google that and find that out. But there's, is, is there a video of this same guy? Yes, yes, Miller? yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. But I don't know, Todd. You tell me. Maybe no. I, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't really have any guesses. I, I, it was. Uh, I was just curious if you would. Uh, the ones I saw posted on the forum, I didn't think were very good guesses. And like, like B. Well, the, the okay. B, well, tell me the ones that were posted. And I'll tell you what well, I know. Like, like uh, the one who was accused of sexually harassing one woman repeatedly while wearing the gear of the site he was representing, and then her complaining, and then lawyers getting involved. That, that's, that that, that's supposedly a well-liked pro. That you wouldn't expect to do this. Some people were theorizing maybe it's Negranu, but I don't think so. No, I could never say. That, that's I mean, what I said. Anything's possible, but I don't see. That's I don't, what I said. It doesn't fit the title. That's what I said. And if I, anything, they'd be harassing and beating him up. <laughs> no, and not only that, I've mentioned before that I I saw Negranu even have like fangirls come up to him, wanting him to sign you know, papers for whatever. And like he he wasn't ogling them or trying to act inappropriately. He just like, oh, here you go. Like that was that. Like he wasn't. Uh, he didn't come off as a sexual harasser at all. I can't see that. I yeah. don't think that would be one. Yeah, I didn't think so either. What, what other examples were thrown on the forums? Um, well, someone wasn't paying that much attention and said that uh, he thinks one of them is Peter Eastgate. <laughs> I think if it was if it was men, then Peter Eastgate, uh, I would believe it. But Peter Eastgate, I believe, is gay. Is that so? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's pictures of him that came out that are uh, uh, either he's gay or he. Uh, Takes pictures that would be uh, very strange for a straight man to be taking. Okay, I, I, you know I, we talked about this before. What was the, the the I don't know the last gay or the gay after that that came out? None of that even matters to me. I don't think along those lines. I mean, I truly don't. Like you know whether especially in something like this, maybe. I mean, even these days, I guess you know to get notoriety for coming out as a homosexual. And you guys can tell me if you agree. You'd have to be like a star in the NFL. 
you know, or a star maybe in, in 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 the NBA or something. Anyone else that comes out at this point, it's not even that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it but up until a few years done, ago, like, not, until a few years ago in poker, nobody was out except for like at least no males were out, and then finally, uh, Jason Somerville came out, and that was like considered a big thing that like a, a known player, a known male player came out as gay. So then, see, I disagree. I don't think it's a it's a big thing at all. Well, I'm telling you, prior to that, he, in fact, he said that when he came out, he said part of the reason he came out was because there were really no well-known names in poker that were out gay men. So it was true. Yeah. Hmm. But no, I agree to, like, to be, for anyone to even pay attention at this point, it has to be one of the four major sports that an athlete comes out. And it can't even be, I mean, I remember, uh, what was the guy's name? Jason Collins. Uh, he played for... The, uh, well, now that's the Brooklyn Nets, but the New Jersey Nets, among other teams, when that came out, he got all these accolades. He was on, and, you know, this is a. I guess if you want to be really nice, you could say he was an average player. I'd probably say he was probably a below average no, he was NBA below player. Average. He wasn't that. Yeah, good. I mean, you know, still, it, it, you know, it's like it's like the worst golfer on the uh, on the whole entire PJ Tour would be the best golfer on any given day at any golf course in the world. I mean, it's just kind of like saying that he still is a great athlete, you know, but he just wasn't a star. But he was on on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I remember Obama, you know, called him personally, and he had all these accolades. And I mean, I, I, nowadays, I, well, even what's his name? I think uh, the guy from Missouri, uh, what, Sam, the defensive end uh, that that never made it in the pros, Michael Sam. He was the SEC. <coughs> was either the SEC went to Missouri. He was either the SEC Player of the Year or the def- Defensive Player of the Year. I think it was the SEC Player of the Year, and uh, it was in the Rams, and then he was with the Cowboys and got cut, and now he's in the Canadian Football League. I think he just got married. But even that, I didn't think it was that big a deal. And that got, that got a lot of publicity. I don't know if you guys remember that. And then everything yeah, this yeah, guy that did, was, it was... Yeah, because didn't they show him getting drafted like with his boyfriend? Yes, like, oh, yeah, That was yeah. a big thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm not just saying it, and I, I you know, this is, I guess, a hot topic. People, you know, view it differently. But to me, none of that matters. If like, I mean... You know, obviously, as long as they're respecting my boundaries and that, you know, you know, not touching me, not, you know, trying to get with me. I mean, I don't it really, it truly, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to root against somebody, whether it's an athlete or poker player, because they're gay or because they're straight. It, 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 it just doesn't. Yeah. I don't, and, I don't, the one, so, so if it wasn't a grounded, so then another one for B, the guy who sexually harassed one woman while wearing the gear of the site he was representing. Someone said maybe Greenstein. That one, I, I believe a little more. Really? I'm not saying I believe it, but I'm just saying that, that that's much more believable than Negreanu. Every time I see him, he just looks so sullen and just yeah, he so, does. He does, but he uh, doesn't even seem like he's chasing pussy at all. But he, but he has mm, these younger. I think he's yeah. chasing losses. But no, but he does have like these young Asian girlfriends usually. So like he's getting. Yeah, yeah but is that still a thing now? Yeah, I think I, mean, I don't think, think so. a lot of that was his aura because oh my god, he you know he was balling, he had so much money, he was Phil Ivey's best friend. Now that he's busted, he lost his house, he's playing you know. What is he playing like two hundred, four hundred? No, no, no. He's playing forty eighty. What was amazing? Oh, what was amazing right. is there was a sixty one twenty game going that had open seats, and I was in it, and he was not in that game. He was in forty eighty, and I, I was shocked. Well, you know, it's it's really tough because you know something like that, like a, a, any kind of, for the most part, a sexual predator, they don't really have a face. Yeah, I know. That's you know the, what I mean. So it, it just like if you tell me it's him, like I'm looking at him, and maybe it's because I've read his books, and he's just so out there. I just wouldn't think it would be him. And may, you know, well, but, but he's saying it's a well liked person you wouldn't picture. That's what Bonomo said. And then, well, and then for C, the rapist, the one that's most serious of the allegations, 
Uh, someone is saying maybe Greg Raymer, and that's because the person was supposedly dropped immediately from the site they were representing uh, when the rape allegations made yeah, it over. Yeah, but that's to... not why he was dropped. Well, that's the thing is there was uh, the... he was dropped because he got arrested in a sting in no, North no, no, Carolina. no, no, he, no, he was dropped before that. Are you sure? Yeah, he was dropped before that, but it was never really figured out why he was dropped. But at the same time, oh, like yeah. they, they were, they were dropping. They were just pros getting dropped because they weren't that relevant anymore. Or were really not worth. Well, it's not even that. This, I mean, and obviously, you know, I have friends that you know work for Poker Stars. It was more along the lines of just because of Black Friday, the focus, you know, was going towards the South American market. You know, it was, yeah. Germany, they just there wasn't a lot to get. Well, that's what I, meant. Is that, is that, what I meant. Is that what I meant? The one person that at Poker Stars, and this is what I was told this was a while ago, that they would never ever touch, no matter what, no matter how bad he. I mean, you know, and of course, I'm saying, assuming you know, he doesn't break any laws or do anything to embarrass him. But the one person that was untouchable, okay, more than anybody else, who do you think it is? Currently or then? Right now, somebody that's still a, a member of Team Poker. Stars. Uh, Chris Moneymaker. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And even though he hasn't won anything in, in – what year did he win it? Was it 2002? 2003. That makes so sense, 12, though. It makes 12 sense. years, but just because of the word moneymaker boom and what he did for poker. And he actually has a lot of friends, uh, close friends now inside of Poker Stars that he's built relations, relationships with over the years. And uh, you know, because of that, he'll never, he'll never be gone. I mean, even you know when Amaya brought, bought Poker Stars from – uh, Steinberg, or what's his name, Isha? He's Isha Steinberg. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was what I was told, and I kind of believe it because, you know, that, that look, look, they're giving every guy that can hold a tennis racket that lives in, like, South America <laughs> or kick a soccer ball a Poker Stars contract. I mean, am I right? But that's what they're doing, and they're, they're dropping the poker pros. Yeah, yeah. Right. So but I, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read into that about. No, I wouldn't either. I, I was saying that earlier. I was saying that earlier that there's there's just so many that were dropped for financial reasons, and, and you just hear they're abruptly dropped because you just hear they're gone one day, so it seems abrupt to you. And look, you have to also consider the fact that maybe he's full of shit. This uh, bottom. Well, yeah, we were saying that too. That you know, you guys I, I don't said everything. Why am I here? But I I don't think that. <laughs> I, I don't think that he completely well, made it up. I can write a blog and say, I know this person, but I can't say their name. It's kind of easy to do that. I know it is, but I, I just get the feeling from reading it that he was told this. It may not be true, but I, I get the feeling he t- was told this and then decided to write this like attention-whoring blog. Like That's that's right. the feeling I'm getting from it. Not that he made the whole thing up. Though It would be, fu- be kind of funny if he did. But uh, uh, what, what bothers me – did you read the whole blog? What bothers me is the tone of it. I just no, don't like – I, I read the beginning and I couldn't – I just – it's – too self-righteous. That's exactly how I felt. That's what I was saying. So we we don't need your views. I've, I've said that too. I, don't, I know. <laughs> no, we. we no, I, guy, I wasn't listening before the, the show. I don't. I mean, before I got on here. Yeah, I guess. I guess the final joke's on me because uh, you, you're tr- you're proving that you were not even listening to the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's move on to the next topic here, which is. This, by the way, we've only gotten through one topic. We've done a great job so far. Uh. Harry Reid. Wait, but did you at least go through the topics you're going to talk about during the hour? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not still doing that, are we? No, no, <laughs> no. We're, we're a little bit past that. Just a little bit. Who was the guy that said that it takes you an hour and a half just to talk about what you're going to talk about on the show? I think everybody said that. <laughs> yeah. cute. No, I actually have people requesting that I post when the show actually starts because uh, – Yeah. Because it's they, kind of like a pre-show warm-up. That's what you should really do. I don't know so how the people show starts at eight thirty, then for the first hour, talk about what you're going to talk about. Like, how do people do shows that are an hour? I can't. 
understand that because I I spend the first hour talking about what I'm going to talk about. I, I, told I would, you, I've had many, many a seven course meal while you're still doing the warm. I've gotten back home, had a fine cigar and an after dinner drink, and you haven't even got to topic one yet. Yeah. So cool. so so. Uh, Senate Majority, sorry, Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid. I accidentally said earlier he's the uh, former, but which will be soon. But he is still currently the Senate Minority Leader, and at one point the Majority Leader. There is a story going around about him that he accepted a bribe from Full Tilt Poker of exactly one million dollars, and uh, this came from a tape of. Convicted telemarketing scammer Jeremy Johnson, who uh, is a $750 million telemarketing scammer based out of Utah, who also had uh, two attorneys general of Utah in his pocket. But that uh, when uh, Jeremy Johnson, when there is a uh, when he was recording things, this wasn't like a wire on him. He was recording on his own secretly that. Uh, he talked about because he was he was involved in, in payment processing too, for uh, for for the various online poker sites back in the day before uh, Black Friday. But he was talking about how he was instructed to put a million dollars in a certain account for Harry Reid to get behind the legalization of online poker, and that. Uh, um, that that was actually on tape where and he wasn't this wasn't something where he set the whole thing up he he met with a guy and they were talking about all these different things that uh ended up being incriminating but this was like a little aside in the whole long conversation that Harry Reid had uh you know that there was someone who had a connection to Reid see Reid doesn't go up to you and say hey give me a million dollars and I'll do this for you uh what's said is that Reid sends one of his cronies to say Hey, give this money to such and such place, and then Reed will do this favor for you. This way, Reed is never directly asking for bribes, and it's a lot harder to nail him for it. Like at the very worst, he could uh, it could be said that just one of his lackeys uh, assumed that he would accept this bribe, but uh, in reality, Reed never authorized it. So, that's, but anyway, Jeremy Johnson was told by Full Tilt Poker to uh, to put a million dollars. I mean, he was one of the payment processors to, to put a million dollars into this account that was said that was going to Harry Reid. And uh, and he did that. He did it. And it was a strange account he'd never heard of before. He, he put a million bucks there. And then shortly thereafter, Harry Reid changed his stance on online poker, where he was against online poker. And then suddenly he was for it and was trying to get a bill across to legalize online poker. And at the time, people were saying, oh, great, Harry Reid, what a good friend of online poker. Well, guess what? Nowadays, he's back the other way because he's getting support from Sheldon Adelson. Now he's back the other way opposing online poker. <laughs> so he's flip-flopped twice on this, and I'm sure it has to do with, uh, with money again. But it, it seemed like a very credible story that Reid sent someone to tell uh, you know, sent someone to basically give the message put a million dollars in this account and Reed will back you and there have been these stories going on about Reed for decades about this sort of corruption that he takes bribes long before any of this online poker stuff was going on so because this was said so matter of factly and just a small portion of a long conversation 
and that there wasn't much of a point to insert this. And and it wasn't even known at the time. It's not like Jeremy Johnson was recording this and uh, and he knew he was about to get busted. At the time when he was recording this, there wasn't really much of a point. Uh, this, he, there wouldn't have been a point for him to set up Reed at this point like this. So it just wouldn't have made sense to have been in there unless Jeremy Johnson really did put a million dollars in an account that was supposed to be for Reed. The only thing I think that is possibly uh, something that could be inaccurate is that maybe Reed himself didn't know about this and it was just the underling saying to do it and uh, and Reed at the time had not solicited the bribe. But I don't believe that. I think that it's just the way he does things, the, the smarter way of doing things, where he's not directly asking for the bribe. But the, Utah wanted to investigate this. The state of Utah, after going after Jeremy Johnson and everything involved with the telemarketing scamming, the two attorneys general that uh, conspired with him, they wanted to investigate Harry Reid for this bribe about full tilt poker. And the federal government shut it down. The federal government said, absolutely not, we're not investigating him. The reason is that Harry Reid is obviously a very prominent Democrat. The, and the, the, the one who was making this decision is Eric Holder, who is another very prominent Democrat, the, uh, the Attorney General. He's not anymore, but he was in, uh, up until earlier this year. So Eric Holder said, absolutely not, we are not investigating Harry Reid. And this, this is common with, with partisan politics where since the Attorney General is, uh, of the U.S. is always of one party or another and appointed by the current sitting president, uh, they, they don't want to go after people in their own party unless they absolutely have to. So since this was, while likely true, there wasn't smoking gun proof about it, they didn't want to investigate this and find smoking gun proof. So, so Holder would not investigate it. The FBI would not help. Utah was begging, please, please just support us in our investigation. We'll do the work. Just give us some support here. Because they needed some, uh, some support from the FBI to do that. And, and uh, Holder and the federal government said no and threw up road, roadblock after roadblock and the whole thing died. And, they, and while I, I fully believe that Reed received a million-dollar bribe from Full Tilt, uh, it was, he never got in any trouble for it. In fact, the story is not even very well known. Well, this is coming back to life. Uh, there are now attempts again to investigate Harry Reid. A county prosecutor in Utah says he's investigating Reid in connection with an ongoing probe into this bribe. Troy Rawlings, who is a Republican in, in Davis County in Utah, said that he's again looking into allegations related to that bribe. And he says that they're based on information from witnesses in uh, in that case involving Jeremy Johnson, which we you know, we know it was it was the tapes that Jeremy Johnson said that. So he wants he's still doing it, uh, and the response from Reed was through his spokeswoman, who said this individual has decided to use Senator Reed's name to generate attention to himself and advance his political career. So every few months he seeks headlines by floating the same unsubstantiated allegations which he admits have been dismissed by federal prosecutors. So uh, basically they're saying the federal government wouldn't touch this, so F you. We don't care about some local chump in Utah who's trying to go after us. You're just trying to make a name for yourself. Which the guy probably is. He probably is trying to make a name for himself, but with something real. With something he believes if he investigates and, and, uh, and can prove it, he probably believes this is true, and if he can prove it, this will 
help him with his career, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't be doing it. So I don't think this is going to go anywhere, but it is interesting this has come back to life after I was sure it was dead. And I, I tell people, hey, you know, Harry Reid, he, t- he took a million-dollar bribe related to online poker, and people are like, they can't believe it because they think they think this is only something you'd see on TV that the Senate minority leader would be taking million-dollar bribes. But, uh, but Doesn't I, he have to pay taxes even if it's a bribe? No, they, they hide it in, in, in the accounts. That's that it, how they end up going to prison. Yeah, but but he's, it, this is so well hidden. Believe me, this is all. He's been doing this for years. There's been rumors going around about him for years. Long before the thing on this tape, I had heard rumors about him taking bribes. It's a uh, this this is someone who. How much of your Jew gold do you have hidden? What percent? You don't have to say where, but outside the U.S., what percent of your Jew gold is hidden, well hidden, like Harry Reid's? <laughs> Just a no, percent. I, no, no, I don't. I don't have money hidden. You don't have one dollar hidden nowhere. No, I guess I, I guess in online poker I do. That's that's it. You have nothing out in the Caymans? Or no, no, I don't have a reason. What about where the one guy, the criminal, lived And What is that, Antigua? <laughs> no. Nothing out there? No, but it'd be a good reason to go visit him and uh, say, hey, I'm here to visit my money and you. Is he still doing drone security? He is. He's doing drone security because he's required by his probation to have a job. Hmm. That's, 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 Do you remember the one show where they said a line at minus 500 that you'd mentioned his name and you did in the intro? The bets are off within 90 seconds of the show. <laughs> well, this is your fault. You brought him up. I didn't bring. I've never, well, no, not this show. But remember, there was a previous radio. Okay, I'm, I'm saying I'm doing well today, though. I haven't brought him up at all. But he's really doing a drone. I don't. I haven't. I well, well, I, I don't know if he's honestly doing the security. I know he was quoted in that article about it. He probably does a little bit there, but but he he is required to have a job during the two years he's on probation. And you know, you know, you know him so well. Could you picture him going to a nine to five job every day? No, he had one job. Uh, as far as I know, in his whole life, his yeah, was yeah, right. He did something with steel? Yeah, with a steel with yeah you know, with his former wife, like the the boss with his wife's fa- father, I think. Yeah. Or something. But yeah, so there's no way he would go quote work for the man. So this is how he's doing it, is through. Is he allowed to gamble? Yes. There's nothing in there about the no gambling. What about the reefer? He's allowed to if he has a medical marijuana card. They actually said that. Yes. No shit. How do y'all know? I mean, was this? I guess someone found record? someone found the terms and posted them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, that's uh, let's go. Let's see what else we got here. So yeah, well, what and what uh, online poker? What are you playing on the Bovada? Yeah. You playing that thirty sixty? I am. You playing right now? By the way, occasionally I accidentally sit in Omaha. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that's funny you say that because it's right up top. I, it's yeah, I know. I I, I just did yeah. it the other day. I won though. I won like two hundred fifty bucks in the round. I ended up playing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Uh, uh, on WSOP.com... Do, do you write G-A-Y? I mean, when you take a bad beat? You know, I try... Even though it's anonymous, I try not to say anything that gives away who I am because I don't want anyone with a memory of playing me to have any clue about it. So even though it'll, even if they figure it out, the next time they play with me, they won't know. But I still... I, I really don't like to give away who I am on Bovada. So you don't write site equals joke? No, I, it's, it's tempting, but I, I don't write site equals joke. There's been a lot of trash talk on Bovada recently. Like, There's some players some fish and some like decent players who are just like constantly talking shit there it's it's a more hostile chat environment than i've ever seen there before Hi, are you running good on that bovada uh not recently no I, I came back about a month ago and i've just been spinning my wheels like i i'll start to do well then i'll lose and i'll start to do well again and i'll lose just kind of go back and forth did you ever withdraw with that uh credit card whatever it's supposed to i i just do the the no, I was just doing the wire. Okay, that's what I do too. But you know, it gives you an option. I, I just am curious because I've run up a little bit of on there, not a lot, 
But I, uh, you know, I actually went. I'll tell you the truth about this. This is real fast. You know, they uh, blocked the Nevada residents now, which really yeah. pissed me off because what? Uh, I mean, you tell me. For someone like yourself, and I do play more games than Limit Hold'em. In fact, I. It's funny you mention because I've been playing that thirty sixty a lot. So maybe you're the one I won the money off of. I wasn't there that day, uh, but um, what? What are the other sites? If I wanted to play anything other than Bovada, that just gives me you know higher limits. Well, if, unless you want to play No Limit Hold'em, there's really nothing. I don't. No, then there's nothing. Yeah. So what I actually did, I'm actually, you would never do this, but I, they you know prohibit me because of, of the state I live in, which, uh, explain to me how it even works. Why would they just say no to Nevada, no to New Jersey when they're running an illegal enterprise anyhow? Uh, I, I know why. I've explained it before. Uh, it's well, uh, wasn't here that day. Well, I know you don't listen to the show, but uh, okay. So to, for to catch you, let's talk about it on the two plus two podcast. I would have missed it. That's true. Adam Schwartz can be happy to hear that because he's, shout uh, out to him by the way. Well, you know, you know, Adam Schwartz had the nerve to to like steal. He stole this from me. Like I, I'm listening, and then he and Terrence Chan do that. I couldn't believe it. So okay, but ba- but back to uh, the reason they, they. I see that that uh, that that uh, Brady Hoke. He's at the Heartland Poker Tour this week, live in New Orleans. Yeah. Where's he getting the funds? When do we get to go on a field trip? I know it's it's hard to compete. You know, I'd be on here much more if, if we'd be going somewhere once in a while. I couldn't believe the sponsors. He taking Daredevil. He don't even want to go first class. Just get Daredevil and me. That's all you got to do. Use the Jew Gold. Get all. We have the, the what do you call it? The Amazon. Banner? Don't we have an Amazon banner? You know, I made like thousands? I made like six dollars last month from no, that. No, someone bought a big black dildo for someone's European. That's how I made Christmas the. That's how I made the, that's how I made the six dollars. How do you think I made yes. the six dollars? You get us each a business select flight on JetBlue, okay? Because they have the uh, satellite direct TV on the plane. We go to New Orleans. We'll be happier than pie. Him and I. Maybe you buy us each. Uh, what do they eat down there? Is it Creole food? Like a jambalaya? Yeah, I gave you a jambalaya or something yeah, like that. What to do with that? Yeah, we'll do the EPT Heartland uh, New Orleans for you. you know, when I saw Mark Hoke and I introduced myself to him during this summer, I know you did too. I, I, w- I was so jealous when I saw on that uh, that thing he was that was behind him that said the Mark Hoke show all the different sponsors he had. Like we have like none. We have no sponsors. He has like twenty. Like he well, has my former sponsor. He has the, the squirrel. People. Yeah, he got the blind squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> Like they got everything. Like I, I'm like crap. You know, like maybe maybe there is money in this. Maybe I'm just being a chump here. So I don't know. Maybe that's why he has a budget. And we don't. So anyway, uh, but he has more expenses than I do. I'll say that. Uh, the reason they block the reason they block Bovada from Nevada and New Jersey and and uh, some other states is in order to prove a crime has been committed. This is what they did with Micon too. They have to actually reproduce the crime. They can't just say, oh, we heard this is happening. They actually have to, like, sign on to the site and play one hand – or deposit money and then play one hand of real money poker and then record that they've done so. And that's that's how they establish their case. They can't just take someone who says they played on there. And they could, but it's it's a weak case because then there's too much hearsay and, and bullshit. So they, they want to get something that's concrete. So – Bovada is making this difficult, so they know that they know that the states that really care about this, the ones, the, the individual state governments that care about this, are the ones that have their own online poker market. So Bovada says, okay. So at first, we're just going to prevent new users from coming on because what they didn't want is they figure if you're already on there that you're not looking to trap them. But what what they don't want is a new user on there from Nevada 
because if a new user signs up, then it's probably it could easily be someone that they are signing up just to uh, just to bust Bovada and prove that they are taking real money bets from Nevada. So that's why they only ban the new users at first, assuming people who are already there aren't likely to be there to to bust them. They're not undercover agents. Now they took it a step further recently, as you were saying, that they banned everyone from Nevada. So they get they just got more cautious. But that's why they're doing it in these specific states. They just don't expect other states to care enough to go after them. And uh, what, what you're saying, this is something that you normally wouldn't do, and then you didn't say what it was. Yeah, I uh, spent money and got this program called My IP Hide. And I'm sure there's like a Jew way to do it easier, but this was like a dollar a month or something for a year. So now I'm able to go on there. In fact, do you have that? Uh, I just logged into PFA. I want to see if this thing even works. Do you still have that? Uh, Mechanical thing there that you can look at that you know, lets you read everyone's PMs mechanical and all thing. that stuff. Well, there's, you, there is a mechanical thing, but you have to you have to do something. Like I, I could dig in the logs, but it's too much of a pain in the I ass. Know. But if you if you can you see my IP right now and just tell me if it if it's no no right? I can't. You'd have to post something or PM me or uh, yeah. See, I, as I said, I could dig in the logs. Like like when there's a scammer and uh, and I'm trying to see like when we're talking about him if he's reading what we're saying. I can look in the logs even if he's not posting or logging in, see if his IP is going on. But I don't. Otherwise, it, it's not something that's easily available and easy to see. It's just—it's not like a simple thing where I can just get a big list of IPs. Okay, this is Brandon's IP right now. Like, it's—I don't have that functionality. It's—it's it's more involved than that. But I can do it, but it's tougher. Okay. So anyhow, I uh, got this software that literally I'm looking at it right now. It gives me like a thousand different IPs and different cities that it registers to. And uh, I just use that, and I just make sure it's connected to a state. You know, and, of course, I create an alias account with, you know, someone that I know. And, I mean, I don't care. I can say it now because they'll never find me. But, you know, it's not in my name. But that's the only way I, li- I honestly could play here. I was about to get worried for you. I'm like, Brandon, what are you doing admitting to this? They're going to close any no, account. No, it's not in my name. No, yeah, it can't okay. be in my – well, because I already had an account. Yeah, okay, name. okay, right. So so they don't know who it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had to – you know, they told me I had to close my account or move outside Nevada. You so. know what they're probably going to do? They're going to close my account thinking that you're using mine. No, I'm not using They're going to say, we have the proof. It's your own radio show. So, so okay, but uh, that actually leads me to the next topic, and that is that, do you know on WSOP.com, it is against the terms of service, and I think even Nevada state law, to use uh, third-party programs to assist your play. You cannot use what's known as HUDs. To, uh, to play. try to beat the five cent, ten cent game that's currently going yeah, on WSP.com. Exactly. Those, those huge uh, high stakes games on WSP.com, you cannot uh, you cannot use them. So it's, they're called uh, the heads up displays, and they, what they're doing is they are giving information on each player at the table of, of how often they raise, how often they fold, how aggressive they are, the different stats next to the players, and uh, especially with large player pools, it can be very useful. So you know how to play that person without having to remember the way they played before. Now, on Bovada, that you can't use one of those things because you don't have player names. So player 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, you don't know who they are. And then the next time you sit with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, it's different people. But but on sites with names like WSOP.com and like most sites, uh, these HUDs can give you a lot of information. So uh, on WSOP.com Nevada, these are either not legal or not allowed by the terms of service. Whatever it is, you are not allowed to use them on the site. So uh, if you're using one and nobody else is, this really can give you a good edge because it's not just you and other pros using it. Now, if you're using it, you really are the only pro using it. 
Well, uh, a genius who plays under the name BTC Blade. I don't know if BTC is supposed to stand for Bitcoin, but whatever. That's his name on the site. He is using a HUD, and he decided to broadcast himself playing on Twitch while using the HUD. (laughs) Not very smart. So he's breaking the terms of service with the HUD and is uh, broadcasting it on Twitch for everyone to see. And what ended up happening was someone caught it, of course, and was very unhappy about it and reported it. So the person who caught him was uh, Randy Dorfman. And Randy Dorfman tweeted to WSOP.com. He said, I was under the impression HUDs are illegal on WSOP, at WSOP.com. So he's bringing this to their attention on Twitter. Nevada, please explain how player BTC Blade is able to use one. And he showed a screenshot of the video where BTC Blade was was playing with one. So then there's a, a lot of responses back and forth. But one of the responses was from WSOP.com manager Bill Reaney, who I've accused before of being kind of out of it and not a very good manager and just... Uh, not very player friendly. This is Randy. This is his response to Randy Dorfman after Randy pointed out that right on his own Twitch feed, you can find this. And by the way, of course, BTC Blade removed the Twitch video after Randy Dorfman pointed this out. Bill Reaney then said, "We've been in contact with a player since then. If you see him using HUDs on WSOP.com now, please let us know." <laughs> So, so basically, I guess the policy there is uh, you can use HUDs until they catch you once. Then you can't do it again. So people, some people got angry that there was no consequence to the player who was doing this. So I, I don't know how I feel about this. On one hand, you could say maybe he didn't know. Because I have to think anyone who broadcasts this on Twitch didn't realize he's not supposed to be doing it. Uh, do you think it's unethical what I'm doing? Oh no, no! What you're doing is not unethical because that's just a that's just a legal procedure. They you're not getting an advantage playing in the state of Nevada. I'm in uh, Kansas City. Okay, <laughs> but I mean physically being in Nevada and pretending to be in Kansas City, you're you're not getting an advantage being there. So I'm like these damn Nevada people sneaking on here. Like they 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 should have every right to be there, like I do. But but just because of the of Bovada being afraid of the long arm of the Nevada law slapping them that they don't want to do it. So that, I don't think that's unethical at all. It, it's a little bit of a risk, if, you know, that if they catch you, but other than that, but that's between you and them. But I don't I don't see anything unethical there. But to to use a program that's giving you an edge that nobody else can use. I, I don't like these things being used at all. I think they should all be banned. But I I think that uh I think the guy probably didn't realize it. This BTC blade. So on one hand, I can see if you just didn't realize it and you stop immediately never use it again, it probably shouldn't be banned and have your money confiscated. But on the other hand, it's setting kind of a bad precedent that you can get caught once and nothing will happen. And, and this guy wouldn't have gotten caught if he wasn't dumb enough to broadcast it. So I, I well, also here's the stupid thing. WSOP.com is governed by the Nevada gaming authority. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's a state law. You said that they can't use heads up. Display. I'm not sure if it is or not. I, okay, I wasn't ever, if it is, then that's incredibly stupid. Yeah. Because then they're opening themselves up to 
whatever fines or license suspension that the gaming commission is going to give them. Yeah, and if e- they e- know that, like they prove someone's breaking the state law. And yeah, like, nah, don't do it again. And even if it's just an internal rule, you think they because they're regulated, you would think they would have to enforce their terms of service evenly, and not just decide ah this guy will let it go this time if he doesn't do it again. Like it's, I mean I, I think this is setting a bad precedent that people can do this sort of. Uh, they can break this term and have an unfair advantage, and until they get caught, they can do it. And when they get caught, there's no risk because they say, "Oh, sorry, we didn't know. We're not going to do it again." So I think it, what WS- you're saying they use ignorance as an excuse. Yes. Yeah, so I think what WSP.com should do, if they're not going to ban people like this, they should send out a, an email right now and say, "These are not allowed. Do not use them. Anyone's caught using them." You're banned, and your money's going to be confiscated. Uh, no exceptions. And so what was this one guy doing? He was using the HUD. No, what kind of HUD was it? Just, just I don't know. Just one of them dis- displays info about the players. And how did he get caught? Just the software detected it? No, he he, he broadcasted himself on Twitch. Oh, that's right. He said that. Yeah, that was the dumbest part. That the guy actually. That, that's why I think that this uh, this person maybe didn't know. Either that, or he just was so. Yeah, but we got to be honest now. That WSOP.com, they're not playing great. Well, the one kid, member, he got down to the final 15, the biggest volume player on the WSOP.com. No one says a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the, a word. Yeah, the Let's guy. Let's not market it. Let's not yeah, put him on the front fucking page. Yeah, you're saying the guy at the we main event. We the press release. Let's not even mention it. Yeah, but, Butters from WSOP.com, yeah. who lived on the site, makes the final 15 in the main event, and they don't, pro- they don't promote him. He was the chip leader going uh, into the second to last day. Yeah. Well, the last day, when they play down to the nine, November yeah. 9th. Yeah, yeah. yeah from the final 2070, he was the chip leader. They don't promote it. Yeah, let's not say a word. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, even if you miss it at the time, by the time that hits TV, you should be able to put something in there. No, yeah. I miss that too. Yeah, I, if you and I get it, like how can like I mean, I don't, I just, I don't understand. Hey, well, keep in mind, WSP.com is the same site that purchased a sponsored support site on Two Plus Two, a sponsored support forum on Two Plus Two, and then told everyone, "Don't use this forum for support." <laughs> Guy, the one guy that runs the show, he's yelling at the players, don't even talk to me, right? Isn't that what's going yeah. on over and, on the and, and also, pond? Yes, yes. And also he used – he used uh, when he when they were giving support on the forum, he had office hours that you had to only get support during those certain hours every week. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you fight with that one guy about that? Don't oh, yeah, I did. No, no. This led to a 45-minute Seth Polanski call where this guy went and complained to Seth Polanski that I was I was making fun of him and attacking him. So so Seth called me for 45 minutes, and we talked about the whole thing. It was it was an uh, interesting conversation. And, uh, you know, so Seth was trying to explain their side. I, I didn't realize until then that Seth Polanski had such involvement to WSOP.com. Well, he's really got some pull. No, he does. You know, he's really involved in WSOP.com, too. So, like, he's uh, – uh, anything having to do with the World Series, Seth uh, is very heavily involved in. So he was uh, – he, he jumped to this guy's defense very strongly. And I was like, well, look, you've you got to understand from the point of view of online poker players that, one, if you're going to have a support form, you've got to give support. And you can't get mad at people when they want it. And, you, and you've got to be responsive to them. And if you don't want to do that, then don't have a support form. And, and second, like – you guys have to be transparent about everything. Like they, they kept dodging questions. Like oh, this is exactly what pissed people off about the shady site. So you like you guys are a regulated site. You guys are a legal site. So you should you should act like it. You should be very open and transparent, and and, and be very responsive. And and so like that was my point I was making. And you know he was trying to defend him. And there was like a forty five minute call with Seth Polanski about the whole thing. <laughs> I got something the other day. I, I, either one of you get this. It's from Poker Stars. It was an email about the PCA, 
And it said that if I refer somebody to the PCA main event, I get like five hundred dollars. Did you guys get this email? I no. probably, I, I maybe I didn't. I deleted it. I mean, it, 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 I guess tournament poker is it, it's struggling that bad here. I, I just I have the email right now. Let's see. It says this was dated. Uh, this is actually kind of amazing. I wonder if this was a misclick because it actually it, it, it says dear and then my poker star's name. Do you remember my poker star's name? Uh, yes. Uh, it was Bragis. Yes, very good. Uh, dear Bragis, the 2016 PCA is set to begin, blah, blah, blah. If I uh, invite a buddy to the main event, I'll get $500 credited to my poker star's account. See, that what? can't be right. No, that's... Wait, how can you get it to your account? You can't even play on well, it. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It can't be right. Yeah, that's a mistake. It just tells me... I'm yeah, reading it right now. PCA 2016. The main event with a new lower buy. I guess the main event is 5300 this year. Well, well maybe maybe that's the angle here. They'll, they'll give you the money in your account, and since you're an yeah. American, you can't use it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty smart. I give PokerStars credit there. And then, of course, they have... Oh, you know who it's from? And it says, regards kindly, Daniel Negreanu. Hmm. Team PokerStars. Oh. Pro. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, I guess that had to be a misclick, huh? Yeah. McGrath and clicked the U.S. people. It's like, okay, let's see. CC, all U.S. people. Oops, didn't mean to do that. Oh, well, all right, never mind. Wow. Now, I, I, you know, when I get these emails from PokerStars promoting things, I just assume it's some something that they shouldn't be sending me. They just made a mistake, so I just, like, insta-delete it. Like, I, I don't even want to read it. Not, not that it's going to bother me to read it. I just don't have an interest to read something that I know is not going to apply to me. And then I remember I got something from Caesars a while back. And it uh, did you get this too? And it just sent me a confirmation of all oh, the reservations I've had yes, over like yes. the last two years. Yes, 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 yes. And then they and said that. Telling you, we look forward to seeing you. Yes, we look forward to seeing you. Yes. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. So I get this. I get this. Uh, the, all these different emails. Like I get bombarded. They said with that emails. to everyone in the whole in the yes. whole database. Yes, I, I got yeah. this. I got this. I bought. I got bombarded with emails from Caesar. Look Caesars. how excited he gets that we're talking about. Oh, Caesars. oh yes, yes. Look no. at him. He's like a kid in a candy. No, I am. Go ahead. I, mean, I Take meant the to bring. I meant to bring you this tell up. Me to shut up. Go ahead. I, I meant to bring this up, but I, I thank yeah. you for reminding me. This is why we keep you around. I, yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm just getting bombarded with emails. Of yeah. uh, Todd, we look forward to seeing you at the Rio on June 23rd, 2015. Yeah. I got. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you know, th- here's some great things you could do. Do you want to make desert reservations? I'm like, what the hell? Like, Eat at Buzio's. <laughs> go to the snack bar. Yep. yep. So, so then after getting bombarded, and then I get bombarded also with emails for Benjamin's mom, who also made a few reservations. She has a total rewards card, so she got some too from the past. And then I get bom- then I get an email for both of us at uh, telling us that they apologized for sending some emails in error regarding reservations. Yeah. Yep, I got that one too. But how do they even do that? How do you send out confirmations from months ago? I mean, I got bombarded. I mean, I must have gotten maybe 30 emails. Oh, I did too. Every stay I've had over like the last maybe it was a year, two years, three years, whatever it was. It was a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, I had that too. Unbelievable. And the funny You know what? The guy that did it, they probably didn't fire him. He probably got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's probably uh, figuring out the total rewards benefits for next year, Jesus. which we'll find out about uh, three months late, as always. Yeah, did you, that, give, did you give that up, by the way? I haven't given anything up. No, I mean a, a seven star. Are you done no. with it? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be seven star through at least 2017. Oh, that's right, because yeah. you did it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, they... Uh, I'm at, not. I'm a. I'm just a, a little... A lowly diamond. diamond, I know. I Now, at... 
uh, Caesars, they... Uh, what was I going to say here? I got distracted. We're talking about Caesars, talking about Seven Star, the emails. I don't know anymore. Multi clubs, I don't know. I don't know either. Forget Seven it. Star to 7, 2017. Do you ever wear that jacket still? Your Seven Star jacket? I actually do sometimes. I wore it today, believe it or not. <laughs> I actually wore it today. No, you know what happened was, this is how the Seven Star jacket came out of mothballs. Okay? Um, I, I had this jacket. This is the weirdest story. Okay? My washing machine broke down uh, last year, and it, it just abruptly broke down. And the, it broke down the night before a trip, and fortunately it had just finished washing my clothes, and I was just, like, washing a few more items, and that's when it broke, which was very fortunate. But So I had to leave it on the trip with this, like, water sitting in it, and I, I had to bail out the water later. So I, in, in, when I got back from the trip, of course, we had to do laundry. So what I had to do, I had to... Like feel like Ken Scaler and do my laundry at a laundromat for the first time in decades. So I, I went to some failed laundromat by me, and and I'm doing the laundry, and you know I had to get these giant rolls of quarters, and kind of feel like I'm going back to the arcade to play Pac-Man. And uh, so I'm I'm doing my laundry there, and it was a very cold night, to where there was no the door is wide open in the place, like it's propped open, so the place is freezing. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I had a jacket on, and there's no way I would have taken that jacket off because it was cold. So when I was done with my laundry, the next day is another cold day. I look for my jacket. I cannot find it. I could not find my jacket, and I could not figure out what could have happened to it because there's no way I would have left it in the laundromat because I would have been freezing in there. And... If I lost it at home, I would have found it, and I haven't found it by now. It just disappeared, and I never figured out where it went. It reminded me of the story that uh, – a more extreme version of this story that in the, the arena where the Minnesota Timberwolves played. There was a bitter cold day. It was like 10 degrees with 35-mile-per-hour uh, wind and, and snowing. And they, Kevin Garnett got a triple-double that day, right? Probably. But what they found was someone's coat was left behind that night. And they could not imagine. The person must have been so smashed to have been. How do you walk outside in that? In 10 degrees, 35 mile per hour wind and, and, and heavy snow. Maybe you have a car waiting. Yeah. So they could not believe a, a coat was found left behind, uh, a winter coat. So it was kind of the same way, except the, it wasn't as cold. But I, I couldn't figure out where it went. So like, I, I just grabbed another jacket that was around, and it was a seven-star jacket. So uh, th- since then, I've bought another jacket, but just because I started wearing the seven-star jacket after that, I actually wear it sometimes now. Wait, how many jackets do you own? Just two? No, I own more, but like, I just kind of grabbed the next jacket. Like there was one I was wearing all the time, and that's the one that disappeared in the laundromat. Uh, so then, so then I, I was like, well, th- let me grab the, the closest one I can find to wear on that cold day, and it was a seven-star jacket, and that kind of brought it out. So I actually like wore it today. Hmm. Yeah, that's a seven-star jacket. I'm getting value out of that, too. So, okay, let's see what the next topic is here. Did you talk about that Harris uh, fold them, hold them, face up, show them? No, thing? That's, that's one of the topics. I was waiting for you to come to talk yeah. about it. So, you're, you know, you, you do have usefulness in the show. And whatever happened to that Trader Ruski? Where has he been? Uh, Trader Ruski, he, he still listens to my knowledge. Uh, he, I know if he doesn't hear it live, he goes in the archives, but he's a loyal listener. He, you know, Trader Ruski, he's, he's such a good guy. He just... He volunteers to be kind of the back backup co-host where just 
if it's a shit if, job. If he, if yes, but if he's needed, he, he comes out. It's like the guy that cleans the toilets. I mean, no, no, see, he's a back, 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 up no. host. See, that's the guy who cleans the toilets. There's not the back of him anything. He's just the one who does it. See, Trader Ruski is just the. He's sitting here. He's he below like, TMLK. No, you know what he's like. He's like the emergency catcher on a baseball team. He's like the the catcher that normally doesn't catch, but if the main catcher's out and the backup catcher can't play, then he's always there to catch, which is great. What about like on a football team where like the third or fourth quarterback is like the tight end that played like pee wee football as a quarterback and they yeah. throw him in there? Yeah, it's kind of like that. So I appreciate that. Or like during a blowout, like they have Jose Canseco pitch like the ninth inning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throws out his arm when he has a $30 million a year contract. Uh, I never understood that. Is it really, really saving the rotation when you put in, like, your shortstop to throw an inning? Is it really helping out the rotation that much? Um, yeah, because they, they don't want to injure someone. Also, sometimes it's just what about if the shortstop gets injured? Well, no, but, but it's, also, it's also kind of just a novelty. It's kind of just like a joke. Like, uh, here, let me uh, – I'm going to put – I have a surprise for you. Um, I have an individual who will explain what happened to Trader Ruski. Go ahead, sir. Here I am. What's going oh, on? Wow, look at him. What's <laughs> up, buddy? I figured you guys were a little crowded tonight. So we have so. Uh, yeah, four. There's three yeah, hosts. The there's show. three co-hosts. Four hosts total. This is great. I last two weeks I had nobody with me. I was totally alone. And I'll tell you, from the moment I started this show, I felt better than the previous two weeks. I just felt like more energized to do the show. Last two weeks, I was kind of struggling to get through it because I just felt I like... the reviews. They weren't very flattering. I know. They, were, they weren't. There was um, some of the two worst review shows I've had. And he it, sent me a message. He said it was a shit show. <laughs> he was pissed. She deserves See? better, he says. That's the you problem. You don't pay good money and donate good money for this shit, that's, he said. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I've got, I've got to get uh, help. And I'm glad that the help has come in droves. Who gets this angry? Week. Relatives start dying. It, it's not good. Well, according to people here, that's a good thing for him. So, all right, let's let's see the next topic. Trader Ruski, you got are you giving your assistant uh, Thanksgiving because he you know he rides around with an assistant. Is your assistant off tomorrow for the holidays, buddy? He, I'm glad he, uh, he gets off at four tomorrow. Now we're <laughs> he gets off at four. What a tyrant! I love it. Generous I guy. love it. I love it. So he'll only he'll only be uh, about an hour and a half late to his Thanksgiving dinner. Still four. <laughs> Why is Thanksgiving dinner always at like three? That always bothered me. That's funny. That's exactly what time I'm eating tomorrow too. Everybody eats at three. It's so it? weird. Why? Sometimes like, all right, be there at three. I'm like, all right, Dad, I'll be there. No, I'm three. okay to be there at three. I just, like, why do you have to eat at three? Why? It's so early. My mom likes to do it early, too. I, I squeeze 3.30 out of her. So when, when I've done Thanksgiving... Well, the good thing is then it gets done fast enough. I mean, then it's over by, you know, the evening at least. Doesn't, you know, you can... I mean, I'm planning tomorrow I'll be out of there by 6, 6.30 at the latest. Be done with the whole fucking ordeal. Well, you know, 23 years ago, I bet you haven't done this, Brandon. 23 years ago on Thanksgiving, 92, I dumped a girl during Thanksgiving dinner with her family. I really did. And you know, you tell these stories. It almost reminds me. You remember that the TV show, uh, The Golden Girls? It's like Rose always has a story about St. Olaf. That's how you are with these <laughs> stories about the, the – it's like I've known you all these years. You've had two girlfriends, but somehow before I met you, you had 30 girlfriends. You're dumping them at fairs and holidays and bathrooms. No, it's true. There's a, a lot less st- – there's a lot – there's a lot less stability back then than uh, than today. So today I have these relationships with like eight years, six years, seven years. Like back then, it wasn't like that. So 
this was someone I was about to dump anyway. Uh, that she just she just wasn't treating me well. She was just always kind of being nasty to me. She just always uh, just had just one of those girls who just always making negative comments. And it, of course, it didn't start like this, or I wouldn't have been with her. But uh, but she became this way. And uh, I was just about to dump her, and I called her up, and I was literally going to tell her over the phone, "We're breaking up. That's it." And then she says. Would you like to come to Thanksgiving dinner? I know that your family's going to be away because they they were away that year, and you're going to have no one to spend it with. You you want to come spend it with me and my family? And I think, oh, that's so sweet. So like I, I couldn't dump her at that point. I'm thinking, oh, how nice. So what? No, I I did. I I this 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 stopped me from breaking up with her because I I thought this was a nice gesture. So I but then after I hung up, I thought, shit, you know, she's gonna probably not be very nice to me at the Thanksgiving dinner. What am I going to do? Like make a scene in front of her parents and other family members? Like a, it'll be kind of awkward. So I, so I thought, okay, I'm going to make this like a test. Okay. I'm going to go to Thanksgiving dinner. And if she does not treat me well there, I'm going to dump her. If she does treat me well there, I will continue with the relationship. So I didn't tell her this, of course. I But I went there just believing to myself I'm going to be testing her. So it starts out okay. And then I remember we're sitting there at the Thanksgiving dinner table, and I don't remember the stuff she's saying, but she starts talking shit about me again, like right in front of her family, like to her family. I, and I can't believe this, and I'm getting I'm getting a call here, too. I'm afraid it's going to be her while she's listening to the show. Does she have your number? Call her, you're on the air. Okay, there's someone low-housing me. It's probably TMM like gay. But uh, so I, 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 uh, I'm already getting pissed. I'm thinking, okay, that's it. When when this is over tomorrow, I'm going to dump her. I'm thinking, but I, I said I'm going to make it through this night, and I'm not going to create the scene here. So, and, and you know, despite not treating me well, she did not want me dumping her. Like she wanted to be with me, but she just wanted to treat me like shit. It was kind of a weird situation. So they they put on a uh, a movie, like someone rented a movie for people to watch, and there were a lot of people in this house. Most of them I didn't know. And I remember it was the movie The Radio Flyer. Did you ever see that? No. No. No, about the wagon? Yeah, it wasn't very good. But uh, yeah. but they uh, they put the Radio Flyer on, and there was nothing else to do there. So I sat there, and I was watching the Radio Flyer. And uh, so, like, about half the people at this Thanksgiving dinner are watching the Radio Flyer on the TV. The other half were just on the other side of the large room there talking to each other. Well, what was really rude is the people on the other side were talking really, really, really loud even knowing that the other half were watching the movie on TV. Yeah, I'm lost. What, this started off about breaking up with a no, girl. No, no, I'll get to it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. So I'm watching. Well, she, you this, don't have to this, yell. This, this is at her. This is at her. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to drive Brandon away again. I know it. Uh, I, I, I'm watching on, on there, and I'm trying to listen to the movies. I've already invested the time to watch this damn thing, even though it wasn't very good. And all these people are like laughing really loud and, and, and shouting really loud with each other, and like we can't hear anything. So... This is her family. I can't go up to her family and tell them to shut the fuck up or be quiet. So I think, okay, the only thing I can do about this is go up to the TV and just turn up the volume. So I turned up the volume, not like super loud, but just loud enough to where I could hear it over the, the these shouting on the other end of the room. So, now, do you think that was rude of me to do? Yeah. No. Oh, you you do think that, or, or I don't think so. Yeah, no. it's not your house. You don't touch people's TVs. Well, no, but the the other people watching were fine with it. You're already kind of part of the family. No, I think <laughs> it's fine. He's just going there for a free dinner. No, 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 no. But but okay. But the 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 people watching it with me were not objecting to this. It was uh, like nobody objected actually, except for one person, and that was my girlfriend, 
she saw me doing it, and she runs up and says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm turning it up louder. We can't hear it. It's very loud over there. She says, she says, she says that loud so everybody can hear. That's because you're deaf. I think, yeah, that's it. Wait, so this was 23 years ago, so you were, what are you, 40? So you were like 19 years old, no, 20, 21 20, years old? I was 20. 20? 20, yeah. So she shouts to me, that's because you're deaf, like in front of everybody. And I go, you know what? That's it. So I said, yeah, yeah, actually, I, can you come outside with me? I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> so we went outside, and I told her I'm breaking up with her. And uh, and she was shocked. And she, she just went, like, cold, and she's like, like, not cold. It's like she went. Limp? Sort of. Like she like her face turned white. She couldn't breathe? Blanched. She just was not uh she was Happy? shocked. She was shocked. <laughs> she was shocked. Thank you for the adjectives. She was shocked and she uh she started begging me, like, what can I do differently? I'm so sorry, like and I'm like, No, no, you don't understand. I've It's not you, it's me? No, I said it is you. <laughs> it's not me, it's you actually is what I said. But I, I told her I'm, I'm tired of being treated this way, and you're, you're, you're talking shit about me constantly in front of your family, and you're just never respectful, and I, I can't stand this anymore. Was she an heiress? No. Was her family very wealthy? No, no. Were they poor? Uh, not super poor, but I, I'd say. Do they uh, have like a real turkey with dark meat, or is one of those little butterballs that just like I, isn't I, even a real? Turkey? I, I'd say at best they could be described as the lower middle class. So. Oof. Yeah. So anyway, That's, I. It doesn't seem like you associating with the lower yeah. middle class. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you despised those people. No. Well, well, I'm just okay. No. So so I so anyway I. <laughs> I dumped her and then. The the big scandal happened though that, uh, and then you got your leftovers. The next, well, sort of because big the next scandal. No, listen, listen. There were leftovers because the next day, I get home and I'm like, I get back to an empty house and I'm like, boy, it's kind of lonely here. <laughs> and I go, well, there is this girl I've been talking to. That that uh, I've kind of liked, but I I didn't pursue it all because I had this girlfriend. Well, I don't really have her anymore, so I guess I can uh, go out with this one now. So then I met up with that girl the next day, and then... Hey, this is when you're in college fighting with the buffet people over dinner, right? Yeah, yeah. So so I started going out with this other girl the next day who, who knew the one that I broke up in Thanksgiving, and I said, you know, we better not tell her about this. Like, we better not let her find out about this right away, or she's going to be super pissed. She's going to think I broke up with her just to date you, which wasn't the reason why, but, like, I knew that'd be the impression. Well, we, we we successfully hit it for like a week, but then like someone we told uh, let the slip out. And Mike It probably would have been him if I knew him then. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it was a a bad situation. The girl was super pissed. She probably still hates me to this day because she she honestly thinks what? that I just dumped her to go be with this other girl that she. And what happened with the other girl? What happened? Did you make it to Christmas dinner with her? Yeah, Hanukkah well, dinner. yeah, we actually were together like like five and a half months or so, and then uh, that fell apart too. So hmm. that's the way it goes. But uh, it no, but I, th- I just think it's kind of weird to like dump someone on Thanksgiving dinner during Thanksgiving dinner. During- I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. Because you think if you go with someone to Thanksgiving dinner, it's got to be like in a good enough situation that right. you're not going to want to dump them. And if you do, you're going to wait till the next day. But I just couldn't stand it. Anymore. I'd say probably less than one percent of our relationships end during Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, it's probably less than 0.01 percent. Like it's just right. a, like how's it ever going to end there? That's why I think it's that's why I brought it up. I think it's kind of a unique thing. But I, I, I honestly felt like I couldn't even make it to the next day. Like I, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, not going to say anything. I'm just going to tomorrow I'll call her or break it up with her. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. I just I, I can't stand to be here another minute. 
At first, I'm thinking I was just going to make an excuse to leave and say my stomach was hurting or something, but I said, no, no point to lie. I'm just going to tell her the truth that I'm breaking up with her anyway, so I'm just going to tell her. And uh, she was shocked, though. She didn't think that, uh, like, she didn't realize what she was doing. She also told me that. She's like, I didn't realize how I was treating you. Give me another chance. And I was done by that point. I just, I just. Uh... You said the next holiday is too far away. <laughs> I'm done. How hot was she in the scale of 1 to 10? Be honest. Uh, not that good. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. that, was, that was the other factor. But it wasn't just that, though. She could have been, like, really hot. Like, there, like, like two years later, there, there was a girl who was really hot that I was dating that also didn't treat me well, and that one I dumped, too. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just about But did you hot. put up with it longer because she was hotter? No, I put it up actually shorter. I, 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 that because one, you learned from the ugly girl. Yeah, yeah, I learned from the ugly girl. Yeah, so it's not even about that. Like, I, I, will, I will just, uh, like, actually, Ken Scaler at the time, he had such a huge crush on the one who was really hot that he couldn't believe it when I told him I'm, I'm going to dump her. He's like, what? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Do you realize this is the best-looking girl you've ever dated? Why would you do that? I said, it's not just about that to me. No, what? Like, he, he couldn't believe it. How many decades have you and this scaler been running around? I've known Ken Scaler since uh, January of 91 is when I met him. Jesus. I feel like I would watch that sitcom. The, the, yeah. 20, the, 25-year, <laughs> the 25-year anniversary of me and Ken Scaler is on uh, – Is I don't know the date, but uh, I could probably reconstruct it because uh, it, it was a – Memorable weekend in a different way, but it was that's like, funny. It was like in late January '91 when I first uh, met Master Scaler. Jesus, yeah, but he was uh, he was mad at me for wanting to break up with that girl, thinking that I was crazy. But I said, you know, if if I'm not happy, I'm not happy. It doesn't matter how pretty she is. So I, <laughs> no, I, I you know I'd much rather be with with an average looking girl who treats me well than a hot looking girl who does not treat me well. It's no question. But an average looking girl that treats you well. Versus super hot girl that treats you okay. Uh, depends, it depends what okay is. Like she just she puts up with you. Uh, you know see, she it, isn't really nice, but she isn't really mean. She's just like it, it, as long as she legitimately likes me, fine. If like if if she just if she doesn't have much enthusiasm about me and kind of just tolerates me, I don't want that. But she lets you do whatever you want to do to her physically. No, see, I, I'd, I'd like that for maybe a short time, and then I'd become unhappy about the other aspects. Yeah, that's the problem. Like I, I just it, that it just matters a lot to me. So, but but it also like if I, I'm not physically attracted to the person that kills it too, no matter how nice they are. I've had the other side where they're like really nice, but I have like little attraction physically, and then I can't force myself, and I gotta just give up on it. So I I, I learned to not even get in those situations. But makes sense. Anyway, well that's uh, so. Let's talk about that bot since you you played it. The the Limit Hold'em Six Max bot at Harris. There's only one machine in the entire world that is operating right now, and you played it. It's at Harris. It is a. Is that true? It's the only one in the world. It's the only one in the world that's operating in a casino. And you know, I remember I read the same uh, article you did in regards to it. How is it determined that Caesars got it? That ended up at Harris? Was any of that ever even no. explained? No. And by the way, the guy who wrote the article posted on Poker Fraud Alert. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. What did he write about that, or just other things? No, no, no. About about I posted what you said, and then he responded to it. Well, I, what what is the thread even called? Is it in? It's uh, in the po- It's in the casinos in Las Vegas forum. Oh, I would never know that then. Yeah. Whoever reads that, yeah, you should you should go read it. These are uh, you know you just want to read the forums full of the trolling. You don't want to read the uh, the serious content. Okay, so so. Oh, okay, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his name is a poker addict on poker fraud. How come we don't have like an Ask Vegas site on here? We could. I mean, he posts here. 
Okay, I'm reading it now. Anyway, yeah, I, I uh, went there a week ago this past Friday. Yeah, I but, it. Before we, you get to, I just want to get the listeners up to speed. This is, we talked about it last week, but this is the bot that uh, it's you versus five computerized players, but it has a rake, which is a maximum rake of 25%, which is brutal, and Brandon attempted to play it. Now, the, the bot players are horrible, so it's the question is, can you beat the machine with awful opponents but with the rake being so terrible. So, so Brandon, tell us about your experience playing it. I'm just reading the uh, – okay, I, uh, I stumbled in oh, – I shouldn't say stumbled. I was completely <laughs> sober. I walked into Harris. I'm going to be 4 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. Those are the hours I roll. And uh, I actually – I had no idea where it was. I just remember reading it. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I knew where it was based on what I read in the review by uh, – what's this guy's name? John Mahaffey. Oh, okay. Said it was just a couple steps away from the buffet, so I know found the buffet, and then lo and behold, it was just right in the bank of uh, goldfish, video poker, fucking bear slot machine, just sitting right there. Sit down, order myself a nice seven up. So that's how I roll at five in the morning. <laughs> um, put a hundred dollars in. I started playing the lowest level, which is twenty five cent, fifty cent, and then there's a forced, uh, I guess you call it an ante, of two units. Uh, which is fifty, yeah, fifty cents, right? Dollar, yeah, yeah, one dollar, yeah. So it's fifty cents, and I played for a little bit just to get the hang of it. Um, and once I did, I'm you know I'm thinking it's only you know the highest you can play is a dollar, two dollar anyhow. So now, now hold on, before you go on here, uh, just to get these numbers correct, it's a little confusing in limit holding because when it, when it's twenty five cent uh, units, and it's it's actually a uh, a fifty cent a dollar game. Because uh, the small, the twenty-five cent is the small blind, so then the fifty cent would be the big blind, and the dollar part would be the, what you bet on the turn. So, uh, so, so, like what's considered fifty cent a dollar limit hold'em would be considered a quarter game here, and and would be considered dollar two dollar limit hold'em would be considered a fifty cent game, and then the highest limit they have, which is uh, is uh, what's considered a dollar game, which is two dollar four dollar limit hold'em. So you you start off at the lowest level. And then now the ante you said it's two units. Is it two blinds or just two of the betting units, which would be one blind? Um, dollar. No, it's 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 two of the big blinds. So like when I was playing, which I played the majority of the time, one dollar, two dollar. I was putting in two dollars every hand. Oh, so it is one blind. It's one blind then. What do you mean? It's one big blind. When you're one. when you're, when you're playing, when when it's when it's every do- hand that you you get dealt in, you have to put up. A blind or an ante, right? It's more, it's more an ante than a blind. But 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 the ante is like like at the. It's what? the equivalent of two times your big bet. No no no. So so it's equivalent to two blinds. No, I, yes. that doesn't sound right though because the the okay. okay when I was playing, okay, <laughs> when I listen. So when I was playing it, okay, here's an example. Say I had a hundred, and this is the easiest way to, to describe it. When I was playing, it, say I had a hundred credits in the machine, I would hit deal. Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I'd have ninety eight credits. Then okay. Okay. Right. Right. So that's my point. But the big blind, if there were, there's no big blind in it, which is important to mention too. It's only antes. Uh, but if there, if there was a big, but it's the same amount that you'd be betting like on the flop is what, what's in the ante, right? No, nope. he's saying it's as big. Only betting, on the flop, you're only betting a dollar. Oh, really? I th- then, then it's no. not a two dollar, two dollar. Then, then it's not a one two. It's two. I thought it was two four. The no, it's one two. No, it's one two. But he's saying the ante is the big okay. bet. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm explaining it wrong. Okay, I have I put a hundred dollar bill in the machine. Mm-hmm. I hit. I'm playing one dollar, two dollar, which is the highest unit you can play. I hit deal. 
Okay, and before anything even happens, I have 98 credits in my machine. Okay? You understand? Two credits are already gone. Okay, just to be done. Now, yes. now, granted, everyone else has to put in those two okay, credits, but the, too. The, but the question is on – so, so – then, oh, okay, oh, okay. So then I have a night – so then I open. Okay, I'm the first one to bet since there are no blinds. So I bet $1. Okay, so now I have ninety-seven dollars. Oh, so you can bet one dollar. Okay, see, see, I can only bet one dollar. So then you're actually only playing one two. You're not playing two four. I never said I was playing two four. You did. But can you play two four on there? No, you can only play one two. Then John Mahaffey, I think he described it wrong. It's twenty-five cent fifty, fifty a dollar, and then one two. But since there are no blinds. The two dollars just means on the turn in the river you're betting increments of two units. Okay, so so it is actually. You understand? So it is only one two because like yeah. a, like on the on the on the heads up bot it wasn't like that the heads up bot uh, right like, it, well but they were double. blinds yeah there were no blinds. blinds I know but yes no one's putting in a one dollar or yeah yeah exactly so anyhow I'll start again so I put in a hundred dollar bill okay boom hit deal before you know it you have ninety eight credits mm-hmm. okay two credits have already been taken out just to get a hand now everyone else has to pay the two credits too so that make it there'd be a total of twelve credits. Then since it's you know the six it's six yeah times three, max yeah. twelve credits of or whatever you want to call it, just of dead money in there now a lot of times and I, I guess this is proper uh, you know I was playing a little loose at first you're just gonna fold I found at one point I folded like six or seven hands in a row where I was down like fourteen dollars just not even playing where I had like seven deuce deuce five offsuit you know eight three. Nine deuce, nine four, like just just really really shit hands, um, and again I didn't I I didn't do any studying, uh, you know about this you know in terms of even thinking what, you know what hands what would be my range, I kind of went a little bit with the bot, but then I realized no you're not you're not playing heads up like the heads up holding bot, so like you know my range is going to be have to be a little bit tighter, but anyhow I ended up losing five hundred dollars. I played for an hour. Um, I'm reading this gentleman's. Review now. Now, in the hour that I played, I earned. Uh, that was my main goal of going there. It wasn't you know just to to win money off that thing or to see if I could grind it for a living. I wanted to see if there'd be perks comp wise, if it was you know feasible to become seven star or maybe even diamond. You know, just to get the perks, the hotel rooms, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so on and so forth. So I played for an hour. I ended up with like a hundred six tier points. Now, in all fairness to. Uh, I'm just going to call him Poker Addict because that's I'm reading his little thread here. Uh, I did make – I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but it took me probably a good 20 minutes of playing before I figured out that uh, – okay, you play the game. And so say I get dealt 7-3 offsuit or whatever hand, and I don't want to play it. I'm in $2, but I don't want to put any more money into this, especially when there's you know six or five other people to act. So I end up folding. The game continues. It's unlike video poker where, you know, you just – I guess any other game where when you end the game, it, you're out of it. But the game will still keep playing right in front of you, meaning you'll see a flop. You'll see all the betting. You'll see the turn. You'll see all the betting. And, I mean, it goes kind of at a fast speed, but it takes about 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds for it to conclude. So you're actually watching who wins. They're still folding their cards face up even though you're out of the pot. Then I see – at the far left of the machine, there's a button that says "End Game," and I, you know, after playing for a while, I'm like, "There's no way they make you sit through this," because of course, like anything else, you know, as a slot addict, the, you know, the last thing you want to do after you, you know, you, 
lose a hand or, you know, say like video poker, you miss a flush or you miss your four aces. You don't want to sit there for a minute, 45 seconds and wait. You want the next hand. You know, you want the action. So I'm like, there's no way they can make you have to sit, you know, through this. So anyway, I see this button. So when you hit end game, all it does is it speeds it right to the end. And then it just shows you who won the pot, but you don't have to see any of the betting on the, you know, the flop that turned the river. So you hit that every time and it goes a lot faster. Yeah. Um, but even with that said, you know what? I'm going back to the strip uh, in a day or two, so I am going to play it again. Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not discounting what he said in terms of how many tiers you can earn, you know. But maybe something was changed. But like I said, I played the highest stakes uh, for the majority of the time. I played twenty five cent fifty for like maybe the first five minutes, and then I bumped it up to. One dollar, two dollar, earned a hundred and change in tier credits, and I lost like five hundred dollars. Okay, so so um, like four, I was actually four hundred, four hundred twenty dollars. So this is exactly. what's weird about it. This is what's weird. So John, now, huh? no, let me explain yeah. what's weird with your results versus the tier credits you earned. Okay, John Mahaffey said that you earn one tier credit per ten dollars wagered, which is uh, which is common, which is the same as video poker. So according to your earning 106 tier credits as you said you did that should have meant you only wagered $1,060 and if you wagered $1,060 and lost 500 that is a horrendous result and it's hard to believe it could be that bad so I think that maybe they did degrade uh, how many tier right. credits you earned from it well like I said and it's my fault I went through late at night and I just was more or less trying to concentrate on the mechanics of the game versus watching the, you know the correlation between dollars in and tears, uh, you know, gathered. But when I go back there in a couple of days, I, I'm going to just play it and look at just that number. Yeah. Um, you made some the, observations. I, I just want to interrupt here. You uh, yeah. when you talked to me on the phone, you said some things which you haven't you said texting. You on the on the radio. I haven't talked since you yelled at me. That's right. <laughs> when we were texting on the uh, when we were texting on there, and you uh, you made some observations which I thought were interesting, and in fact, I repeated in the thread to and then. Poker Addict responded, but I said that you described it as a card-catching contest, and you know, just like Poker Addict said, too, that the bots don't really fold, that they chase, 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 even with hands that are unlikely to catch, like a, a, a backdoor flush, a backdoor straight, they'll, they'll chase those things, so it's very hard to, to bet them all off, all five bots. So uh, he described it as a card-catching contest. When I say he, I mean you. And uh, You mean you, you mean me. Who's on first? I don't know. Okay, so 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 the thing is, that since it can't be bluffed, this brings up. No, if you think that heads up bot could be bluffed, I mean, this is even way worse than that. No, no, that's what I'm saying. This I, I think you're right. All. I think you're right that it doesn't. That there's no way to get all five bots to fold. That there's always something that one of them will chase or something that one of them will catch to where there's no way you're going to bet all five of the bots off. Now, what that means to me is that this takes a lot of the skill element out of the game, unfortunately. Because if you think about it, what makes a good limit hold'em player versus a bad limit hold'em player? There's, there's two factors. Well, One is the, uh, the folding, and, and two is you know, folding at the right time, which is what makes a good player versus a bad one, and uh, extracting the most money, like value betting, when you don't have a great hand, but one that you've read is better than your opponents and still get money out of them. Right. So, well, listen, before you even go into that, okay... If we're really going to give a, a really good analysis, let's talk about a couple things that, that preface this. The first thing being that unless this game ends up somewhere else, another casino, different location, it's going to be gone very, very soon. Okay, It's, again, just 
next to a buffet. Okay, it's very just inconspicuous where it's located. Unless you're someone like me or you or a listener that purposely goes to locate this, okay, anyone that stumbles upon it for the most part is going to have no clue what they're doing. They'll put in 20, maybe 100. They'll play for a minute or two, and then they'll stop and cash out and say, what the fuck is this? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm being honest. Well, I, I, th- me. I think I know what they're trying to pull here, too. You know when the, how the bots don't play well, but they rake it obscenely? I think they're trying – rather than the heads-up bot, which was a good bot and it was, it was skillful in, in being able to play you, this is – you think you're playing against fish, and it feels like a like an ATM to you, like it's just going to you know, feed out money. You, you, just about every semi-competent limit hold'em player will be a big favorite against all these bots, but because of the rake, nobody's a favorite. And so, so it's much more pleasant to well, play against bad players and, quote, beat them and then pay it in rake than to just lose. If they were smart, though, they'd put this outside of – say they're going to put this at Harris no matter what. Where would they put this? Outside of Harris Poker Room. Yes. Okay, or, or put it outside Planet Hollywood's Poker Room. Put it outside where there's a, a demographic of people that know how to play poker. Yeah, it's idiotic. Um, you know, any tourist, like I said, that walks in and plays this is not going to play it. Well, they're, right, this is Caesars being be, stupid. Yeah, they're going to be so confused that they're going to have no idea. Like I said, it took me, uh, you know, 10 minutes or so just to get my bearings and understand it, and I, I went there with the purpose of playing it. Um, secondly, because of the fact it rakes 25%. Uh, it, it's not beatable. I mean, it's not even beatable if if you're getting comped at, at a decent rate. And as uh, Poker Addict wrote, if you can beat it, if you are one of the very few people that could beat it, you should just be doing something else with your time. Well, I don't think, and I don't think anybody can. So I did further analysis on on why I think this is unbeatable. And so a metric that's used for hold'em is big blinds per hour, and or not per hour, big blinds per hundred which means out of every 100 hands you play, how many big blinds are you winning? So this way it's independent of the limits you're playing. And I noticed when I was looking at my own statistics, when I'm running well on Bovada for like a long period of time, I don't mean one night where I kill everyone, but I mean like like over a period of, of a month where I did really well or three months where I did really well, something like that. An extended period where I, I have better luck than expectation, but it's also a lot of hands in that period. The best I'm going to show is like, Seven point something big blinds per hundred, and again, that's not like a one night thing. I'm talking about like a, a long period where you have some losing sessions in there too. So now I'm going to tell you what you need in order to probably be able to beat this bot because of the rake. For you to be able to beat the bot, I have calculated through rough calculations, you're going to need to beat the bot for. 66 big blinds per 100. So to show you, when I'm playing in good Bovada games and running well over a long period of time, and I'm averaging 7 and change as big blinds per 100, I need to be doing almost 10 times as well as that, which is impossible, to beat this bot. So this shows you no matter how bad the opponents are you're not going to win at that clip and and so i i here's the example i gave Uh, let me get over here yeah so here's an example i gave let's say uh let's say that your your average bet per hand is ten dollars 
I actually I thought it was a two four limit, so maybe it'd actually be less than this. But let's pretend there is a two four limit for the argument at the sake of this. Let's say the average bet per hand is about ten dollars, uh, and and then the minimum ante is two dollars, and uh, the, the maximum bet is forty eight dollars if you capped every street. So so let's say the bet, average bet is ten dollars per hand. However, you're only going to win. A relatively small percentage of hands Why? Because you're one player and there's five other players At the table, so you're not going to win half the hands When there's five other players, especially with five loose players That are calling down a lot Uh, If everybody called the exact same number of hands And played the exact same way, they would win on average 16.67% out of six players Uh, But Since you're going to be tighter than the bots are Then I I estimated uh, maybe you're like Going to win 12% of hands But of course when you win your hands even if it's only 12% of the time, you're winning a lot more than when you're losing. Because you, well, a, lot of, a lot of times when you're losing, you're just folding and only paying the ante. Whereas when you win, you win uh, several times what you put in. So I never saw one hand, by the way, that didn't that uh, that I was in that didn't go to a showdown. Yeah, that's that's right. I and, never. It wasn't ever like bet the flop and then take it down or bet the turn or raise on the turn. That's the other thing. No one's. That, I never saw anyone fold to a raise. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry. I'm looking at this right now. It's posted in that thread that you mentioned. Uh, it has the details of the game, and it says underneath the payback percentage, the maximum bet, highest possible, says 55 credits. What does that mean? I'm not sure either. It may have to do with a bonus bet. I'm not sure. This is dumb then bonus then it says maximum top award bonus bet, 2,800 credits. But what is, there's no way you can get 55 I, credits. I didn't understand, I didn't understand that. that either. I thought that was a mistake. So, so anyway, going back to what I was saying, it was so if you average $10 a hand – but if on your winning hands, let's say you average uh, the, the the pot is fifty dollars, or, or and, and that the uh, the pot is, uh, but then you're going to lose, or the, you, you win an average of fifty dollars on the on the hands you win, on the six hundred hands you win out of five thousand hands you play, which is twelve percent. Well, you say units instead of dollars, but yeah. And and, then, and, and of the forty four hundred that you that you that you lose out of five thousand. You, let, let's say you're losing an average of, of six dollars. So, so what I calculated with that is that, not accounting the rake, you'll have won thirty thousand, but lost back twenty six thousand four hundred, which is a very common thing for a poker session where you, you your winnings will add up to something really big and your losses will end up something really big. And if you, but you'll you'll end up either a little above or a little behind depending on you know how they come together. So in this situation, the player would have done pretty well. The player would have won thirty six hundred before rake, uh, in five thousand hands. And that breaks down to uh, 36 big blinds per 100 hands played. Okay? So that's 36 per 100. But does that mean you won? No. Because because of the rake being so high, uh, Poker Addict estimated that the average rake you're paying is about 20%. 25. No, but that's the maximum. But the average is about 20 because it doesn't always oh, reach yeah. 25. So the average he's estimated was around 20. So if you won 30,000... Is worth of pots, um, they and they rake six thousand out of it for twenty percent. That means your thirty six hundred win becomes a twenty four hundred loss. So here you're winning thirty six big blinds per hundred, and yet you're losing. You're losing twenty four hundred dollars, despite winning thirty six blinds per hundred in in, uh, in five thousand hands. That's obscene. So then I calculated. I won't bother to go through the rest of it. That in this scenario, which again is hypothetical, and I'm making some rough calculations. I'm not saying it's one hundred percent correct. But I'm saying here that you, with this example, you'd have to win 66 big blinds per 100, which is impossible 
to be a winner in this game. Now, is it possible to win in the short term? Yeah, you could run super well and, and beat it in the short term. But even in the semi-short term, you're never going to win that. So, what, what, what did he state again? That according when he played it, every ten dollar any every ten dollars of coin in was one tier. Yes, and there's no way that, there's no way that was with you. No, it wasn't. I'm going to go back and check on it. Yeah. So, so, so I don't believe this can be beaten. And let me tell you something else I've thought about since then. As you said, you'll never get them all to fold. So what this means is that if someone's going to call down every time, you're going to lose a big edge that a good player has in poker, and that is betting the player off when you don't have anything. So, uh, you know, you've seen this before. Let's say let's say uh, in a, a real hand of limit hold'em, just with five human players versus you. Fold, 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 fold. The cutoff raises. You're on the button with 9, 10 suited. You three bet. Uh, fold, fold. So it's just you and him. Heads up. The pot com- the flop comes uh, a six four. So you've got nine ten. You're you're in horrible shape. And he has queen jack. Well, he's going to check. You're going to bet. And he's going to fold. And you're going to win with ten high because all he knows is his queen jack missed, and he's in horrible shape and he has nowhere to go with an a six four flop. So he folds. So you're not going to have that with the bot. You're not going to have that where you bet them off through through aggressive play through smart aggressive play. So basically, it's a card catching contest as you called it. So what this means is it takes out a lot of the skill of the game, and also this is this is the only time you're in, you're in very good shape playing this game. If you absolutely either flop, you know, ideally, or if not, at some point, make the nut hand, then you're going to do well. And when I, when I say, I mean, obviously you're going to win the hand, but the reason why you're going to do so well is a lot of times it doesn't even make sense. But there's a ton of raising and re-raising being done by the bots, and you get kind of caught in the middle of it. And where this becomes problematic, except for if you have the nuts, is if you have just one pair with a great kicker, one pair with a medium kicker, even like just, you know, middle and bottom pair, you know, just not a great, great hand, you'll get caught up because I I know I did, calling, calling, calling a raise, you know, on the the flop, calling a raise on the turn, calling a raise on a river – you know, and, and I mean, even hands were like, there, there was one hand where I think I had like 10 jack of diamonds and I, I ended up turning a flush and then another another bot had a flush too and went nuts with it. And I, so the, the point is you're never going to really know where you stand. Now, at the same time, there was only one hand where I made the nut flush or it was a nut straight or whatever it was, it just was an unbeatable hand and there was mad betting on the turn and on the river. I won like maybe a 70 or 80 unit pot. But all those other times, and I think he even wrote it in here, like uh, I don't know where he said it, but basically, like you're you're you know you get a hand like king five suited. What are you going to do with it? You know you can't just keep folding and folding. You know that'd be ideal, but since you're bending two units just to get dealt in, you can't just sit there and wait for yeah you know aces kings queens or you know hope the flops. And I think so, this is all on purpose. I think I think they're doing this here to yes. where it, it makes it difficult for you to make any kind of skill adjustment because whatever you do is going to have a downside. Of course, it's, so it's you, also. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's also like, like you said. I think you're dead on, Druff, with the point that you know you can't bet players off, and that's why they've engineered it that you're putting in two units to start. Because when you think about that, now there's five bots. You're putting in two two units, so there's twelve dollars in the pot. You can only bet one. So then the next guy's getting thirteen to one, fourteen to one. The last guy's getting seventeen to one. So now these bots are justified almost in calling down every single hand. Here's here's a yeah, right. And here here's a yeah, way here's point. a way to look at it. Here's a good way to look at it and why this is so unbeatable. 
let's say there was no play involved. Let's say there was a variant of this game where you're just dealt two starting hand- cards, and then it just deals off the the, the flop turn river, and whoever wins gets the pot. So nobody folds. It's just a, it's just you you all have your hand, and you it, almost like everybody's all in, and it just runs out the board. Uh, and then and then at the, if you win, it takes that twenty to twenty five percent rake. So you would never want to play this game. Because you'd say, why would I do that? I have the same chance to win as the other five bots because it's just running out the board. And, uh, and yet it's raking 20-25% for me. There's no way to win that. It's, uh, yeah, because you're, you have no advantage over them. So this is a, a variant of this because if they don't fold, then uh, and if there's not that many skill adjustments you can make based upon the way the game is set up, then whatever skill adjustment you can make can never come close to yeah. accounting for that rake. So really what I think this is, it is a version of just running out the board for six players and taking 25% from you, but it makes the player feel good. I'm sure the, the person who invented this feels like a genius because he thinks, ah, people are going to play against these bots. They're going to think these bots are horrible. They're going to think, oh, wow, what easy players, what an easy game. And then, uh, and then in reality we're going to be raping them with rake and they don't really realize how much we're raping them with a the rake and they don't realize how much of an edge that is for us. Well, it's so, like this, uh, you know. Bob Stupak, uh, rest in peace. He, uh, you know, founded a casino. I mean, among other things he did in his life, founded a casino named uh, Vegas World. Then he, after that, uh, founded the Stratosphere. And one of the things he was known for was create, creating novelty games mm-hmm. that, on the appearance, looked to the players like, "Oh my God, how can you even be offering this? This is great." But in reality, they were worse than, than you know anyone that you know just wasn't math you know based could realize. But here's here's an example: was so, the like face up black. Well, that that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Two of the games that he invented that still actually to this day, right now, you could go to the Stratosphere and and, and play them. Uh, face up blackjack, and with that game, it's it's basically just like you know you would think. Uh, you get your you get your two cards. And then the dealer deals both his down card up and his up card obviously up. So you would see if a dealer has a 16, you know, like a dealer would deal his 10 first and then he'd deal his 6. And then you'd be like, oh, you know, even if you had like a awful hand like a 13, you'd see that under the face card is a 6 and he has a 16, so you're not going to hit it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is great. You know, I, I played this game before when, when I first moved here. But do you remember what they do to, to yes. eliminate? Yeah, blackjack's even money. No. Oh, no, 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 ties lose. Ties lose. That's what it is. No. Ties lose. I thought it's ties lose. No. What is it then? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. right. I'm sorry. Ties lose except for 21. If you get a 21, then it's a push. So meaning if I have a 19 and then the dealer has a 19, you have to hit. Okay, which, which you know, or if the dealer has a 20 and you have a 20, you have to hit and hope for an ace. Yeah. But if you do the, you know, the math on it, that actually makes it worse than you know any other standard blackjack game, and then uh, another version of another game he created that's still there now. It's called Crapless Craps. And I don't I think he must own the patent to it because I've never seen it in any other casino in the world except for the Stratosphere. And I guess he's not sell. They're not selling the patent. Whoever owns it now, since he died. But uh, are you familiar with this game? Any I've heard my, of it. Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know the rules. It's basically just like normal craps, except for on the come out roll, you cannot lose normally on on or you can't win. Normally in, reg- in, in any other version of craps on the come-out roll, before a point is established, if, if you're betting on the pass line, if aces, which is a two, ace-deuce, which is a three, or a 12 is thrown, you lose. 
Yeah. Okay, meaning your pass linebacker is taken away, and then you have to replace it, and and the the shooter shoots again. Same shooter, but shoots again. If a 7 or 11 is thrown, then you win. Now, in this game, the only difference is, or the main difference is, if a 7 is thrown, you win. But any other number, aces, ace-deuce, 11 or 12 is rolled, it becomes the actual point. Okay, and and they take that little, what's called a puck, and they mark that number. Meaning that, like, somebody rolls a 12, then they take that puck, they mark it to a 12, they mark on a 12, and the game continues until the shooter either rolls a 12, which, what are the odds of rolling a 12? 1 in 36. Yes. Or the shooter rolls a 7. What are the odds of rolling a 7? 1 in 6. Very good. Uh, And then, so what would a 12 in theory pay? If you had, say, or... even even if you had it as a say a place bet, what should a twelve pay? Because in, in, in thirty six perhaps, to one. Yeah, go ahead. Thirty six to one. Absolutely. Okay, but what, what what do you think it does pay in reality? Uh, it's. Uh, well, just take a guess. I mean, it's not obviously anywhere near thirty six to one. Yeah, it's not. Uh, twenty to one. No, I was going to say twenty five. Yeah. So obviously, you can see, you know, and then so there's a gimmick. Well, oh my God! You put five dollars in a twelve rolls, I get a hundred bucks, and it's you know, and it will stay up there until you know, a, 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 you know, until the decision is over, meaning until either seven is rolled or you know the point is made. But in theory, it really it's worse than regular craps. It's yeah. absolutely worse than regular. Yeah. Craps. So yeah. So yeah, this is all the same thing, and it's, I, yeah. I think really the best comparison is if you just have six hands and just run the flop out for all six, and then they just take 25% if you're the winner. That's that's yeah. what you need to see this as, and that's why you're not going to be able to beat it. And the only upside possibly was, you know, can you run this uh, and, and get a lot of tier points and, and run up your status, but apparently they've degraded that. But it, it would be interesting to see what that actually is. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like I said, I will, uh, I'll send you a text this weekend sometime. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to play for an hour or two, and I'm going to just monitor, you know, just the coin in, and I do agree with with the author, the author that uh, McAfee is that his name? You said Mahaffey, close. Nah, yeah, okay. Uh, where he wrote, and I'm quoting from your website: "This game is not the same as the Heads Up Machine that became ATMs in October 2010. This game is a I'm stuck at Harris and want to gamble. <laughs> if your goal is to make tiers at total rewards, then you have another reason to play. You should not play this game with the expectation of winning. And I, I totally agree. I uh, you know I would like you know if and I guess I don't know if it's because they're chicken shit or just because it would be too expensive in the format that they have it to raise the stakes. Say they offered a five ten game, you know, or well, I'll, yeah, I'll just say five ten. So then, what would that mean? You'd have to put in ten bucks to get dealt in every hand. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, that's a lot. Well, of, you know, yeah. especially with all the raising I, that goes. I don't on. know why they wouldn't do that though, because it seems like they can't lose. Because the other thing is they've built in almost no variance. Yeah, because they have five opponents versus one and they have this forced ante it's like this is a gold mine for them yeah and then you know the thing is i I, and i'm not i just don't understand i mean i'm not a marketing guy but i mean i i've been around casinos i've lived in las vegas i know enough about gaming that it doesn't take a genius you add these you increase these limits just a tad and if you want to make it two four four eight you know ten twenty something like that you put these games outside of poker rooms and then when people are steaming and, and you know, they want to have a cigarette break after taking a bad beat or they're just chasing because they're losing, they go in there and they start f- putting hundreds in there trying to recoup their money. I used to see this all the time at you know, Red Rock and Aria. They were ingenious because they had these machines right outside the poker room. 
And a lot of times I would see people that would go in there and, you know, even if it was just $100, they'd fire during a cigarette. I mean, that all adds up over, you know, 24 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. And it just, those machines were marketed perfectly. Someone walks out and they see a six, you know, a six-handed limit hold'em game where, you know, in theory, they're like, oh, my God, I can really get my money back here. You know, I, people would start firing. But putting this game next to a buffet at Harris of all places, it's not going to get any play. Yeah, well, look at, look at the Heads Up bot. They, they have those in obscure places, too. Uh, at Caesars? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that yet. You know, we found them. I mean, I uh, even now to this day, MGM has one Heads Up bot in the property, and it's in the high limit room. Uh, you know, and it's only uh, used. It's actually funny. I, I know I've told that story before, but that that was the highest heads up bot I've ever seen. When I first discovered that, I don't know, four or five years ago, that machine used to play up to two hundred, four hundred. And uh, do you remember that draft? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, two hundred, four hundred, which it's basically not playable because you'd have to have someone standing behind you. Yeah, because, the, because the, there's yeah. a law. They they have to write you a hand pay, give you a hand pay, and write you a, uh, a tax well, slip. They do. They do it differently. They do it differently now. What they do now, because you know, people have just gambled more. Technology has is, is, is gotten better. Um, I've seen this in high limit places. You know, I don't know, Bellagio, Caesars, all over. They have uh, slot, or I should say, they have digital po- or digital. They have poker machine, video poker machines now, where literally you can bet five hundred dollars a spin. They're hundred dollar machines. Playing max credit, it's five hundred dollars. So, what is a what is the smallest hand draft that you'd have to hit to initiate a jackpot? A three of a kind. Yep. Every time you hit a three of a kind, it's fifteen hundred dollars and it locks <laughs> up the machine. It's a three of a kind. So, what they do, and I've seen this, and there are people that bet like this. People are like listening and they're like, Jesus Christ, who bets like that? Believe it or not, there are a lot of people that bet these kind of stakes, and I mean, I, I see them. I, I've seen them all the time. So. What they do is they have somebody, an employee from you know either the slot department or high limit department, whatever, stand right beside you. Okay, this is the only way you can efficiently play this. And if you don't like somebody standing behind you while you play, then it's really no point to playing. Every time they hit a three of a kind or better, they key the machine. Okay, and that just resets it. Then they have you on what's called uh, a gaming log. So every jackpot that you have, you don't have to sign for it. It's not printed up. It's all just basically documented in this log. And then at the end of your session or the, even the end of your trip, if you're for three or four days, you'll sign one piece of paper that signifies your 100 200 even $500 or not $500, 500 different jackpots that you have. But no matter what, just because of the, the gaming laws, you have to have somebody every time you hit a jackpot – Manually rekey the machine so you can continue playing. <laughs> you know what? I never so, understood. I never understood why that's required. It should only be when you cash out. Why does it matter what the credits show in the machine? Well, I mean, the other thing is, is that for slots only? Because I mean, people make it's only 50, for slots. It's only uh, for slots. That, that's so bizarre because people make fifteen hundred dollar bets on I'm blackjack, blackjack and yeah, nothing happens. So I, I, yep. Why is that not in in Las Vegas now? They've they've really, really, truthfully, they've cracked down on this to the point where people have actually gotten barred. Have gotten arrested. Gaming's gotten involved. Uh, if you try to compromise the, the, the cash out limits, if you cash out for nine, nine less than ten thousand dollars in a twenty four hour period, uh, they will write your name down on a log. Doesn't go anywhere. It's just for for in house, you know, for the in house accounting. Uh, so you know, say I cash out nine thousand nine hundred dollars, 
they'll write it down, they'll take my ID, they'll take my player's card. And that's another thing that, that's really bothered me about Las Vegas. Back in the day, even you know as recently as maybe five, six, seven years ago, you could kind of gamble anonymously. If you don't want someone to know your name, where you lived, your address, you could. Now, you know, if, if you cash out any reasonable amount of money, and I'm, I'm talking even, I, I've seen this happen to me for $1,500, you know, maybe even $1,000, they'll demand an ID and or a player's card or they'll refuse to cash you out. And you know what? You have no recourse. Well, you know, you you kind of do, but they can they can bar you. They can they, well. They, that's what I mean. I mean, you have recourse to anything, but if you want to stay in good graces and continue yes. to patronize a place, you have to abide by their. Yeah, rules. I once got into a, a, a balls up with them at um, in Reno where I was cashing out like uh, twenty one hundred dollars, and uh, and I was told that I have to show ID and, and show them a player's card and. I said no, and they, they said uh, they wanted it. And I, I, I wasn't just doing this to be an asshole. I, I was card counting in blackjack. I didn't want, in case they knew I was card counting, I didn't want them to have my info. So I said no, and they, they said, why won't you? I said, I don't have to. I'm not required to get a, credit, to, to get a player's card or say who I am uh, to, to play the game here. So they, they argued with me for a while and then finally backed down and, and gave it to me. And I had another experience at Caesars, and this is a long time ago. This is probably 10 years ago. I played blackjack there, and I walked a while from the. I didn't know Caesars as well back then, and now now I know the place so well. But it's got a pretty confusing layout if you haven't been there much. Uh, but I played some blackjack tables, and I walked over to where the cashier was, and I think it was in a different place at the time too, the cashier. But whatever it was, I when I'm cashing out again, it was like two thousand something dollars, and they said, "Let's see your player's card," and I said I didn't play with a player's card, which is true. And they said, well, uh, then we need to know where you were playing. And I said, yeah, it's the, the pit gun over in that direction. They go, well, no, no, don't just tell us over in that direction. Which specific pit were you playing in? And I go, well, how am I supposed to describe that? I don't know this place very well. They go, well, we're not going to be able to uh, cash you. I go, what are you talking about? I, I, this is pretty far away here in this property. You're telling me I have to remember every step I took from there to get to the cashier to cash out? That's insane. So they're sitting here arguing with me. And, and so I decided to use a tactic I like to use when I have – Asshole employees in any kind of industry stalling things like this. I, I there's a huge line behind me, and I turned around and said, "Hey, everybody, guess why this line is taking so long? Uh, for some reason, they want me to describe every step I took from the blackjack table here. If I can't describe how I got there, they're not cashing me out." And people are like, "What? This is what we're waiting for?" And everyone started getting pissed. And 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 finally, uh, the, the cashier's like, oh, "Fine, fine, fine, take it." But uh, I, I was well, I was surprised that they that they were going to make me prove. Well, the, the the reason right why Druff, and I'm sure you already know this is I don't know. Like I said, I think it's maybe like seven years ago, maybe even a little bit longer. But because of what happened in nine eleven and how the government now in the United States wants to account for cash as best as possible, any transaction within twenty four hours that you make in a casino that's over $10,000 by law. Okay, not just, you know, the Nevada Gaming Commission, by federal law, the casinos, just like banks, are obligated to fill out what's called a CTR, which is a Currency Transaction Report, and that goes to the IRS. And again, that's literally $10,000 to the penny or more in 24 hours. So the reason why they log you is say I cashed out for $5,000 and then six hours later I cash out during the same reporting period for another five or $6,000, I'm now going to be over that limit. And by law, they have to 
you know, f- write a CTR and send it to the IRS. Um, then there's also another thing that that they're doing because you know people, a lot of people, believe it or not, were laundering money, uh, you know, in casinos. It's called a SAR. That's a suspicious activity report. And basically, people were going in, they were laundering money, or they'd buy in in chips, you know, for a large amount, only play one or two hands, and then get the cash, or you know, basically washing money with it. Um, so that's basically what they do. And unless, you know, just if anyone just wants to stay off the IRS's radar, the best thing to remember is do not cash out, you know, from one casino uh, or even the same. Technically, they could even get you if it's like, you know, the same casino that that. You know, company that you're playing at, they have other casinos. Like, say you're at MGM, then you go to Bellagio, and then you, you do the same thing at Mirage. They can still nail you for that because it's considered the same company. But don't go over ten thousand in twenty-four hours. Try to break. You know, you can, there's no law that says say you cash out twelve thousand dollars and you cash out you know six thousand today. You wait a full twenty-four hours and then cash out another six thousand. Most casinos, their day starts at five or six a.m. So you should also, if you're that big of a player and you don't want anything going to the IRS, always find out when a casino's reporting period starts for that day. Usually it's early, early in the morning. And I, and I can tell you at Bellagio, I believe that their – last I checked, their limit when, when they start logging you down is at 5000 And that doesn't go anywhere, Druff. That just actually No, stays, I know it doesn't. But the thing, yeah. is, the, the thing is, though, if you cash out – let's say you have uh, – uh, money to cash out, and you and let's say you have uh, twelve. And by the way, if you do break it up just to avoid the CTR, technically that's a crime called structuring. Now they they usually don't go after anyone for this, but it's it, but that it's technically a crime, and you should know that to uh, to avoid a CTR, even if you got the money totally legally. But but if if you're going to do it, and if you're going to uh, try to circumvent this, um, that's the reason they're logging you down in the way Brandon's describing. If if you cash out lower than the threshold where they log you down, then they don't know you were there unless you happen to run to the same person. So, so theoretically, let's say let's let's say you had twelve thousand dollars to cash out, and uh, of course this is a fictitious story. I'm not telling anyone to do this, but let, let's say uh, jo- John Smith wanted to uh, cash out twelve thousand dollars from the Bellagio without filing the CTR. Uh, if he walked to the cashier with four thousand dollars and they cashed out. Then an hour later, he came back, and a different cashier took him and did another $4,000. And then an hour later, he comes back again for a different cashier, another $4,000. He just cashed out 12000 They've never logged anything because it's below the threshold for Bellagio. They, they always talk about that in the poker room. People whisper about what the, uh, the current right. limit is. And last, last I heard, it was 5000 but it's been uh, – uh, and, and, and you might think, well, why, why, why bother – why does anyone avoid the CTR? It's because it's a pain in the ass, honestly. Usually most casinos – and again, these are high-end casinos. If you're at like a local's place like the Gold Coast or even the Orleans, uh, you could never you, – you couldn't do this. I wouldn't even advise trying. But most places only start logging at about like what Druff said, five, maybe 4,000. Um, but no matter what you do – and I've seen – you know, it's funny. I see people doing this all the time and they get nailed all the time. Don't give money to your buddy large amounts to a buddy or a family member and ask them to cash it out for you because then that that's even worse than what, what structuring is. Meaning if say you have like, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in tips and chips, don't give your mom or your girlfriend or boyfriend five thousand, tell them to cash it. They're gonna ask where they got it. They're not gonna be able to prove they got it and you could get into even bigger trouble. You, know, you can get barred, 
You can get gaming involved. I mean, most likely you're just going to get warned because you're going to claim ignorance. But they'll take the but, money too. Yes. So whatever you definitely don't do that. Oh, and I'm telling you though, and if you and, and here's something else you should do: avoid five thousand dollar chips. Avoid oh, them with a plague because they, they they panic about those five thousand dollar chips. They're called flags because they look like it's red. And white, a lot red. of them now, I know at the Hard Rock they've started this. At the Bellagio they started this after the uh, Bellagio band. They actually have what do they have in the chips, Druff? Oh, the RFID. Yeah. Yes, where they actually can track the, tr- the chips. Yeah, but but the five thousand for whatever reason, if you show up to the cashier with uh, with five one thousand dollar chips. They, they cash it out and don't say anything. You show yep. up with one five thousand dollars chip. They, they put you through. I I, I couldn't believe this. I got, I got one totally legitimately. I played a twenty four hour session of hundred two hundred at the Bellagio. Uh, I was exhausted at the end, and I you know, I wasn't trying to structure or anything like this. I was exhausted, and I just took that. I, I took I, I finished with like five thousand dollars. Took it home. Like I, I I think I cashed out the whatever it was. I, I I think I finished with that and like a few like a few other chips and just put it in my pocket and took it home. That's that's what I did. So I came back. I, I knew I'd be coming back the next day. I came back the next day. And and I decided to cash out then. I brought it up to the cashier. They they said, "Hold on a second. They went and got the supervisor. The supervisor came out and said, "Where did you get this chip?" Like, like immediately accusatory. And I go, "Whoa! I was playing the hundred two hundred yesterday. I was here for it was I was here for twenty four hours straight." And the guy says, "I didn't see you here." I go, "How could you have not seen me? I was here for twenty four hours. I'll tell you who I was playing with. You can ask them." He says, "I don't think you're telling the truth. I I think you got this from somewhere else." Like. I was telling the truth. I was there for 24 hours. I'm, I'm not even kidding, guys. I was there for 24 hours playing at that table. That's where I got the flag because someone, when I cashed out, someone said, hey, can you sell your chips to me? I'll just give you the flag. Which, that part's totally legal uh, for, for exchanging chips with someone else's chips. But because I had that, what's called the flag, the, the one $5,000 chip, they put me through this amazing third degree and treated me like a criminal. And it's amazing. I remember when I first moved here, even years preceding that, you'd walk in a Bellagio with a flag, you'd call a chip runner and you'd say, hey, give me 1,000 or 2,000 cash, 3,000 chips. They wouldn't even bat an eye. They would just go do it, bring it back to you. I mean, it, it wasn't a serious thing and now it's a totally different ballgame. Yeah, game. so don't ever take those. When you're sitting at, the, if you're at a table, you know, a higher limit table and someone says, Ask hey, for $1,000 chips. Yeah, someone says, hey, can I, here, let me throw you this flag and can I have these chips from you or whatever. Don't ever take a flag from someone, even in, even in a trade for other chips because you don't want to be stuck with it. It's going to be hard to cash out, hard to exchange. You're going to get a lot of questions and if you don't answer them right uh, or to their satisfaction, they may take well, it from you. And that's the thing. People don't realize that, you know, pit bosses, uh, foremen are that good that say, you know, I walk up to, at the Bellagio right now, and I start playing blackjack. It's very rare somebody's going to play high stakes and not give a card. And the reason why is, you know, it, it almost it almost brings a red flag. You're betting a thousand or two thousand a hand. Why wouldn't you want perks? Why wouldn't you know you want them to know who you were? You know, unless you were, you know, a card counter, or what, you know, unless you were, you know, just for some reason not supposed to be there. So say I walk into the Bellagio and uh, I take out a marker for ten thousand dollars. And I start gambling, and I win $15,000. Pay back my marker. I have three $5,000 chips on me. What they're going to immediately do is enter my name in the computer when they do my rating in, in terms of what my average bet was, my win-loss. And they're going to say the patron walked with three flags. And that's going to stay in the computer. Now, if I come back in a week or two weeks or a month, they're going to give me my money because as soon as I show them my player's card – Okay, they're going to look it up at the cashier. They're going to make a phone call, and they're going to see that the patron, you know, me, had left with that money that I rightfully won however long ago, you know, that it occurred. And then they're going to pay me right away. 
Uh, so you know, you never have if you if you're doing something legitimately like that, you never have any reason to worry. You don't have to cash out your money right away. Like I said, if you left for a year and came back with your money, you could. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Some people do that. It's really, really weird. I, I know people that come to Vegas with chips. Yeah, you know, I know. Trip. And I never, I never, never understood never, that. Never used to do that all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, high. You know, I mean, I, can, I get like if you just want, you know, a couple green chips, a couple quarter chips, something like that. But to leave with you know five hundred dollar chips or higher and come back. Um, but anyhow, they know where the money is, and you know, as long as you can prove where you got it, and, you know, and that's back in the day. I mean, it was it was really really risky. I remember. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Druff. When you used to play a lot of commerce, did you ever have anyone offer you Blasio chips for cash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, back then, I you know, I did it a couple times, but now I would never do that. No, I don't I care if they do gave me, I don't care if they gave me vig on it. And the reason why is because that's actually breaking the law. That really is. And the casinos, even though you know you think it's unethical, they'd have every right. To refuse to honor that chip if I went there, and I think it was Nolan Dowd. It was Nolan Dowd that happened. That to. wrote that yep. you know that 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 famously wrote a story about a five thousand dollar bet he won, and I don't remember who it was with. Uh, I'm sure somebody in the poker world or gambling world, but they gave him a five thousand dollar chip, and uh, that it was an MGM chip, and he went to the MGM to honor it, and he did not know the laws and the rules, and they asked where did he get this from, and he said, hey, a friend gave it to me, and they would not give it to him. Yeah, they he took they up, took it. Yeah. Yep. He put up a stink. He put up a fight. He made threats, but you know what? In the end, he was right. He might have even called gaming. I don't know, but he or the casino was right. And I don't know if you if you look in oh, every casino. Usually, it's next to the cage. They have a disclaimer. It's usually like kind of like in a restaurant where they have like the restaurant's grading. You know, like whether it's an A grade or B grade, and it will just say that chips cannot be used to negotiate for any other value. You know, it basically gives you that disclaimer, and it's in yeah, right. Yeah, they're not a currency, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, those are just things to be careful because a lot of people wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know that if I hadn't learned and if I hadn't been here, if I would figure if someone gives me a chip for any amount of money, it's my chip. I can go cash it in. And, you know, the same kind of thing happened with Bob Stupak. I don't know. He had over, he had at one point in his life, he had a, over a million dollars in black chips from Binion's that were in his trunk. This is really interesting. One day we'll really go into this and talk about it because I know people love these Vegas lore stories. But he had over a million dollars in chips. And this was right when Becky Binion uh, bought or didn't buy but inherited after her brother Ted died. And she was the owner, the sole owner and running the show. And she refused to honor cashing in any of these chips. She hated Bob Stupak. And uh, he, she wouldn't pay them. And this actually went all the way to the Nevada Supreme Court. And gaming actually came in with him with guns. And they, you know, it was, it was one of the raids right before they actually closed it down. And they told her she had to pay it or they were going to shut down Binion's. Do you, you know the story, Druff? Hello? Anyone? I'm here and I don't know the story. Yeah, I, I had heard something about it. I thought it was, I thought it was he had all the, um, the $500 chips, but yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was black. I'll, I'll do a quick Google. I think we lost Druff, huh? No, oh, I'm, I'm here. No, I, I was oh. just able to, unable to talk for a second. So no, I heard everything you said. I just wasn't able to talk. I, I wasn't taking out the trash like uh, like someone else used to during the. I thought uh, you another... fell asleep. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually googling this now. Uh... By the way, uh, after this, I know uh, I don't know how long Daredevil's going to stay on, but I know he was telling me privately there was a topic that was not in the agenda that he wanted to talk about with the MGM. Oh yeah, well it's. 
it's like the whole MGM Corporation, not the MGM specifically. But I know you talked on a previous show about the, their um, their thing that they're they're maybe going to be charging for parking. Uh, yes, yes. You guys heard that, right? Yeah, so right. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, real fast. I'm sorry. So when they audited, this is about Bob Stupak. When they audited the horseshoe, this is how much of a mess it was. Okay, when they audited the horseshoe, what would you guess? And five thousand dollar chips were unaccounted for, meaning that they were outstanding. They weren't in the casino. And they didn't even know who had possession of them. This was during Becky Binion's run. Yeah, uh... or Becky Benyon, I should say. This is five thousand dollar chips. They, when gaming came in and audited the, the the horseshoe, they did not know where these chips were. When they said, "Who has them? Where are they?" We don't know how uh, much. Four million dollars. Between one point five and one point nine million, okay. and five thousand so chips. Were not missing. as bad as I said. <laughs> yeah, but that's so unbelievable. No, it's a crazy. They don't yeah. even know like where. It's nuts. So, any, I'm sorry. Go on, gentlemen. About the MGM and the parking. Yeah, we, yeah, we talked about before on the show that or the rumor that the MGM properties will start charging for parking. Never going to happen. I, I didn't think so either. But never but, will happen. But hold on. But but uh, Daredevil has something to say about it. Won't happen. Well, this is just related to that. So that's part of their new thing, which they call their PGP or profit growth plan. And their whole thing is basically how to squeeze every dime out of everything. So one of the things they floated was the paid parking. One of the things they've actually done is, you know, little things like they've homogenized all the toiletries. So it used to be, you know, Aria had different uh, toiletries than the MGM and the Luxor, and they all picked, you know, based on the price range. is Is this something that you're sure applies to Vegas properties and just not their other non-Vegas properties? Because I've been to some of these properties recently, and, and that has not changed. Really? Well, that's that's what they said on like a well, – Maybe it hasn't been – maybe it has not been implemented. I don't know if it's been implemented. The other thing is they must – they must – I mean like the Aria probably has a year's worth of toiletries still, you know, even if they've already switched, right? But um, the other things that – so along this line that they've started doing is um, they're really cracking down – all their uh, bartending staff in terms of like well drinks, in terms of the quality of the booze, in terms of they're actually making them measure now instead of free pour. Wow. And they've also instituted what they call surge pricing. So uh, the let's, let's say the Bellagio, you know that little piano bar that's yes. like by the lobby, right? Of course. Um, so I guess somebody went in there and uh, they got a, a, a bottle of Budweiser and it was uh, eight twenty five, And this was on like a Monday night. And then they went back on Saturday night, and it was I think ten fifty. So they've instituted basically in the busier times they're now going to charge more for the exact same drink at the exact same ah, place. Ah, interesting. Which well, they call surge pricing. You know what? I, I can see them trying to nickel and dime patrons out of the lower end properties, and, and not just nickel and dime the patrons, but cutting back costs, like you mentioned about. You know the toiletries, and for those that really don't get it, like if you stay at the Aria or the Bellagio, you go in your bathroom. They do have high-end shampoos and lotions, and you know things of that nature that you wouldn't get at like the Luxor or Excalibur, even in New York, New York. Now, in terms of parking, even from just a logistics standpoint, uh, I don't even know how they'd implement like having you know like building a parking attendant stand at charge. But this would be, I mean, just unforeseen in, in, in Vegas history. I mean, out of every casino that's either on the strip or right off the strip, there's not one that charges for either parking or for valet. You know, meaning we could, you could, if I wanted to right now, just to be, you know, because the strip is 
generally closer to the airport than you know where most people live. It's maybe, I don't know, two miles, a mile and a half. If I want to go to the Bellagio right now, either park my car in a garage, okay, or valet park my car, and, and I'm just going to go to the airport, take a cab for five bucks, and be gone for a week, two weeks. They wouldn't know anything of it. It wouldn't even be a problem. I've actually done this before. Um, the only places that charge for parking in Vegas are downtown. And most places are basically all the same. If you get your parking ticket validated, meaning you just walk into the cage, that's where it usually is. No, it's not like that anymore. There's still places like that. They've cracked down on the the downtown. There there are still places like that. Um, They'll, you know, validate and you usually get four hours for free. Now, the reason why downtown Vegas parking is different than the Strip is because there's so many businesses. Uh, The majority of, like, lawyer's offices and, you know, there's – Bail bondsmen's and right, and it's more locals. Yeah, right. Because exactly. they, they don't care about the tourists scamming free parking. It's not a scam because they're going to exactly. walk through. They're going to buy stuff. Right. They don't want the locals using the parking. And the federal courthouse, the county courthouse, the county jail. There's so many federal state buildings down there as well. People for years were just using that as a means to park. Um, so that's you know basically I've I've never paid for parking in my life. Now here's a key. I'll tell you this right now because. Uh, Golden Nugget changed theirs, their, their policy maybe a year ago. If you're in a casino in Vegas, downtown, don't ever pay for parking. It's the biggest fucking joke in the world that you're going to patronize casino and then pay for parking. If you don't want to valet your car, park. When you're done playing, if you're legitimately gambling, you know, any decent, you know, meaning you're not just walking in there with a, a 20. If you walk to a pit boss, okay, if you, you know, walk to a slot host, anybody with any authority and say, hey, I've been gambling here for you know X amount of time. I've lost this amount of money. Feel free to exaggerate. Show them your player's card. Say, I don't want to pay for parking. They'll sign your little parking slip. They'll actually put their number. Every pit boss or foreman have like a special ID code that I guess is for comping, things of that nature. Have them do that. Then you'll be able to leave. I mean, I've lived here, I don't know, 15, 16 years. I've never paid a dollar for parking. I'm never going to pay a dollar for parking. That's absolutely ridiculous. Well, you can even yeah, – the, uh, the only thing I can see changing though is what, what what's going to happen when that arena opens. I mean the, the on New York – you're talking about the one with New York, New York. Yeah, behind, because okay. if they get the NHL franchise, which they will, um, you know, at its game time, the, again, because it's going to be the locals going to the games, I, I could see them maybe doing something there. Well, that's, that's a little bit different though. I mean if they have, you know, like a 10,000 – you know, car lot, you know, I could see them doing just like what any arena does or Disney. As soon as you enter, you have to hand somebody the money and then you could just feel free to park in a spot. Um, no, but I'm saying if they don't add a lot, if they use the New York, New York lot as the parking lot for the arena. Oh, no, I, I, I was under the assumption that they're going to have to add a lot because there's just not. Oh, see, I was, I, I was under the assumption that they haven't, <laughs> that they don't have that worked out. Hmm. That at least when it opens, they're not going to have a lot. They're going to use the New York, New York lot. Yeah, but the New York, New York. I mean, I don't know what would an average arena or stadium have in drive up parking. Maybe like you think that figure that I set out there was correct, like ten thousand spots. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, New York, New York does not have ten thousand spots. I mean, as it is oh, right now, no, not, not even close. No, they don't have that. Not even close. No. <laughs> So that's that's why I just always figured they were going to build a you know a parking lot there. But I mean, I no listen in any <clears throat> whether it's baseball, football, basketball, any uh, hockey, any of the major sports, parking is a huge revenue. You know, just as much as concession stands yes. are, and, and so no matter what, I always assumed there'd be 
a charge for parking, which, you know, rightfully so, that's fine. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, the people that are smart or, or cheap or whatever you want to call them would probably park at MGM or somewhere up and down Tropicana, whether it's, you know, the Tropicana or uh, the Tuscany or just somewhere along those lines and walk, you know, walk, you know, half a mile, a quarter mile to, you know, to the actual arena. Um, but, I mean, a place like the Bellagio, I mean, that's just such a slippery slope. Or the Mirage, I could never see them physically charging. Because then if you're charging for parking, then what is everyone going to do? Everyone's going to want a valet. And then you could, then it comes to the situation where, you know what? I mean, I would do it. You know, if you're a tourist or you're just, you're, you live in L.A. and you're out here three days a week or, or, you know, every weekend or whatever it is, every other weekend. You know, you don't want to say to yourself, and this is the last thing anyone in, in marketing for MGM wants – well, you know what? These properties, these MGM properties, charge for parking. So let's go to Caesar's properties. Well, okay, but we had this, we had the same arguments about the resort fees. I know it's a little different, but uh, yeah. the but see, when everyone does it, it's kind of like you know they're forcing your hand. So now you have no choice. I mean, well, you know, that, you know, that's what I'm saying. For a while, they were not charging the resort fees at Caesar's properties. Then they realized they had to because they were showing up a higher price online because uh, the resort fees right. were not were, were included in the price. You know, the thing is, but, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and, and they don't really mind the resort fees as much because I mean, I'm sure there are people that do. But what are the what's the average resort fee on this trip? Like twenty five bucks a day, twenty bucks a day? Yeah, yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the majority of people in today's day and age. Unless you're very, very cheap, or you just are older and have no necessity for it, they want internet. You know, so you're going to pay that money. I mean, most people that I know that come to Vegas, they're going to spend the fifteen dollars or twenty dollars, or I don't even know how much higher it is. I'm sure it's you know at a place like the Win, it could be over twenty bucks. They're going to pay that for the internet. And now you know the world is health conscious, so everyone wants to you know come to Vegas. And they want to go to the spa, or they want to work out. And, you know, those are all things that that come with it. So I really haven't heard. As of late, a lot of that much backlash. I mean, well, I don't know if you guys. Still no, know. no, I, I have. I, I think it. I have heard a lot of backlash. I also yeah. think you hear less um, in terms of the higher end resorts because it's less of a percentage. Yeah, well, right. like I, I've I've checked in next to a family at the Excalibur, and they paid twenty six bucks a night, and then they find out there's a twenty dollar resort fee. Yeah, that's, and that's yeah, that, right. That, a big that, chunk yeah, of the right. family budget. And the other thing is some of these places. You know, you say you get internet. So I, I think it's I think it's the Luxor, maybe the Excalibur. They literally have a hard line connection in every room. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, I mean, the, the Monte Carlo don't even have the Monte Carlo. Ports. Monte Carlo did too. The yeah, Monte, Monte Carlo. Carlo, exactly. And and uh, let me tell you, the point I was making here is that these things sometimes seem foreign, like no one's going to put up with that, or they're going to go to the competition if you do this. But if Everybody kind of gets together and does it, even if it's not direct collusion. But they just one does it, and then the other says, "Hey, we should do a soup." You know, like uh, it, it'll happen. And like, think about Atlantic that's City. Never, that's never going to happen. Well, I, I don't think it's going to. But, but it's not, that happen? It will never happen in my. It will never happen while I'm in my young middle age. I, I don't know about that because that I, I don't. For I don't think street. it'll happen. But I, I wouldn't be shocked because, like, look, they manage it in Atlantic City because Atlantic City they have to because that's of the boardwalk. Just a different. It's just different. It's just it's it's it, it it's okay, and it's the same token. They're a lot cheaper with their comps. It's just there's so much competition here in Vegas, and it's just a different dynamic. Atlantic City is charged from parking from the start. So well, no I know it's because, it's because it's because it's because of the boardwalk, but that's yes. But and there and there and there are people that go there just for the beach activities that are parking. But if you go to the Strip, okay. Besides the fact they put a fucking cheesy fucking this is really embarrassing. You know what they have now? Uh, if you're at the Aria, 
standing in front of the aria, and you're look guys. Anyone answer this? You're at the aria, and you're looking across the other side of the strip. It's a restaurant. What do you think is staring you right in the fucking face? This is embarrassing. Right on Las Vegas Boulevard. The McDonald's. No, worse. It's also on Las Vegas Boulevard, across from the aria. A fucking Chili's. <laughs> a fucking Chili's on Las Vegas Boulevard. Are you kidding me? Like, you're literally walking down beautiful Las Vegas Boulevard, taking the tram from the Blasier to the Aria. You're looking at a fucking Chili's right on the strip they just built. No, those are McDonald's right on the strip. Yeah, that's Well, worse. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I think McDonald's, McDonald's they have, worse. Yeah. They have a Walgreens, they have a CVS, but they have a fucking Chili's on the strip now? Come on. Really? <laughs> you, wait, wait, wait. But you, I don't remember, uh, like, downtown... You know, you say they charge for parking, but maybe I'm remembering wrong. But ten years ago, I don't think they did. They've no, always they did. charged for no, parking. They did. They did. They've. Oh, I, mean, really? I remember okay. when I used to come out here as a kid. But it was very, very simple. At that point, back then, they didn't even have a time limit on it. So you would literally just get your little parking pass automatically, and then you'd go into the casino. There's a little automated uh, validation. Yeah, it was just a machine, right? Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. just yeah. And what they ended up doing, like I said, is because they had this big. That was. Oscar Goodman, the former mayor of Las Vegas, that was his big initiative of his whole entire you know career is to revitalize downtown. I mean, a lot of people don't remember, um, but I don't know. If, yeah, he, he actually he was instrumental in actually the last World Series having yep. been downtown. Yep, absolutely. He made that happen. Yep, but even I mean, even as recently as like fifteen years broadcasting. Is no, it's, I, I think we're coming back for whatever reason. Radio was disconnected from – we're back now. Uh, thanks for the chat room telling us that. Uh, for whatever reason, if you're listening to the archives too, the radio went down even though it wasn't an internet problem because we were all on together and we're not all in the same spot. But it disconnected, so I reconnected and everything's fine. Okay. So anyway, just, just finishing up on the parking situation, like I said, downtown Vegas – more so than than you know ever before is basically the financial hub, the criminal justice hub you know of Las Vegas. There's so much that's going on down there, and that that's why, uh, for the most part, that the casinos down there you know are charging, and also because it is true. I mean, they want to milk every last penny, and those casinos is actually amazing that a lot of those casinos are still there because they really don't make a lot of money. I mean, they really truly yeah, I know they don't. You know, they've been in a world of hurt. For many years, and it's actually funny if you look at it. I don't, I don't really get the patterns, but it seems like every couple of years, the former Jackie Gone casinos, and that's like the Plaza. Um, uh, what's the one right across from the Plaza? The Las Vegas Club, uh, the Golden Spike. You know, they all get sold. You know, and then I mean, they were just bought like by somebody about a year ago, and they've probably been they've probably changed hands six or seven times, and everyone says the same thing. You know, they're not making money. We're losing money owning them. We're losing money owning them. So I never kind of understood why, you know, they keep changing hands so frequently unless everyone just kind of thinks, well, you know, we could be different than the last ownership. But, um, I mean, the thing is those casinos are just so old. And, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, they're like relics. And they probably should have been shut down, you know, not even shut down, demolished decades ago. I mean, they're like all of them are open in like the '70s and the '60s. I mean, before the Strip, before you know there was a, there was a Mirage or you know any of the Treasure Island, any of the newer you know resorts. Um, you know, so just throwing some new paint on it and putting a new carpeting, it just it won't do it. You know, they try to keep reinventing. I mean, even the the jewel of downtown, the Golden Nugget, now it, it's not. You know, it's still it's showing its age and 
Uh, you know, but right. you know, well, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you something you might be surprised at. I think the Las Vegas club is going to make a big comeback. What? Yeah, it, it just got sold to the same guy <laughs> it's who funny, bought really? the fits, who yeah. bought the fits and turned it around into the D, which is actually doing very well. So he's going to try to do the same thing with the Las Vegas club. It probably won't be called the Las Vegas club, but. Right. So there is some hope for that property, but yeah, the, I don't know. I don't know who stays or goes into the plaza ever. But yeah, and well, the, I mean, um, there's a good market for it. I mean, because there are a lot of families that. Right. Well, I mean, first, there, there, there's two elements to this. There are a lot of families that, or just people in general, that like downtown, and it's not just because mm-hmm. of you know, not just because it's cheaper. I'm sure that's part of it, but they just like the scene downtown that you can walk literally everywhere that. Uh, it's just, it's a different element. You know, you're either really going to love it or you're going to hate it. And then, of course, listen, like, you know, it's like fucking Disney World. How much is it, uh, you know, these days to stay at a decent hotel, take, you know, four kids to Disney for tickets, for food, for a couple days? I mean, you know, you can go for a middle class or maybe lower middle class family. Who the hell can afford two, three, four, five hundred dollars, you know, for two rooms, all, you know, at the Wynn or the Venetian or the Bellagio? You know, so there's definitely a market for places like that where during the week or even on the weekends you're going to pay, you know, fifty, sixty, maybe a hundred dollars. I mean, you know, even cheaper if you shop around. Um, you know, so you, you you need those places. I mean, but I, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting. Since the Mirage was built, when do you think the longest lull between casino a new casino opening in the city has been? Uh, three Since years. the Mirage was built, I'd say recently, right? Right. What was the – did anyone have a guess? It's the the Cosmo, last, right? Cosmo was the last casino that was built. What year was that? Ooh, oh, oh, 09? I think it's oh, 08. No. Oh, 06? Oh, 2010. Oh, 2010. Okay. 2010 it opened. I believe in right before – I'm actually going to Google it. But I believe it was uh, right before New Year's, 2010. Okay. Since that, that time, has, has a – Casino opened up in Vegas? A new casino from the ground up. No. Opening date, yeah, no. December 15, 2010. So it opened 16 days. So it's been five years. Okay, when, when, did anyone remember when was a Mirage built? 89. Yep. 89, yeah. Yep. So since that point, since 1989, you know, I think the longest might have been two or three years, whether it was like a local casino like Green Valley Ranch or Red Rock opening or, you know, something on the strip, but there has been nothing. Uh, so I can, you know, that basically tells you that the market, I guess, is and there's no, there's not, there's not anything even being constructed now. I mean, the last two casinos no. they made before the Cosmo, I mean, you know, they were just basically added on. They made the Encore, which yeah, is I was going to say the Encore is newer, but yeah, yeah, the Palazzo, but that was also before the Cosmo, and the Palazzo, which is also part of the Venetian. Um, but there's not ever, you know, there's not even any talk right now. Um, True, and, and the Riv closed. The Riv closed. The Stardust, that was supposed yeah. to be a huge project. That was – the Stardust was owned uh, by Boyd Gaming. And yes, Boyd Gaming, the Echelon. Yes, very good. Very, very good. And the Echelon was supposed to model city center um, in terms of you know, condos, shopping, timeshares, hotels. You know, It was going to be a massive, massive like $25 million, billion dollar project. And they had the foresight and said, you know what, you know, this was before the recession hit. And they thought, you know what, you know, the market's kind of oversaturated. We don't, 
we don't need to be spending this much money now in, in developing this massive project. And they didn't. And all that land is still vacant. They still own it. There's, there's been no work done on it. And in hindsight, I mean, can you imagine that now? If they, It looks like it was a good idea. Well, you, you know they sold that, right? So Boyd yeah, doesn't they, own that. Yeah, they made a ton of money off the land. They sold it. Who, who did they sell it to? Well, it's, it's this I, – I don't know the company's name, but it's, I think it's called Resorts World International. And uh, they're, they're like a big, mostly Chinese conglomerate. And they actually <laughs> – it's so sad. People are excited because they actually put a new crane on the site this week. And that's been the only activity since like you know '09 or whatever. They, they probably just uh, brought over a crane to make it look like they're actually doing something. In reality, it's just, <laughs> it's just for show. It's just a, it says, let's bring a crane to make people feel good. And it's – it's supposed to be this giant uh, Asian-themed casino that's supposed to open in like 2018. I mean, we'll see. Well, I'll tell you if it's if right now we're you know we're almost in 2016, and I know like the wind took o- almost four years to build. I can tell you right now if they haven't even started work yet, it's not going to be built by 2018. Yeah, it won't. It's not going to. It's going to take longer than two years or two and a half. Well, years. they were going to do it in stages, unlike City Center. So they were going to open like the casino in one tower, and then they're going to build another tower, and then two years after that, that's the plan anyway. Right. But interesting. Yeah, so we'll see if it actually happens. Okay. The other thing is the last. The last part of the MGM profit thing is they just filed a couple days ago for the slogan. What is it here? You know your uh, shit. Do you come to Vegas a lot? How do you know so much? Yeah, this guy's much? a Canadian. You know so much. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, I live in Vancouver, but I come three, four times. I love Vegas. Okay. Although I'm, I'm liking it your knowledge. I mean, I, I would have bet most I, – I would have bet Druff would not have come up with the uh, former known, you know, echelon or echelon. What, say it again. Is it echelon or echelon? echelon. Yeah, echelon. echelon. Like that – I mean that phrase hasn't been used in half a decade. I was very surprised you knew that. Yeah, no, I love Vegas. But yeah, so the, the the other newest thing that MGM is doing is they're going to start going to war with these third-party booking sites, uh, the Expedias, the Orbits, that kind of thing. How, how are they going to go to war? So, well, so they filed for uh, the slogan is here, play the smart hand, book direct. And so that's going to be like their new <laughs> slogan. Um, and basically what they're doing is they're instituting all these extra fees if you book through a third party. Mm-hmm. Things like cancellation, early check-in, late checkout. They're going to be able to see when you want to do these things who you've come from. And they're going to start penalizing people and charging them extra if you've come through the Expedias of the world. Um, but actually, I'm not against that because that's part of what led to the whole stupid resort fee thing. Yes, exactly. It's because – um, a, the sorting by price, so they have to keep the price low, and B, uh, the resort fee, they keep 100%. They don't have to cut in the Expedia sites. So if you look at room rates in Vegas, they basically haven't gone up in like three years because they just keep upping the resort fee because they keep that 100%. They don't have to cut in the price lines of the world. Okay, interesting. Oh, I'm, I'm reading right now, by the way. Uh, I just I Googled it in regards to uh, – we won't sit or keep talking about parking – but uh, according to the president of MGM, he has not yet decided on parking, but what this really is. It's not about parking at all their properties. It regards parking near casinos near the new arena on the Strip. And that I guess that was a big thing where they want to obviously monetize you know, parking for, for 
the new arena and they don't want people doing what I said, just parking, you know, valeting or parking. And that makes sense. You know, you, you know, that's a huge revenue that's that for any team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they don't want people just going to the valet at New York, New York or the self parking or even MGM, which is a massive, massive garage. Uh, so, you know, if anything, I could maybe see that. But in all likelihood, I mean, like I said, unless everyone that's kind of how Vegas is, unless everyone does it. And then you just have to think of the logistics. I mean, how many of you have ever been in that MGM parking garage? What a clusterfuck that is to get in and out of. Imagine having to wait in line. I mean, imagine that as a gambler. You lose a ton of fucking money. And, you know, if you're like me, most of you are like me, if you lose money, you just want to storm the fuck out of there when you're done. You don't want to sit there and take in the sights and have a cigar and, and talk. You want to just get the fuck out. I mean, you lose, you're pissed off, you want to call it a day. So imagine you lose, you know, a, a, a large sum of money and you're sitting in a fucking parking garage for 20 minutes waiting to get out? Can you just imagine how pissed No, that would be terrible. No, they, they would have to make some modifications to where there's enough stations open to where you don't get in these big jams out of there. Yeah, but you know what they, they have at the airport. I wait at the airport. I wait everywhere. Well, the I airport's mean, different. Just, the airport doesn't well, care. Listen, i got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a little rant here real fast, and then I'll, I'll we'll move on to the next topic. You know, I, I'm not like you, Druff. Uh, in the sense that, like, I'll spend, and this isn't an insult towards you. I'm just, you know, declaring a difference. Where I try not to let the little things bother me. You know, like if, if I don't know, say I get ripped off my cable bill or my phone bill for two dollars or three dollars, I'm not going to waste my whole day or a long period of time. You know, I, I I will make a phone call maybe or I'll write an email, but it just, you know, I don't go after the little things as much as you do. And again, that's not an indictment of you at all. It's just, you know, we're just different. But I have noticed lately that I've been spending more and more time on the phone with these big companies, and I'm starting to get really angry. I'm starting to get frustrated, and when it's an error, whether it's – you know, I'm going to give you some examples real fast, and and these are all true stories. Whether it's a cable company, a credit card company, I'm finding myself getting more angrier. I'm finding myself even teetering on being abusive. I I think I'm being a bad influence. With the people that I'm talking to. (laughs) And it, it, you know, and I've realized, of course, you know, if there's an issue with my credit card or an issue with my phone, it's not the person I'm talking to's fault, and I'm just taking it out on them. But I'm so tired of what it seems like a, a, an eternity of wasting my fucking life on the phone with on hold, yes, on on wrong departments. So I'm going to give you three examples that have happened recently, and you can tell me what you think, you know, or even if you don't think anything. But you know, I'm really getting to the point where I feel like I'm going to snap. So I'm getting so goddamn fucking irritated with incompetence with these companies. I honestly can see how like certain people in this world hate big businesses, hate credit card companies and you know all these other just you know big companies because they literally are so disorganized, they just care about fucking money. And I know now I can see now how some people could snap. Just totally fucking snap. Well, and, and, and now you can also see now you can see how I always try to bonus for these companies because yeah. it's kind of like the reverse against them. Three examples. Okay, and these are all fucking honest to god true stories. Okay, so recently, I opened up uh, a, an American Express Platinum card. Okay, I got one uh, maybe about two months ago. Now, before anyone, before Jeff, you judge me and say anything, I realize there's a four hundred fifty dollar a year annual fee. Okay, but the perks are very very good. I'm going to be traveling a lot this year, and probably you know for the rest of my life. And there's one perk that I really enjoy. And that's a fact that, uh, at least in Vegas and most other cities, they have these American Express lounges that uh, have, you know, amazing food, drinks, uh, 
you know, computer access, all kinds of just perks that you can use for free with, with guests lifetime. And you also get a $200 a year statement or travel credit, you know, for just booking any flight, whether, you know, no matter what airlines it's on. So basically you're paying a $250 annual fee. You get, you know, which costs less than most people pay for these airport lounges. Anyhow, so I get this card. I don't know if either any of you are familiar with American Express or, or not. But I'm, I'm familiar had, with that huh? card specifically, actually. You have that card? I do. Okay. So anyhow, get the card. Now, granted, I had an American Express Gold card before. So it's not like I'm a new customer. I've been with them for a while. Never had any problems paying my bill on time. Never been late once. Uh, I don't use it that much because I got the – I you know originally got up is I got like I think 30,000 or 60,000 free miles or points or whatever they call it for opening it up and spending $2,000 years ago. But I still use it you know maybe every couple months. You know, I put a pretty decent-sized purchase on it just to show, show use. So anyhow, I get the new card. I cancel the gold card because I don't need to be paying two annual fees for American Express. I go grocery shopping. Okay, one night. This was about maybe a month ago. Okay. Use my card. Groceries came to $400. I mean, it was a lot of groceries. Mm-hmm. I needed to stock up. They, they declined my card. They declined it. Call American Express. The fraud department is closed. They, they, they you know, froze my account for fraud. The fraud department is closed. And their computer system is down, so no one can help me. So basically, they're just like, use another card. Okay. Use another card. I call the next day. Talk to someone in the fraud department. They apologize. They don't know why, but it was flagged, so on and so forth. This past weekend, I'm shopping. It's a true fucking story. I'm shopping. It's a Friday night, maybe 6 o'clock at night. Okay, use my American Express card because on this card, I need to charge $3,000. I get, uh, I think it's, I don't know. What, what do you get? I'm sure it's the same offer, Jeff. I know if I charge 3000 the first three months, I get. It's, it's uh, always around It's something approximately $400, $500 for the yes. value. Okay, that, yeah. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's standard. So I make it was eleven hundred dollar purchase. Use my card. God's honest truth. I use my fucking card. The guy tells me it's been declined. I'm like, really? I'm like, do it again, please. Does it again? It's been declined. So then I get pissed off. I use another card. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Before I use another call card, I call American Express on the phone. Okay, right there, I have them on speaker in the fucking store. They answer, and I ask, "What's going on with my card?" The lady tells me that. My account has been froze. I need to speak with accounting, and I may have to submit documentation. I'm like, documentation for what? I mean, I'm getting mad. I'm like, I'm at the store. This is embarrassing. I'm trying to use my card. Like, you know, it's me. You know, I'll give you anything you want, my social, my address. Like, sir, I'm sorry. I can't even discuss this with you. You have to call the accounting department. They're not open until Monday. This is on a Friday. I'm like, you know what? I'm just tired. Fuck it. Just cancel my account. Why am I paying $450 to you a year, and I can't even use this card? First time I try to buy $400 in groceries, boom, no. Now I'm trying to fucking buy something at the mall, boom, no. Okay, just cancel the card. Sir, I'm sorry, I can't even cancel your card for you, okay? <laughs> you have to talk to accounting. They're going to need you to supply documentation. I'm like, it was a $1,000 charge. I've charged way more than that on my prior card. Anyhow, so you know what I do? Fuck it. Call on Monday. Don't have access to the card, okay? And then you know what? I even, I even get pissed. And I try to get gas at one point. I just keep sliding the card over and over just for it to keep rejecting it. Okay, just hoping someone's going to call me so I can yell at them. That's funny. Yeah. So finally on Monday, I call. I'm like, listen, I'm Brandon Gerson. My, you know, my, they ask you some keyword. My keyword is this. My social is this. I am fucking furious. Okay, I try to buy something at the mall. I'm with my family. I'm with the kids. They decline it. Little Tommy's crying because I can't get him the goddamn toy Little he Tommy, wants. Little Tommy, bad guy, your, are, your son? Huh? Bad guy twenty three is with you? No. 
he's not with me. Um, so, you know, but I, I'm yelling at them. I'm like, this is ridiculous. What am I paying you $450 a fucking year for? You tell me on the phone, the guy I talked to says, American Express, the only card you need to carry. I take your advice. It's the only <laughs> card you need to carry. You don't want to let me buy shit with it. Okay, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, and then they start looking. I'm like, they talk to some fucking lady, doesn't even speak good English. She tells me that I need to speak with someone accounting and there's some documentation I need to give, but they, she doesn't know what, uh, that she can't be more specific. She just looks at it and like, sir, I'm looking at your account now. Everything is fine. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everything is fine. Feel free to use your account, sir. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, no, no, okay. So I'm like, okay, but you know what? I tried using my account on Friday. Okay. And they're like, yes, did you try it? I'll, I'll tell you what it was. It was at the Apple store in uh, Fashion Show Mall in Vegas. So the guy says, did you, you attempted a charge for $1,100 at Fashion Show Mall? Um, you know, this is the day. I'm like, yep, yeah, that was me. It's like, okay, well, it should be okay to go through now. Well, I already bought the fucking things. You know, it was three days ago. So then he starts, and he's trying to be nice. Then he starts telling me, okay, a way for things to not get flagged. He's like, well, it was probably flagged because you've never shopped there before. But I'm like, well, you know what? That happens. Like, I'm not always going to be going to the same place that I've gone to. You know, but, but again, if this is – it's your business model, Okay. If, if you want to protect yourselves and the consumers, because they're going to tell you we're just protecting your account from – no, they're really protecting themselves. No, I know, but they, they have to eat the fraud if it – Exactly, uh... right. Okay, so I'm like, well, you know what then? This is a fucking novel idea. Okay, if you're that concerned about fraud, and if I charge something that's like a lot of money, I guess $1,000 of them is a lot of money, then you know what? Have a fucking number that's open 24 hours where I can call, they can confirm my social, my name, and my address, and then fucking approve it. Don't have a fucking fraud office that closes at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it's a joke. Okay. So anyhow, this nice guy starts telling me, well, here's ways you know, for you to improve with American Express and your limits and this and that. He's like, you know what you should start doing, sir, is start charging more. That's what he says to me. Start charging more to build up, build up a, a history. And I say, and what do you think I say? I'm trying to charge more. <laughs> it's the chicken and egg problem. I, exactly. So anyhow, it, it, it doesn't we, we make lost, sense. Uh, we lost Daredevil, by the way. He's a good kid. It doesn't make sense, okay, because I had another American Express card that I just canceled. And I've, I've charged five, six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 purchases on it before. You know, not like all, all the time, but I have over the course of having the card. Never had a problem. So, I mean, I just don't get it. So I'm going to do this one more time with American Express. Well, I, I, I hate to tell you, I think it's going to fail. Yeah, I'll tell you why. I, I've been through it. Not with American Express. Ameri- okay. Not with American Express, but you have what I refer to. As a broken card, okay? This this just happened to me. Uh, I, when I went to Alaska in August of 2014, I uh, this was not with American Express. It was a, a Chase... Uh, Which one? I'm v- sure I have it. Visa card. It was, I think it was the, it was the Freedom? Chase Freedom. Yes, it was the yeah, Chase Freedom. Okay? So Chase Freedom, of course, I'm being a good Jew, and the, the rolling category that you're getting 5% back... It's was Alaska. Was, 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 <laughs> no, was gas. Okay? So any gasoline charge i make that quarter i get five percent back so i'm of course using that card every time i go to the gas station so uh i i got gas earlier in the day because i needed it then at the end of the day i had to return the car to the airport so of course i had to get gas a second time is this the the it won't let you get gas twice in one day yeah so but 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 the problem was that i i i try to do the gas purchase it declines so then i get a text saying we we have a suspicious transaction in uh, whatever gas station in whatever Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, text one if this is a valid transaction. Two if it's not a valid transaction. So I text one. 
thank you for verifying. Go ahead. The transaction will go through. I try it. does not go through. Just use a different card, as you did. Uh, get back to Los Angeles. Try to go to the gas station there. Declined. Like, what the hell? Like, because I, as, so I called them up. I said, I, I thought this was supposed to be fixed. They said, no, 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 it's fine. You, you can fix it. So I, they, they, I sat on the phone for like 20 minutes. They supposedly fixed it. I, I tried it again. Didn't work. Uh, I just used a different card, got on the road, said, what the hell? Is this ever going to work again? Oh, 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 sorry. There's one other thing we had to do. Okay, it's fixed now. Next time you go, it'll, it'll work. Try a different gas station closer to where I live. Declined. I call them up. I say to them, what's going on? Why can you not fix this card? They said, it is fixed. Everything's fine. I said, no, it's not. They said, it must be a problem with uh, the card reader of, of the gas station you're going to. <laughs> I said, I've gone to this gas station a ton of times, and every time, every time since this Alaska thing, it's never worked. And they said, well, it's got to be on the end of the gas station. I said, do you realize I'm going to different brands of gas stations? I'm going to different places, different cities. Do you understand they're all giving me the same decline that I never had before? And this is after the thing that texted me, I responded affirmatively that it was fine. So it just didn't work. So, so the thing was, so they said, well, we admit this is suspicious. What we're going to do is we're going to start a three-week investigation on this. And, and after three weeks, we'll let you know the results of our investigation as to why this is happening. But we have to warn you, there's a decent chance it's going to be determined that it's the merchant's fault. <laughs> so I, I said, I have a better idea. How about you just close the card and, and not close, but how about you just reissue me a new card with a new phone, with a new uh, card number, like the same way you would if it was stolen? And they said, yeah, we can do that. So they reissued it. Lo and behold, it works. So my theory, which you know, they, they weren't even – they didn't even think this was going to work, but I, was, I, I had a feeling it would. That for whatever reason, that uh, until the card gets reissued, once it's declared fraudulent like this, it's very hard to clear. And this happened to me again this year. I used the, gas, I used the card twice at a gas station this year, and the same thing happened. And they were able to finally clear it. But I was so frustrated because they promised me last year that they put something in the account to prevent this from happening again. The bottom line is that uh, if you have these repeated problems with a credit card that they just can't seem to clear to where it can be charged, there's like something broken in the system to where they just can't – either it's like super overly sensitive to fraud at that point to where it just flags everything or or they just can't clear it the right way. And it's amazing to me though. I have this uh, Capital One Ventures card and this Barclay reward card. Put the shit on Bovada for women's shoes or whatever the fuck. Shit goes through right oh, away. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Boom. Uh, Fifteen hundred. No, boom. Three thousand. Boom. I deposited. Nothing. I deposited twelve thousand dollars into Bovada with my Capital One card. Yeah, and it did. It went right through with this all venture? the venture. With with the uh, no the Capital One Spark card. What is a Spark card? It's a business card where you get two percent cash back flat. Oh wow! Yep, it's a great card. You know what? I wonder how many cards. Do you have a lot of cards? I have over thirty. I have over forty. You know what? Let's just hold on. I'm going to grab mine. Let's. I, I, I'd say we probably have. I may have forty. I don't know. But I, you know what? I just closed a few, so probably not. I think I just closed like four of them. Because like when the annual fee comes up, I shut them down unless I really like the card. I, I, I didn't know that uh, Brandon is a credit card bonus whore too. Yeah. Okay. So my second rant, and, and then I'm just, I don't even know what to do. 
Okay. So for my cell phone service, I mean, I'm not even going to get to the cable debacle that I have, but my cell phone service, I have AT&T. Okay. So what I normally do, they send me a text every month. And I, I guess there's probably an easier way, but it takes 10 fucking seconds. And it's just what I've been doing for, I don't know, 10 years now. They send me a text. You know, they say your bill is, is you know, due, whatever, whatever, right when the new billing cycle starts. So usually that day or the next day, I just log, dial 611 on my phone. And then it connects me to the automated service right away. And it says, do you want to use the card on file to pay your bill? I type, you know, I press one, boom, the bill's paid. Then it sends me a confirmation, you know, text on my phone. All right, simple. Takes a minute. Been doing it for fucking years. So the other day I call, okay, to pay my bill. And it won't connect me to the automated service. It says AT&T values your security. Okay, I don't even think, you know what, I, I should call now. It says AT&T values your security. You need to set up a four-digit PIN, okay, before entering the automated service, okay? So then it tries to connect me somewhere to set up a four-digit PIN just to get to the fucking, you know, automated service. I, I, I just went through that today. Okay, and then it says to me, we're sorry, we cannot create an automated PIN because you've recently changed your SIM card within the last 24 <laughs> hours. You know what, Druff? Take a guess, Druff. I didn't change my SIM card recently uh, in the last geez. 24 fucking hours. I've had the same SIM card for fucking two years now. Have you changed your SIM card? No. Okay. So it won't let me get to the automated menu where I pay. So, the, so then it gives me an option. Finally, an operator comes on the phone. I explain to her what's going on. She says, well, you know what, sir? I can create a, a PIN for you right now. She's like, just tell me what your PIN is. You know, what, what number do you want? I, you know, I say four-digit PIN. And she's like, hmm, this is weird. It's not letting me create one for you. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't even matter. I just want to pay my bill. So she's like, no problem, sir. I understand. So she starts getting my information, my account up. She's like, well, you know, just to let you know, sir, it's going to be $5 for me to pay your bill, okay, through not using the automated system. Then I start screaming. I'm like, this is what I just told you. Like, I can't connect to the automated system. So then she puts me on hold. Okay. Guess what happens? Gets disconnected. Never comes yep. back. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, you know, so then I call back. Okay, this was uh, – today is Thursday. This was on Tuesday. Call back. It's like 9.30 at night. Okay, call back again. Lady picks up the phone, and she's like, this is Joyce from AT&T. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking to? I'm like, listen, Joyce, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to get to know you. Okay, this is what the problem is. Okay, I'm sick of wasting my fucking time on the phone with these <laughs> businesses. Get me to somebody that can help me hand you my money to pay. That's all I want to do. And I don't want to pay $5. I don't want to set up a fucking pin to pay my phone. I just want to give you my information that's already on file to authorize it to pay. She's like, okay, just hold on. Like, you know, I understand how you feel. I'll connect you to a supervisor. Connects me to a supervisor. I'm on hold. I'm, I'm on the computer. Put my phone on speaker. Just hold ring music. I'm hearing all the fucking AT&T fucking propaganda in the world, Druff. Get a new line. Do this. AT&T. We'll get men on the moon. Just all the fucking bullshit in the world they're trying to tell me on hold. I'm not even listening. I'm tuning it all out. Fucking clock strikes 10 o'clock. All of a sudden, I look at my iPhone. Beep, 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 beep. Call ended. Okay? Never got a hold of a live person. I snap call back. We're sorry. Customer service is currently closed. Yep. That's, Please that's call that's during a trick. our regular that, business That's hours. a common trick. They do that so they can go home. <laughs> yeah. Never talk to anybody. Still haven't paid the bill. I mean, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I never would have been like this in my younger years. Maybe I'm just getting cranky. <laughs> but honest to God, I, I, I am thinking about just changing companies just to say, fuck you. I have three phones that I pay for. Well, don't go, on, don't go to T-Mobile. They're even worse. 
Here, let me see if it even lets me do this now. I don't know if you can hear this. Yeah, I hear it. Suspense is killing me. Yep. This is this is an honor. Here we go. We will require a personalized password to call us or visit some retailer to access your wireless account. Don't dial the touch tone. People can hear it. what, Druff? I'm not swapping fucking SIM cards, Druff. I'm not some fucking Romanian operating a fucking cell phone fucking chop shop out of my house. Okay? I have the same motherfucking SIM card that I got when I purchased this fucking phone at Apple or Best Buy or wherever the fuck it was, I don't know, a year and a half ago. Druff. You know what? You know what my advice so is So I here? can't pay my bill. I know. You know what my advice is here? What? Um, when you call up near 10 o'clock, uh, you're not getting their A-team. The... Uh, you're getting the worst people that are working at that time. Uh, you call back during the day, as inconvenient as that can be sometimes. I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic here. Remember, like it's, I don't like calling in the morning either, but uh, you call back morning, early afternoon, uh, and you just immediately demand a supervisor, like, like give them the very minimum they need, and then say, I want a supervisor. Don't let them try to talk you into trying to solve it. And then, when they do that. Well, maybe it's something I can help you yeah, with. No, yeah. it really isn't. Well, are you sure? Why don't you tell me what it is? Well, you know what? I have gonorrhea. I'm really, really sick, and I want to talk to your super. I mean, do you hear them? They, okay, all I'm trying to do is connect to the automated service to, that already has my shit on file and pay it. No, it's crazy. It won't even let me give them my money. It won't even let me connect it's, to the automated service. So, so what you need to do is, is, is you I can't to pay get, my bill. You get a supervisor, and if they don't, if they don't solve it for you, then ask for to transfer you to retentions, which is the uh, you know the ones that prevent you from canceling, and they yeah. have some more power. But see, this is the whole point. I mean, and I get it, Druff. You know, there's principle involved, but I don't want to spend my life on the phone, on hold, doing this. I don't. I'm getting aggravated. No, it's very I'm aggravated. Talking to American Express. I'm on hold with AT and T. I don't want to do it. I want to be living my life. I want to be relaxing. You know, I, I've worked very, very hard. You the know, last it, but it, it, it can drive you crazy. Six and years. I've actually, yes. I've actually learned in in some of these cases. Now, I, I sometimes go through these awful situations too that even I can't beat, or, or it takes a very long time to beat. But I, I've learned. You know, various little tricks to what you need to say, who you need to speak to, uh, what department you need to go to, to to get these things done faster. Otherwise, you end up in an endless loop where you never get it solved. Uh, the, the, the biggest nightmare I ever had, the, the, the very worst in dealing with a large company, I'm not going to go through the whole story and bore everybody, but I was on the phone literally. Jeff, I need to go have a cigarette. I'm just too worked up. Can I, can I take a break for a minute? <laughs> just, just listen just, to the thing and then take okay. a break. I'm just it, 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 took, it took me 20 hours. I'm not switching SIM cards. Do I, you I'm, believe me? I believe you fully. Sorry. It took me 20 hours on the phone, not all at once, obviously, but over a period of, of time, 20 hours of customer service calls to fix an ongoing billing error with Verizon Fios. And what, what ha- you had happened with you where it gets to the end of the day and they disconnect, 
that they pulled that on me. They pulled every trick on the book with me to get rid of it because it was a hard problem to fix, and everyone was lazy and arrogant, and nobody wanted to fix it. So they they either would argue with me and tell me I was wrong, accidentally hang up on me, uh, put me on hold, uh, transfer me to places I don't want to go. I mean, you, you don't know how many times I just felt I, like throwing the phone across the I'm, room. I'm at that point. I mean, listen, Druff, I got a bill uh, about a week ago from Cox Cable. That's the local cable company in Las Vegas for – uh, $280. $280. You know what the problem was? The main problem, Druff? Take a guess. But you're never going to guess this. The bill's supposed to be $95? Oh, I haven't, I haven't had Cox Cable in three years. I have DirecTV. <laughs> I have DirecTV, Druff. No, that one you got to solve because they can put it on your credit. Okay. Okay, people, I think we're in uh, much better shape now. I bet I sound better. Do I sound better? If I do, tell me. And we will continue. Yeah. For whatever reason, um, it switched from stereo mic mode or stereo mix mode to the mic. Not the internal mic, but the regular microphone, which uh, because I was playing with the settings earlier, uh, was over amplified. And I, I don't know why it switched and it didn't show me it switched, but somehow it switched. So I had to switch it back and go back again to the stereo mix and that corrected it. Don't know why that happened. Hopefully this does not happen again. As I said, this is a new system. I will actually have to go back, do something I hate doing, and edit the show. Uh, what the hell? Let's put on TMML Gay. I like how Brandon stressed himself out where <laughs> he couldn't continue with the show. Uh, TMML Gay, this is you, right? Hello? Yeah, that's a very poor low house. If you're going to low house me, do it right. Yeah, uh, Calwatt in chat is saying that my computer is polyamorous. (laughs) That's probably true. It's probably getting back at me for making fun of Z Justin about it. Um, uh, Grenade Rogers saying leave it in there. Well, how long, guys, was it going with the bad sound? Like, if it was going that way for like 15 minutes, there's no way I'm going to leave it there. Because that's just uh, brutal. I don't know. Like I, I'll usually leave fail in these days, but this just seems like too long. That's why I actually turned it off. Yeah, five minutes is too long. I'm gonna have to edit that out. So you guys uh, who listen live got to hear the pleasure of the distorted sound. And Brandon, uh, he left unrelated to that to go take a break. So in the meantime, uh, while Brandon's gone, I just messed this up again. For the kind of weird, no, nah, I think it's okay. Uh, in the meantime, while Brandon is gone, let me jump to some topics here that we didn't get to cover. River's still around after the long ranting about bad customer service. Oh, here's Brandon's back anyway. Okay, Brandon, we got it solved. Uh, the the this is a new computer we're on, by the way. This isn't the one with the rigged wire. No, it's it's a new computer. No oh, shit. So what was the problem? Uh, the, the, no, the problem is that it just it it jumped out of stereo mix mode somehow, and yeah, I, I have no idea why. And oh shit, they, uh, I'm getting it on the wire here from I am Lloyd. Audio sucks. Can't hear you for the last five ten minutes. Can only hear Druff. Yeah, I know. You gotta, I can't that's do it a, again. I'm gonna get all upset, Druff. No, no, we're not gonna do it again. That's all right. We uh, 
And we we have and everyone that, missed everything I said. Drew, well, no, like five or ten minutes. I know. What can I do? I didn't know it was that like that. It's a new computer. It's a, you know, it sucks. Well, you know, one time I don't know if you remember, I, the whole show didn't archive, and I actually went and redid the whole show the next day. Was I there for that? I I don't think so. I actually went and like did a show the next day, saying basically the same thing, which I, I can't even believe I did. But I was like so irritated that the majority of people who listen to the show were not going to be able to get it that I actually went and did the same show the next day. So what happened? That's that's awful. I have to do it. Yeah. yeah. So at least he only lost like five or ten minutes here. What about our little sweet Canadian prince? Where's he at? I oh, know he's gone. He 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 bailed out before this fail occurred. So oh, we still got that Trederuski, I bet. Huh? Well, he just came back. He, he's, oh, I'm still back. Yeah, he's still I'm back. His assistant doing everything. He's, I, he's... I need the assistant to figure out why my stereo mix just like fell off and moved to the regular microphone. That's so weird. So, so okay, uh, let's... Let's rough. Listen, I got this out of here. Let's just, this is out of curiosity here. So now, you said you have the American Express Platinum card. Yeah. Now, what strikes me, I would if I had to wager, and I am a man that likes to wager once in a while, I would have bet that you didn't only because of the very, very steep annual fee. Explain that. It's not like you to pay an annual fee. Uh, I'm not just paying it. I'm sharing it with various people. You can have, like, companion cards and stuff, and... Uh... It, it brings the price way down. Right, but you still have to pay for the main card. You still have to pay the four. Well, I know, so we're, we're we're sharing that charge. That's why. So who are you sharing? How many people are you well, sharing? I, I, your I, 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 I can't go into all that, but that's what I'm doing. Well, but I mean, you could say, fam. I mean, okay, how many family members are you sharing it with? Uh, a number of them. Well, okay, more than five. Uh, around five. <laughs> and are you the primary owner? I'm not the primary one on there, no. Oh, okay. So it's not real. Okay. Gotcha. No, no, but it, it is, uh, you know, every, everyone's uh, taking their part in it, and uh, that, that's what makes it worth it. So that's. Now, have you used these lounges at the, when you're traveling on these various. Uh... Sometimes. I don't like to get to the airport early, so that's why I don't use them that much, but they are useful if, if you are there early. Are or, these American Express lounges as nice as I've been told they are? Yeah, these centurion lounges are called? Yeah, yeah they're, they're fairly nice. They're not, uh, like, I wouldn't go there. Like I, I'm not excited to be there. But if you're going to be in the airport anyway, it's a much nicer place to be. But it's not a place like you're. You're not feeling like it's a wonderful place that you'd go to and enjoy the time there. I'd rather not be there at all. Now, if you had to either stay in the Centurion Lounge or the Seven Star Lounge at Caesars, what would you pick? Oh, the Centurion Lounge, Brad. The Seven Star okay. at Caesars. Yeah, it's kind of Trader Ruski. Now I know you have to have one of these platinums with all the assistance and traveling and whatnot. <laughs> Is that correct? I do not have an Amex Platinum, but I, I have me. But I use. I have one that my dad has this card for me whenever I need to use it for tickets or stuff like that. Okay, sounds good. Now, Druff, I don't do want have, to pay the juice either. Yeah, it's a, it's very expensive. Now, Druff, do you have the uh, Capital One Venture card? Um, I, I think I had it and got rid of it because I didn't need it anymore. Okay, the Hilton Honors Reserve card. I know you have that. Yeah. Okay. The Bank of America Travel Rewards Card. I don't think I have that one. The Southwest Airlines Rapid Rewards Card. No, I I, I got actually briefly for Ken Scaler to get him a free flight on Southwest. <laughs> for that, that's seriously why I got it, and then I got rid of it. The Bank of America Cash Rewards Card. Yeah, I do have that. The Marriott Card. I'm sure you have that. And I just applied for that actually. Okay, we both know you have the Total Rewards Card, correct? Yeah, still have that. The United Mileage Plus Club card? Plus Club, I don't know what that would be. I, I do have a Mileage Plus card, but it's not called that. Hmm. Okay. Do you have the American Express JetBlue or Delta card? 
No. Okay. The Barclay Rewards card? Yes. The Barclay Arrival card? No, sorry. It's the Arrival, not the Rewards. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say you, oh, the Chase Slate card? No. Okay. I'm going to guess you don't have an Amazon.com or Best Buy card. No. Uh, they're both Master cards. Okay. What about let's see the Chase Freedom you said you had? Yes. That's correct. The Capital One Quicksilver card? Yeah, I have that. Very, very interesting. We're, we're we're roughly around the same then, huh? Yeah, I have a bunch of like I, I with the hotel the ones that you get hotel perks. I try to spread those out so I don't get too many hotel benefits at once that I can't use them all. So now that Hilton is a good card, rough. I'm surprised you said you didn't have that one, right? The Hilton. Card. No, I, I I have a Hilton honors. Yeah. Okay, because you get two nights a year for free. And that's a, yeah. You know, that's a yeah. No, good I, I just I just use that over the summer actually. The two nights. Either of the Citibank, either Thank You Preferred or Diamond Preferred cards. No, but I have other city cards. And are there, here's some tricks, by the way. Since we're on this topic, rather than just Yeah, let's me, talk about uh, uh, Here's some tricks when you apply for these cards if you get rejected. First of all, when the, if you get rejected and they say write to such and such address, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Do not ever write uh, in general because you get just canned responses. Uh, you need to track down a phone number. If there's not one on there, you need to call around or look on the internet and get the right phone number to call up and reach someone to speak to like in the uh, the, the lending department or whatever they call it at each card and, and find out why they rejected you and uh, sometimes they will reject you because you have too much credit in their opinion with them they don't care so much about your overall credit but it's not they care they'll about say you have too many revolving accounts at the moment well with them in particular so they'll say things like uh, we, we don't want to issue new, you new credit uh, you already have too much credit with us, or you already have too much credit, period, so we don't want to issue new credit. So the way you get around that is you say, well, how about you don't issue me new credit? How about you take credit off of my existing cards with you? Now, of course, this only works if you already have cards with them. Take uh, take credit off cards I have with you and just switch it to this new card, and they will almost always say yes to that. And I've been rejected a number of times. Wait, say it again. You tell them that you want to switch let, let's say Let's say I already have a Chase card. Okay, or let's say I have two chase cards, and a third chase card comes up that I want to get. And I apply and I get rejected with a fail thing that I'm supposed to write to them if I have any further questions about my rejection. Instead of writing to the stupid P.O. box in Illinois, where the hell it is, I track down a phone number that they don't normally give. Of course not. Call up the number, get this lending department, whoever makes the decisions for the credit card. Make sure you're talking to the U.S. You get someone in the Philippines, do not speak to them, demand the U.S. Always demand the U.S. when you get this. With any of these type of things, the, the people in the, the foreign centers have no power. You you get the U.S. and then you if you ask the reason you were rejected, and if it's because they don't want to issue new new credit, you just switch credit you have with your existing cards with them. So if I already have two Chase cards, let's say I have one with a ten thousand limit, one with an eight thousand limit, and they say we don't want to give you six thousand more for this new card, I say okay. How about take three off of each of those? And make it instead of ten and eight, make it seven and five, and then put six in this new card. And they'll do it because oh. they're not, they're not giving me any more credit. Gotcha. And then this way you can, and the reason you do this is so you can get this third card and whatever benefits that come with it. And and then also there could be other reasons they reject you. Whatever it is, you you talk them out of. Uh, here's another trick. They always ask you about your income, and that's uh, you always wonder what's the best income to put down. First of all, they don't ever verify it. Uh, second. Uh, you don't want the income to be too much or too little. If you make the income five hundred thousand or million, uh, like let's say let's say you're Doctor Evil and you're applying for a credit card, and they say what is your yearly income, and of course you say, 
Well, they're going to reject Dr. Evil because they're going to be suspicious. Who makes a million dollars a year? Yeah, some people do, but they're going to think that most people who claim that are, are just bullshitting and trying to get a lot of credit they're going to skip out on. So they have determined through uh, various uh, studies that 250000 that's a good range to say. That's, that's pretty much the ideal to claim what you make a year. You make oh, more- hold on. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, something here through the wire. One of the listeners uh, is texting me on my secure number. Claims that they actually work for Citibank. I don't know if this is true or not. And they're telling me that when you've applied for cards with Citibank under the income amount, you write, won a limit bracelet championship at the WSOP. Is that correct? (laughs) (laughs) That might might actually do it if I drop that on him. But, yeah, so if you want to say you earn around $250,000 because – what that is, or 200, 250, 150, those are all good things to say because it, it makes it look like you have a lot of income coming in, you can pay the bill, but it's not too much to where it draws suspicion. And what happens if you put 500,000, 1 million per year? They will ask you to verify it. And of course, you're not going to be able to unless you really make that per year. So, and even if you do make that per year, you're not going to want to. Now, if they asked you to verify it, would you just send them a snapshot of like Jew gold? Yeah, I would, I like would, some uh, gold bullion or something. You just send it to them. Maybe I would uh, take a picture of like an online poker screen showing my balance on Bodog or something. But but what? Uh, so you you put something like that, and now you don't want. If you've been saying much less in the past, they have record of that. So you know, if you've been saying you know, forty thousand, forty thousand, you don't want to put two fifty. It's going to look weird. But uh, other than that, it's it's or you can start slowly increasing it to up to a hundred thousand, one twenty five, one fifty. But you you want it to be high, but not really high. Because now, also, it, I've been told it improves your chances when it asks what you pay for a mortgage if you say you own your home and you don't have a housing payment. Yes, is that correct? Yep, that's the other thing you say. Yeah. And and uh, so that that's some tricks to getting approved. So you got to find out what when they reject you. You've got to track down a phone number, get someone in the U.S. on the phone, which is not always easy, but you get to keep demanding it, and then find out why they rejected you, and then talk them into it. I've I've talked them into it uh, many times. I've even had it where uh, they they just telling me that they are rejecting me based on you know one of many circumstances, and I I just keep arguing and they back down and give it to me. So this doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes you, sometimes you just get SNAP approved, but you you should never deal with letters. Never write letters. Whenever, just in general, anytime a company says write a letter to this address, don't ever do it unless that's the only way to communicate with that department. Right. Now, Trader Ruski, what about you? Do you uh, have anything to add? Do you have any credit card stories or insight for our listeners? No, I mean definitely with DirecTV, and now that AT and T owns them, yeah, you know, there's ways you can always get them to credit. I called up when there was the ref ref strike, and I got them to like cut my NFL package in half, or I might have gotten it free after oh, the uh, after that. the Green Bay Seattle game. I complained that it was in football; it's ridiculous. Charging us for one product. Did you really after the Golden Tate thing? Absolutely. Come on, really? <laughs> I swear to God. That's funny. Very good. All right. Yeah, you know, one thing you can do with DirecTV, too, you know, I've heard, I'm not saying I do this, but, like, if my brother canceled his DirecTV, I can just order a receiver for my third room and then put it at his place. Hmm. Oh. Interesting. So then, yeah. 
Well, uh, so that's you know, if you don't want to deal with them on the phone, you try to get them back another way. Cause, <laughs> you know, you're spending so much time. Yeah, I, I once had a horror story with them where they the installer. Uh, this is back when I had them. I don't have them anymore. But the installer said that uh, he was going to come down on Christmas Eve, which I thought was odd. I thought that was a weird day for them to be working, but they said that they're working. But uh, they're supposed to come at uh, between 12 and 4. I got a call at 9.30, sorry, 8.30 in the morning. I'm woken up, and they say, sorry, things have changed. People called in sick because it's Christmas Eve. We need to come at 9.30. And I'm like, I was so tired. I'd stayed up all night playing online poker. I didn't want them to come then. I wanted them to keep their own appointment. So I said, no, I, you can't come at 9.30. Your, your appointment, if I, it was the reverse, and I said, you, you can only come at 9.30, I'm going to miss the appointment, you'd say, too bad. So I said, like, I, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Just come at the time you're scheduled. So they sat there arguing, arguing, arguing that there's no way they can do it, that if, if I don't let them come now, that I'll have to reschedule and wait two weeks to get my service. So I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, I finally backed down and let them come at 930. So they come in. Don't thank me for, for adjusting my schedule to this. They just come in acting all entitled, rush through the job, leave, and uh, – so I have my service for, I don't know, about uh, 10 months or so. And I had noticed this annoying thing that, uh, and I don't know why I accepted this as normal. This is many years ago. But that I could not watch something else while something's recording. So if something's recording, it would jump to that channel and start recording, almost like an old school VCR. So I, I, I was talking to someone one day, and I sounded like an idiot. I said, you know what kind of sucks about DirecTV compared to cable? On cable, when I was recording something, I was able to jump to another channel and watch. Uh, I wasn't forced to watch what I'm recording at the moment. Uh, on direct, direct TV, I have to. That's one thing I hate about it. And the person says, what the hell are you talking about? That's not true. I have Direct TV. That's not, that's not the way it works. I said, that's crazy. I said, I've, I've tried this many times. So then I went onto the Internet to look this up, and indeed my friend was right. And I discovered why. They only ran one line from the satellite down to my box. They didn't run. Two, they need to run two lines for you to do two things at once. So they only ran one line. They just were lazy that day and in a rush, ran one line and basically said, "F, you know, F this guy. He'll never know the difference." So I had the smoking gun proof because it's not like something fell off or broke. This was just never done. So I had proof that they're installed. Obviously, unless I went all the way, you know, and disconnected the whole thing all the way up to the satellite. Obviously, I have the satellite dish. I had proof that they just didn't do the job right. So I called up DirecTV, and I said, "Can you?" I wasn't asking for any credit back for the ten months that, that I was without the proper service. All I wanted, send the guy back down, or you know, send the company back down to. They hire third-party companies to do this. Send them back down to fix the job. Would you believe they told me, "That's fine. It'll be a fifty-nine dollar service call fee." <laughs> and they would not budge they said i'm sorry this is a third-party company we have to pay them for every the only time we, do, we don't pay it is for installation it's been installed already this this is considered uh, a service call you don't have insurance against service call problems uh you have to pay i i argued and argued and argued and they would not back down and it it it, it took probably about I finally realized I'm going to just have to keep hanging up and calling up and get a different person to finally see if I can get somebody who's uh, sympathetic. Finally, after like the sixth or seventh call of, of getting idiots who were debating with me why this is okay, I said, they said, if you, if you 
if you didn't want to have to pay for service calls, you should have gotten our service call package where you pay a flat rate per month for, for uh, the cover service calls. I said, do you understand? This is not that something broke. You guys didn't do the job. Do you understand if you didn't do the job in the first place, the job is still incomplete. You didn't do what, I, what you're supposed to do in the first place. You're just coming to complete that. They, they couldn't get it. Finally, I got someone who understood it, and I could tell was sympathetic toward me. So not only did he arrange to have them come for free to fix it, but uh, then I, I said, well, hey, what about all these 10 months that I've dealt with it without this? So they actually gave me $150 credit, which was nice. But, but, but it took six or seven calls to get them to simply come back and finish the job they did wrong and did maliciously wrong because they were, uh, they were pissed at me for arguing with them about the, uh, the 930 time. So I, I, I was so sick of DirecTV. By the time like, all this sh- my contract was over and all this shit had happened, like I, I just canceled it and went to uh, d- you know back to cable and uh, and now I have Verizon FiOS and you know they they have horrible customer service too but uh, the the service I like the Verizon FiOS service is that their customer service is awful but that's getting to pretty much be the case all around with everything so here let, let's uh, let's talk about something else now since I've probably bored everybody to death with this stuff uh, I I find I could talk about this shit for ten hours straight but I know a lot of people probably don't want to hear it so. Uh, I want to talk a bit about uh, my NBA halftime betting strategy. And uh, so far, provided I've stuck to it, it's been successful. But, but tell me what you think of this. Because I, I've, I was noticing from observing the NBA that if there's two evenly matched teams, approximately evenly matched teams, which means you don't have like the, the Golden State against Philadelphia or something like that, but but something where, where the two teams that are um, – the line is within a few points – of, of even, and uh, it, it's pretty much a toss-up who's going to win. If one of those two teams is getting blown out at halftime, that typically the one that is getting blown out, and by blown out I mean 20 points or more, the one that is getting blown out will make a little, at least a little bit of a comeback in the second half. If, if these are two teams that are relatively even matched, or if the better one is losing, even you know that's even a better situation. Ha- have you watched the NBA and noticed this happens? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I notice it all the time. I notice like like uh, you know you take uh, like take today's Clippers and Utah game. Even though I bet on the Clippers and lost, but I, that wasn't a halftime bet. But but say say the uh, the Clippers were down uh, thirty one at halftime. Uh, you, you wouldn't expect them to lose the game by forty. You'd expect them to probably lose by by seventeen or something, right? Like yeah, yeah that, that's totally like it happens so often, especially if the team that's losing is at home. Now I found this doesn't this doesn't apply if the team that's losing by a lot is terrible, but if it's if it's uh, if they're not terrible, then you tend to get somewhat of a comeback. There's reasons for this because the team that's ahead by 30 points at halftime is not going to play with as much urgency. They're going to rest a lot of the starters. They're going to they're going to kind of coast and and also in trash time, especially uh, the, the team that's way ahead is going to take out their starters earlier and and and, uh, and, and in trash time. Uh, the team that's going to play more aggressively is the one that's way down to kind of uh, prevent the embarrassment as much. It's a, it, it just there's many reasons why they come back and get closer. So usually the halftime line, it, depending on what team it is, but if they're two relatively even matched teams, uh, you only have to take the losing team to be favored by like five points or so in the second half. Uh, as I said, this varies, but uh, I, I found that these seem to cover very often. And uh, so I started doing these this year. 
I did some of them last year too, but I was also experimenting with some other things that didn't work. But I found that this seems to consistently work. And so far this year on those bets, it's uh, on half times. I believe I'm six and two so far, but I think I'm I'm uh, six and one in half times or five and one. Because I think I'm one and one on regular halftime bets that I just made on other conditions. Yeah, I'm one on one of the. But but five and one I believe on these type of halftime bets. And and otherwise my NBA record this year is mediocre. So I'm, I'm up on the NBA, but it's because of these these halftime bets. Now five and one doesn't mean that much, but I noticed this last year. This was happening as well. I think this could be uh, an untapped uh, thing to Market. take in, in, yeah, in the NBA because if you Her, Her, Haralabob, who made all this money in the NBA, uh, especially in years past, he made a lot of his money in halftime bets, and that was when they were really clueless. And at halftime bets, they were just splitting the line in half, and said, "This is a long time ago," but they were just splitting the line in half, and and they said, "Okay, that's the second half line," and of course that. Uh, that isn't the accurate way to do it at all. It's hard for me to believe when he said that's that's what they used to do, and they figured out there was a huge flaw in that. So I th- I think uh, the the ideal situation is if you have a team that's uh, at home that's maybe slightly better than the road team who's getting blown out by like thirty points, then uh, that's an ideal situation because they're very frequently going to come back a good deal in the in the second half. I had one that I loved over the weekend. There was the, the Clippers at home against Toronto, and the Clippers went into the second half down 29. And this one was so good, in my opinion, because Toronto's very inconsistent. Toronto's bad on the road. Uh, Toronto and, and the Clippers were relatively evenly matched. And the, Toronto's been a little bit better so far, but it's, you know, it's not that you're not looking at teams that are vastly different in, in uh, overall talent. So I, I just knew that Toronto on the road here, a very inconsistent and frankly not good road team, was not going to hold this lead. And sure enough, the Clippers came within six. They ended up losing by 11, but I didn't have to give up many points. I, I, I had a small favor for the Clippers for the second half, so I, I coasted the whole way on that one. It was, it was actually Clippers minus 10.5, but I knew they were going to get that. I knew it because I knew Toronto wasn't going to hold it. I knew Toronto was not going to win by by eighteen nineteen. I just knew it because they, and, and sure enough, it, it it easily won. And there's been, you could say, well, that's just one game. There's these for the most part do very well as long as you just stay away from the. And I this so this isn't rocket science. Just if you want to go along with a strategy, and I'm going to be doing this until I see it not working. First of all, look for the halftime scores and look for something that's 20 or more don't go with 18 17 say, look for 20 or more and of course the more the better as far as the uh, a blowout is concerned at halftime you're going to be wanting to bet on the team that's losing for the second half and you're going to want whatever the line is you want the, the final score to the game you want to be betting on a team still to be able to lose by like 18 or more so so you don't want to bet for something like going from 20 to 11 because that's that starts to that that's not going to work. That's not going to work all that often. I, I'm talking about you want to have it go from a large blowout to still a blowout, but not as large. That's what that's what you want to be betting. So you see a team down by two, and and you want the teams to be relatively evenly matched. You don't want to be betting on an awful team. You don't want to see if, if Philadelphia is down uh, 25 points at the half. Don't bet on them in the second half. In fact, you may want to do the opposite. 
but uh, but it, but if it's two teams that are close like this, this uh, Toronto and the Clippers, especially if it's the home team, then you're going to want to take the team that's losing in the second half. And I, I've just I noticed it just last year, just anecdotally watching it. And, uh, and so I'd, I'd look at this if, if I were you. And I don't mind telling you guys this because uh, I, I don't think uh, th- if I had an audience of a million people, I, I would uh, I wouldn't say this. But I don't think the audience is big enough to make this much of an impact, even if I'm 100 percent right about this. But the, I, I found it's much easier to bet those games than it is to just you know I keep trying to pick the games beforehand, pick totals beforehand, and I, just when I think I've kind of got a feel for it, then I I just then I find I don't. I find that sometimes I just I think I know and I don't, and and I I don't even come close to winning. Like today's been on the Clippers, so uh, I, I can tell you with my full season of NBA, or almost full season last year, and my betting the beginning of this year, and observing all these games that that's been the one pattern I've noticed that is pretty consistent. I haven't charted it completely, but just I I've noticed it so many times and. The only thing I was doing differently last year, which I wouldn't do this year anymore, is is going with a team that's uh, with a really lousy team with a huge deficit. Like I tried a few of those Philadelphia bets when they were way down last year, and that a lot of those lost. So so take a look at it and try it. That's that's just what I've been looking at and uh, see how it goes. And I don't uh, I don't know how many others have catch have caught on to this. And uh, but that's that's what I've observed. So that's. Uh, now I just not I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm not saying this is some amazing system that's going to get you rich. Don't bet your life savings on this. But if you want to throw a little bit of money on this, and yeah, but what do you say to those that claim the old adage that if it's too good to be true, it's it's too good to be true? Well, maybe it is. Because that's what the uh, your proponents are saying right now. I. I it, it, it could be something that's just been falling this way for a while and that it's really not uh, that much of an edge, but you, you don't know until you try it. It's just something I've noticed seems to happen, and, and it's something like I just feel – when I see it, I just feel like I, I see a team even evenly matched with the other one, happens to be losing by 30 at the half. I go, they're not going to lose by 30. They're going to come back some, but they're not going to win the game, but they're going to they're gonna come back some and then uh, – you know, maybe lose by by twenty. They're going to lose by by eighteen. Like that's a that, that's what I. Th- they're going to lose by thirteen. Like that's that's what I I think when I see a score like that. Uh, it, it's rare. I seem to think, I, from what I notice, that a team goes into the halftime losing thirty and ends up losing by fifty. If, if no, because they clear their benches and yeah, and yeah, it's just, just stop playing defense. Yeah, right. So that's why I'm saying I don't th- I don't think those lines are adjusted well enough. They, they adjust them a little bit. That's why you're always still. That's why it's still the the team getting blown out tends to be the favorite still in the second half, which seems a little strange to think about. But but it should be I think it should be more of a favorite than it is in the uh-huh. line. And, and remember, you only you don't have to win a hundred percent of these. You don't have to win. Yeah. 70%. You know what's strange this year so far, and it's it's only fifteen games or so into the season. The West or the East looks a lot stronger than the West for the first time in like fifteen years. Yeah, it does. But uh, but then of course this one amazing team is in the West. So yeah. You know, there's some debate, or I even shouldn't say debate, but they they were talking to uh, Steve Kerr the other day, uh, after, right after they broke that record. I guess it was yesterday after they beat the Lakers, and the question came up: whose team would win in a seven game series, Golden State or the uh, was, was it the ninety seven Bulls, ninety seven ninety eight Bulls, a team that won seventy two games? Yeah, yeah. How do you two see this? Well, it's funny. I was gonna. That was gonna be one of the topics today. I mentioned it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I 
I think it's a little too early to tell. I, I definitely think that this is an amazing team. I think that uh, I, I haven't looked at the futures. I hate making futures bets. I hate just like waiting the whole year for them to settle. Just, I don't have the patience. But I, I think I was seeing before that the futures bet for the Warriors to win the NBA finals was paying better than even money. And if it's still the case right now, it probably isn't anymore. If it's still the case, that's definitely a good bet in my opinion because uh, I just don't see anyone beating them. This looks like a really, really special team, a really excellent team. And uh, now, could they beat the uh, the very best Bulls team with with Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman at their in their prime? I don't know. That was another amazing team, and and of course Michael Jordan with his uh, playoff heroics. You can't uh, discount that at that point in his career. But uh, they may finish with a better regular season record, as as good as the record was. Uh, what was it? Was it seventy two and ten or seventy three and nine? What was it? Seventy two and ten. Yeah. Uh, so, they lost like two out of the last three or two out of the last four games because they just were resting everybody and not caring. Yeah, I could I could see Golden State being that, I, I, beating that. I don't think so. You don't think so? I mean, this is this is this, I mean, it's like this obviously in every sport, but more so in, you know in basketball. I mean, every night that they play, they got to get up and play against a team that's gearing. You know, that's they're marked on their calendar. I mean, it's it's. I mean, can I see them? You know, winning. <laughs> 67 games, 65 games. I mean, yeah, but the, the, it just... Yeah, but they've already got 16 in the book, so... I, well, I, I realize that. You know just, what? And, and the Miami Heat two years ago won 23 or 24 games in a row, and uh, that Chicago team, they didn't lose two games in a row until the end of the season. I mean, I realize that, but I'm just saying, do you realize, it's like in any sport, how hard it is just to get up every day. Like, they're gonna, you know, there's going to be a night. They're going to Milwaukee, and, you know, Milwaukee's not their... You know, it's not a great team, but I mean, Milwaukee's going to be fired up, and the crowd's going to be fired up, and for them, it's just another game. I mean, just to be on your A game every night. And I, I think they're so good, they don't have to be. I think, well, they, you know, I think only it, against the good teams, they have to be on their A game. The night that they tied the record, they beat Denver. They beat Denver, I think, by like 12 or something like that, and, and you know, they weren't, the game wasn't a blowout until the end, you know, until like the final couple of minutes. I mean, they were in it the whole entire game. They, I'm just saying, every team they play, they're going to have that target on their back, where every team, you know, is just giving it their best effort. Well, okay, to finish seventy-three and nine at this point, they, they have to go fifty-seven and nine from here, which is, which is tough, but it's it still means that they can lose one out. Of, they can lose, you know, one out of every uh, like seven games, and so that's not uh, when you think of it that way. It's not that unreasonable that uh, that, that that they could. Do this because they've already got 16 in the books. Where if they're starting zero and zero now, and say like let's say you, you erase their 16 wins and start them over, and with the same let's say you can start them over, but they uh, all the players are fresh again. So it's not a matter of, of being fatigued, but uh, you you just can rewind everything back. But they're playing all new games, and you say okay, guys. Then if you had to guess what their record is going to be, I have to say guessing 73 and nine is tough because you don't already, you don't already have 16 in the books. It's kind of like life expectancy where. Uh, yeah, but that's like saying that they won't go through a stretch where maybe they'll lose two or three in a row. No, they might. That, I, I, that Curry gets Curry gets injured or Green gets injured, and you know, I mean, it, it just it's it, there are too many variables. There are, there are. I know there's a lot of variables, and I, I can easily see ways it won't happen. But but I, I could see this happening just because they've already got 16 in the books, and they've and most of the games they've won have been. 
pretty decisive. There's been a few close ones in there, but most have been pretty decisive. Do, yeah. I mean, they were down to the Clippers one game. Remember that game? They were down to the Clippers by like 20-something. I know, but then they and came they back. They came back and they won by like almost 10 or 12 or something. The thing is, this, this team has so many ways it gets you. That's why they, they keep getting out of these things where they, where they could potentially lose. And yes, one of these days, they're, they're not going to have that luck to get back. It's, I mean, the thing is, just like any team that the, lives and dies – so greatly by the three-point shot, one of these days they're going to come out ice cold and they're just not going to be able to get claw their way back into it. But didn't they win like 67 last year? Uh, I think yeah, they did. I'll, I'll check. Because if like I, I can believe they'd be six games better this year than they were last year. I, can believe I, mean, I know they had the home court advantage against Cleveland. I mean, they're a great team. No, I, not, I think, I, I think they had 67. It, I think they had 67 get up, I mean, like I said, you know, when they go on those – when you go on like a four, five, six, seven game road trip, and then they have those back to back nights, and you have to get up and play teams like, you know, like I said, Milwaukee or Indiana, or you know, but, just but they can lose right? some. They can lose one out of every seven, so fine. Like they let them lose one out of every seven. That's it. It doesn't have to be spaced out once out of every seven. So if they happen to lose two in a row, yeah. uh, then they may go on another winning streak in the middle. I'm going to take the under seventy two. You know what? I wonder what the line is right now. Yeah, I wonder if there even is. Uh, but you know, like like if you look 67 at seven and fifteen. Is that the line right now? No, no, that's what they won last no, year. I, that's what I thought. No, I, I take, I definitely take way over sixty-seven. Let me see. I'm going to go to William Hill right now and see if there's a line. Yeah, they. You know, it's like life expectancy. Uh, the life expectancy for you right now today is higher than it was for you ten years ago, and that's because the chance that you were going to die between uh, 2005 and 2015 is now zero. Or at least you know, this date in 2015, because you've already lived this long. You, now it's impossible for you to die before age 40. So, uh, whereas 10 years ago it was not. So that that factors into your life expectancy. So, right. so that that's what I'm trying to say. It's similar with the Warriors. Now they've already gotten 16 in the books that they've won with with zero losses. That makes it more likely that they're going to win. It's not just how good the team is; it's that they've already gotten 16 through without losing. That affects it a lot. Trying to find a line. So that'd be interesting. I, I, I that would be a very interesting game to see between. It's impossible to do, but if you could put that Bulls team against this Warriors team, unless the, unless this Warriors team isn't as good as it appears, but since they won sixty seven last year, I'm believing they are. If this was just a, a a new thing where where they just came out of nowhere to win sixteen games, I'd say this this could just be a streak. But since they won sixty seven last year, I, I believe in them, and that's. Uh, and, and boy, is that like, for, for the Lakers, who are such a disaster, that just makes it look even harder to come back from where they are because they've got to they've got to catch up to the. Get Warriors. a lay on William Hill right now is a future bet, one dollar or ten dollars to win a dollar that they win the finals. So you have to wager a hundred bucks to win ten bucks back. That's pretty hefty. I can't believe that, but I saw it was like plus one twenty five not too long ago. I'm looking at it right now. That's insane. They must have just. <laughs> they, you know what must be happening is everyone must uh-huh. everyone must be seeing this 16 and 0 start and just hammering them as, as a futures bet. So now they had to adjust the lines to be ridiculous. They're definitely not 90 percent favorites to win the finals at this point. But uh, that's crazy. All right. Uh, did you watch uh, Alex Jacob on uh, the Tournament yes. of Champions? So I saw every so, episode. So before, before we get to what happened, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the results for Alex Jacob on Jeopardy. So if you don't like this, then uh, skip at least the next few minutes because we're going to be talking about how he did 
This is a spoiler alert. Well, it's not really a spoiler alert. It happened over a week ago. Well, still, people may not know. Hmm. So, Alex, uh, what did I just do? There we go. Everybody still here? Everybody still okay? Yeah. okay. Yep. Every little thing scares me now. Oh, wow. Oh, it's, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Just to finish what you said, I'm looking right. I finally found it. William Hill, what do you think the win total is right now? 73. He updated 72.5. Huh? It's all there. It's right there. And then the Philadelphia 76ers, what would you guys guess it is? And they haven't won yet. Uh, nine. Eight and a half. Wow. Okay. I'm pretty good at setting these lines. Wow. Of course, nine is the, that's the all-time low. That was Philadelphia who said it. Yep. All right. So let's. Uh, so so Alex, he brought his aggressive style of going after the high value topic, uh, the high value questions on the board, and jumping all around rather than just going through a topic. He brought that aggressive style and also the uh, heavy betting on the daily double. He basically he would uh, go for the high variance strategy of trying to accumulate a big lead. Also, it was noticed that Alex was more trying to win the contest than, than accumulate a lot of money. Like He was trying to get a big lead, but his goal was to just beat everybody, not necessarily finish with the highest money total. And, and it worked. He was, he was crushing. He absolutely crushed even against the champions. So... Uh, Nobody could match Alex Jacobs. This is getting my nerves. It's ridiculous. Nobody could match Alex Jacobs' combination of uh, extreme trivia knowledge and game theory. He was, it was and he a, got to that buzzer pretty fast. Yeah, he was good with the buzzer. And it was also noticed he was stalling. He was actually uh, uh, using another old poker trick, uh, stalling when uh, Alex Trebek called the clock on him. Yeah. He was trying. He got the clock all out of. He's he's trying to stall, uh, including one time he took a minute to answer a daily double because once he got ahead, then it's to his advantage to slow the game down. So that hadn't really been done before. Alex said, out of all the tournament champions, Alex or Trebek, that this was the biggest blowout in the history of the show. Oh yeah, it was, that just it was tells huge. you how it wasn't even close. Yeah, he won two hundred fifty thousand dollars for this. And uh, yeah, he he really just owned Jeopardy, and he it's it's interesting. You you had someone who was very knowledgeable about the the questions being asked, and then who, someone who was very good at picking apart the you know the best best possible game theory, which which most people had not done in the past, and he did it the best. So and he also wasn't scared to lose. He wasn't scared to to take chances. He's Jewish too. Yeah, he's Jewish too. Yeah, so. Uh, now I, uh, never mind. I was going to say something. I don't know. No, say it. Why not? I, I censor yourself. Okay. I was, uh, I blew a chance to get Alex Jacob yeah, on the show. I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if I should say it. But <laughs> that's all right. I, I blew a chance to get Alex Jacob listening. on the show be, because of something I said on this show. This is what happens sometimes. Like I, I've, I've said things before that end up coming back 
to hurt me because the the wrong people hear things. I th- actually, I think it was may have been actually a post I made on the forum. It was forum. a post you made. It was a post. It wasn't the show. But it was, on, a, on the forum, I posted a number of things about uh, Alex's longtime girlfriend, Jennifer. Wife now. Or now wife, uh, Jennifer. Posted some things about her, which, while were not horrible, weren't that flattering. And uh, she read them. So, needless to say, she was very unhappy. And at that point, uh, she... She seems to have a lot of uh, control over Alex, and uh, and of course, being his wife, uh, that's that's understandable to some degree. But but she she basically locked Alex out of this show once. Well, not really. Well, I thought that's what happened. I thought. She... Well, it just was a, he can't come on unless you're not hosting. Well, okay. <laughs> that's, 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 I'm just a... saying hypothetically, if if maybe me and that Trader Russie are running the controls. He'd be more than happy to come on. Yeah. Now, in in hindsight, that probably wasn't a very smart move by me, but I, I don't know. It's, it's like sometimes I'll just post something and I'll think, all right, well, you know, maybe someone's going to see it and get pissed, but who really cares? I don't see them much anymore. Like, and then it turns out it does affect me, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Why did I say it? Like, I should. It would have been a good score to have on. No, it would have been. And I, 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 you know, he's a nice guy. No, I, reg- you know. I regretted it. Like, I regretted it because, like, it, it would have been an interesting interview on here and, and and it's not like he's appearing everywhere doing interviews it would have been uh something that you wouldn't have been able to hear many other places and uh and yeah and i've we, you know we both knew him brandon knew him i knew him so it's not even just some random who doesn't know who we are and uh, well i was actually pretty close for a yeah, while yeah yeah you, i know you were you were close friends with with uh with jennifer for a while and uh you knew him and uh yeah i didn't know him as well as you did but i even went uh to, I think the last time I saw him, it was a, it was a dinner with Jennifer, him, me, and Miri, and uh, and then there was actually a customer service issue, which I'm not going to go into, but it was a customer service issue at the at the dinner, which they actually agreed with me that we were right. They just, uh, but you know, Alex is just kind of quiet. He doesn't rock the boat like I do, so uh, I was the one to actually be doing the complaining. But I think that was the last uh, I saw of Alex Jacob. But yeah, congratulations to him. He played it right. He did everything that he could possibly do to give himself an edge and was successful and, and was very good at figuring out these game theory aspects of Jeopardy that had always been neglected. So, yeah, it wasn't even close. You'd think the Terminator of Champions where it's him versus other people who did very well on Jeopardy that there'd be some who would give him a run for his money, but no, not even close. Just proves that Jeopardy's not just about knowing trivia. It's part of it, but that's uh, that's not going to get you there against someone who knows how to work the system. I did show Alex the thread after you and I text, and he told me to tell you thank you. He wasn't particularly impressed with the comments Todd made about me or our relationship. Not to be sh- shitty, but Todd is pretty much a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, well, I can't really repeat this on the air. If Wait, is this from Alex? or, or, or is No, this is what? from Jen. Oh, okay, okay. Alex always held his tongue when it came to blank. <laughs> Fill in the name of a Druff ex-girlfriend. So it's not fair for Todd to make things personable. personal. Keep, okay, and then basically it's, yeah. If you weren't... Uh, on the radio, then he would come on. Jeez. 
Well, yeah. now, now that we're discussing this, now let's talk about something that uh, someone and she, else. You know what? Now I, I, I don't know if she's ever going to listen. Maybe. Well, one of the things, I guess, the way they found it, that thread was, I guess, that uh, poker fraud site you got running there, Todd, is doing pretty well for itself because if you type in Alex, Jacob, and Jeopardy, it's on the front page there. Well, I don't know if you know this that that for much of the first half of November. Charlie Sheen HIV Plus was the number one. The number one result was Poker Fraud Alert. Wow. It's nowhere. Wow. It's nowhere there anymore because now a million media uh, things right. have picked it up. But before he appeared on the Today Show, like even the day before he appeared on the Today Show on November sixteenth, it was number seven on Google. So yeah, it, it, it SEOs pretty well somehow. Yeah. Even though I don't really try. Well, sometimes even to uh, detriment. I had to explain to my family and loved ones because they didn't. They weren't particularly pleased with me doing a radio show with you because they say they Googled your name and some of the stuff that they read from that six-toed guy was very disturbing to them. Is that really true? That happened? Yes. Yeah, see, that's, you know, see, that's, that's why like, people ask disturbing. me. It, you know, I, I, I've had to explain this so many times to so many people, and I hate when people ask me things like, why do you care? Why don't you just ignore him? Why don't you like just let it go? And I go, it's not about that. It's that I've constantly got this crap there. That that's that these these lies and inaccuracies and, uh, um, and misleading statements that I've got to then explain to people and especially people who don't know me well, they won't know what to believe. So like it's it's such a pain in the ass to uh, to keep explaining the story over and over. I had to explain to my poor grandfather who's been following the Dodgers since they were back in Brooklyn that you weren't breaking into games and committing crimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh, Let's see. So, uh, Brandon left the show for how long were you gone? I don't remember. Uh, from the hiatus? Yeah. I think like six weeks, six, seven weeks, eight okay. weeks. Okay, so normal, two normally I wouldn't uh, bring up our, our dirty laundry on the air here, but since you brought it up on the forum already, now we well, you, 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 you lashed out, and I just said, you know what? I go to the other podcast with Marty. Okay, so this, this is what happened. Poker. This is what happened was. Brandon took a break to do something in the background. I don't remember what it was, but uh, in the meantime, a caller came on. Uh, a car salesman. Yeah, Level Account, who who works and he listens to the show every week. Level Account, who used to work as a BMW salesman, called in and wanted to expand on some things they talked about buying cars. So Brandon was not actively on the radio at that point. He was still connected to the radio, but he was doing something else. Uh, in the background, I wasn't listening. So, which was fine. I had no objection to that, in case anyone's wondering. So, then, so we were in the middle of a conversation, me and, and Level Account, and then Brandon just picked up his headphones and said, okay, I'm back, and started talking. Well, Brandon didn't realize, you know, we were in the middle of a, of, of like, that, not we were in the middle, but that Level Account was making, like, a little speech about the car salesman stuff. So, I said to Brandon, whoa, whoa, whoa just let him finish. Like, I, I so... I didn't mean that to shut. You admonished Brandon. me. Okay, that's that's Brandon's term. But see, I wasn't trying well, it's to. Term I, of others too, Druff. No, it, it's it's the same way of like, if if you're on the phone, if you're on an important call, and somebody walks in the room and says, "Hey, guess what happened today?" Like you go, "Shh, wait!" Like you're not you're not blaming them for talking. You're just saying, "Wait, I'm I'm in another conversation. Let, let's just finish the other conversation." Like, that's what I was trying to get across. Like, not that I'm mad at you for interrupting, but just like you didn't realize you're inter- interrupting, so just uh, just let him finish. Oh, you made me feel like a second-rate citizen. So, so then what happened is a weird, 
I don't know. I don't know if I should call it coincidence, but as a an additional problem that came up from this was that for whatever reason, after that, I just wasn't asking for Brandon's input in other things during the show, and this was not intentional. I promise you, it was just a, maybe because I got into the whole car discussion or whatever. But I I wasn't actively soliciting Brandon's commentary, and I didn't even notice this until Brandon told me later. So Brandon had the impression that he came on, uh, that I got mad that he was interrupting the car salesman, admonished him to shut up, and then put him in timeout and wouldn't talk to him the rest of the show. I sat for another hour. At the, I remember China Maniac was on the radio with me. He never even acknowledged me for the next hour, and I finally hung up. And I remember I, I sent China even a text message and uh, said something about that dirty Jew bastard treating me this way on our program. Well, maybe it wasn't that nice, but... Um, <laughs> so, so, so what happened... Anyhow, is, after that, I, I, I didn't, you didn't even uh, check on my... Me, I was sitting here for an hour. I finally hung up the radio station. See, I don't... See, I can't remember why I didn't say there, anything. It's in the no, archives. No, I, I remember... I do remember saying something about you being gone, that you disappeared, and I thought you just hung up, or, or got tired, or fell asleep, or whatever. Uh, I, I honestly didn't know that this was bothering you until very recently, when... You brought this up to me that that you you actually believed that I had gotten frustrated with you interrupting and then put you in some kind of timeout on the show and you and you didn't appreciate that and then you you left for a while from the show where you you went on a, a self opposed hiatus and and only recently did we get to discuss this and it really was and I'm not just saying this to um, to kiss ass or to rewrite the situation but. It really wasn't as it appeared. It really was just like, wait, 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 just let this guy finish because he's in the middle of talking, and and uh, that, and you didn't realize that because you were gone. So and then for whatever reason, I just must have not uh, included you in the conversation. Not not trying to exclude you. I just probably wasn't asking you to say something. Just kind of expecting you jump in if you were. Maybe I thought you were gone. Whatever it was, I didn't have any memory, and I definitely wasn't intentionally doing this or intentionally pushing you out. We got a call from the seven seven three and they hang up. That's nice, but but anyway, China typed me and he said, "Todd is not God for what he did to you tonight." <laughs> oh, that's that's bad news. And then he wrote, he sent me a line on Kim Kardashian becoming the next president at a thousand to one on Patty Poker. Boy, yeah. Okay, so so anyway, I apologize to Brandon for the uh, this. It really is a misunderstanding because I really didn't mean it. Well, you know, I leave and I just come back and I comment him. Hey, I'm back. I'm back, and kind of you know, you could have said okay. You don't don't interrupt him. Let him finish. Just was a little, you know, I deserve better. <laughs> it's not like I put up some donate button and I didn't tell you about it. Yeah, that's uh, well, you could have maybe if you had access to do so. I can't I can't give you credit for not doing that. That's true. Maybe maybe you would have and. Uh, that's you know sometimes people complain that only I have access to do things on the site. People got mad that uh, a good thread about uh, a Brown eighty three. If you read the, want to read the forum, I like that guy. Yeah, he start he started a thread called VC Life, and you may not think that's an exciting thread title, but that's he's actually talking about his work with venture capitalism, venture capitalist country, companies. Companies, I'm having trouble talking here. And uh, a very interesting thread about uh, basically the sort of predatory business tactics that are used by venture capitalists to corner an entire new market and 
only letting the strong companies they back survive, just kind of monopolizing all the companies that could possibly be operating in that market, and then ultimately only backing the one that seems the most promising and dropping all the others and letting them disappear. So uh, it's an interesting take on the whole thing from someone who worked with this every day. And uh, it's a very interesting thread called VC Life and the Flying Stupidity part of the forum by Abrown83. But Garrett, I don't know what his problem has been recently, but he was just... He's that one in timeout? Yeah, he's the one in timeout. He was just making... He really is in timeout, unlike what you thought you were. He, you know, I met him once uh, and gave him uh, $1,000 in U.S. Uh, you did. I know. Cash. And, and Garrett was just making tons of crap posts, like crazy, nonsensical posts there and ruining the thread. So I remove them all. Tell him stop doing that. He I says, told the kid, I said, I'll meet you right where it says the tower rooms because there's two different rooms at the Bellagio. There's the tower suites. And then what's the other one, Druff? The, the newer one? Oh, I don't know the names of those. Okay. Well, there's two different towers. So I said, I'm in front of the tower suites. Tower suites. Okay. He texts me and he says, I'm in the parking garage on the seventh floor. <laughs> I don't see a hotel room. And I say, buddy, the hotels aren't in the garages. This is a true story. Hmm. Well, anyway, I had to post restrict Garrett because yeah. he was ruining that thread. So, And that's what, what isn't the other one, the LOL wow? Isn't he? Is he the one that's also well, post restricted? Well, well, Garrett has zero posts right now per day. Uh, LOL wow. Well, LOL, wow, I gave eight posts per day, but he just hasn't been posting as much. He's like, I guess he feels if he can't go completely nuts, he doesn't want to. But whatever, I just uh, – uh, any, anyone who just dominates the forum with garbage and makes it unreadable, I have to I have to stop it. I don't censor very much here at all. In fact, even Garrett's post I didn't censor. I just moved into their own thread. Who's the one that calls you Daniel Druff? Is that the LOL, wow? Oh, you know, it's, it's a Daniel Druff. That's LOL, wow, yeah. Okay, so so let's uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, well, Brandon, we talked about. Uh, did we talk about the dog that the dog plays playing poker po- for painting? Oh, dog playing <laughs> poker painting. Yeah, do- yes, do- dogs playing poker. Have you seen that? I'm sure you've seen that painting before, right? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's four dogs that. Uh, what are these? It's hard to tell. What, what kind of dogs are they here? Mutts. Uh, yeah, mutts is a good. <laughs> Uh, it, this was this was actually done. It's actually a series of, of. I guess there's nine different paint. I always thought it was just one painting, but I guess there's nine different paintings. I'm looking at them right now. Of uh, of dogs playing poker. They go for like ten, twelve dollars though. Done by uh, Cassius Marcellius Coolidge, and uh, he did this in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and it's just, it's just exactly as it sounds. Four dogs sitting there at a poker table playing poker. Uh, th- this was never considered high art. It was never considered uh, a masterpiece, but uh, it got to be known. Everybody seems to have knowledge of dogs playing poker. So the dogs playing poker, uh, the one called Poker Game, just sold for... $658,000 at an art auction. $658,000 for dogs playing poker. I would have never imagined that. Especially, again, this is not considered a masterpiece. It's just kind of a, a cultural icon in a way. But 
not like Micon the icon, but the cultural icon. And this is the marketing material for the painting in the auction. It said, it was after a trip to Europe in 1873 that he turned up in Rochester, New York, as the portraitist of dogs whose lifestyle mirrored the successful middle-class humans of its time. Coolidge's first customers were cigar companies who printed copies of his paintings for giveaways. His fortunes rose when he signed a contract with the printers Brown and Bigelow, who turned out hundreds of thousands of copies of his dog genre subjects as advertising posters, calendars, and prints. So that that was when uh, it really started to get known, when hundreds of thousands of copies of, of this got out. So Coolidge's poker-faced style is still engaging today. His dogs fit with amazing ease into such human male phenomena as the all-night card game, the commuter train, and the ballpark. His details of expression, clothing, and furniture are precise, uncanny, uh, uncannily. The earnest animals resemble people we all know, causing distinctions of race, breed, and color to vanish and evoking the sentiment of an old Maryland gravestone. Major, born a dog, died a gentleman. Weird. So that's that sold. One of them, one called Poker Games, sold for six hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars at an auction. It's Druff, I gotta I gotta uh, take care of something real fast. Do yeah. I kind of like a minute break? Sure. I just sent you a message. Uh, uh, are you gonna do uh, your little uh, Obamacare, the Druff? You know, it's kind of like you did the end of the show. It's like uh, Andy Rooney on sixty minutes. Remember how he used to do that little yes, rant? Yes. You're a big fan of him doing. I like used to like the rant at the end yeah, of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, do start a rant. I'll be right back. I, I don't know if I'm going to do that rant, but I'll uh, I'll yeah. talk. So I, I don't know. Can you picture Trader Risk still with us? I'm here. Yeah. If you had like a whole lot of money to where 658000 was not substantial to you, would you ever consider spending that on dogs playing poker? The original of this? Not, you know, only if I could sell it for much more in a few months. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Was it investment or is it just someone who wants to collect it? It's just such a weird thing. This isn't collecting like a a known masterpiece. This is this is something that's kind of known to be tacky that were made uh that just was made famous because so many copies of it were out there. So that's just a weird thing for people to pay six hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars for. But I guess like who who wakes up and says, I'm gonna go to that auction and, and I'm going to spend this type of money to win dogs playing poker. That's my goal today is to win this. Great. What was it projected at before the auction? Do you know? Uh, let's see if I can find that. That's a good question. Uh, no, I can't find it. Apparently, here's some other things. Uh, I'm reading this article. Uh, nothing having to do with this, these paintings, but uh, you could have had uh, Princess Leia's gold bikini from The Empire Strikes Back when she was with Jabba the Hutt for around $96,000. And uh, a guitar that was actually stolen from John Lennon. I don't know how they were able to sell this, but uh, $2.41 million. And for $1.2 million, you could have the 16-page manuscript of, of the lyrics for Don McLean's hit, American Pie. So crazy what people spend for some things. I wonder, I wonder what I could charge people for the original copies of the archives of these shows. 
I wonder if I could get some sucker to pay me money for that. Print the transcripts. Yeah, I. I should. I should print up the transcripts of some of the favorite shows, which won't be the last two, but uh, some some of the well loved shows we've done here. Maybe I should print up transcripts and see if I can sell those at auction. You never know. You know, I speaking of getting money that's probably not deserved. It's amazing how many people just pick up free money from doing Kickstarter or GoFundMe campaigns that people who really don't deserve any of it, that that they just ask for money and, and people send it, well-meaning people send it. But like I look at some of these things going, how could you be contributing to that? Like, like why does this person deserve a penny here? So I, I was thinking, and I'm not going to do this, people, so don't worry, but I was thinking like I could probably at this point – you're doing this show for all these years and the site losing money. I could probably put together some sob story up on uh, GoFundMe and say, yeah, I, I spend so many hours in the show every week and it doesn't make money and I could be doing other things in my life to, to, that that would be uh, a more advantageous use of my time and the site loses money. And I could put together some sob story why I need to get paid for this radio show. Or need to make it financially worth doing. I, I bet I bet I could get people who listen to the show to 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 donate to it. Like you can get anyone to donate to things. And I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't feel right doing it. Like I, I don't I don't feel right asking for money for that type of thing. But uh there's people who do and and they get it. And uh I I think that's I've said it before, those Crowdfunding sites are really just, I think they're just taking advantage for the most part of people's generosity and people's uh, desire to want to be helpful. And what you end up having, you end up having people who, who are just taking advantage, people who are, are just trying to sponge and then leech. Mooches, right? Yeah. I'm talking about this GoFundMe Kickstarter. Call it around the air. Uh, yeah. I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Who is this? I feel like no one said anything about that. Uh, it's beer and poker. A oh, beer and poker. Hi, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, uh, I did. I said something at the very beginning of the show. I played the uh, the turkeys away clip from WKRP in Cincinnati, and I, I briefly mentioned it was Thanksgiving. But yeah, it, it has ter- since become Thanksgiving all over the country. When the when the show started, it was almost Thanksgiving where you are in, in Michigan. Right, but it's it's now it's been Thanksgiving in the U.S. all of the U.S. for now at least an hour and a half. No, not in uh, Hawaii. Oh, that's right, Hawaii. That's right. I forgot about Hawaii. What about Samoa? Don't they count? (laughs) No, they don't count. But Hawaii, you guys. uh, What do you guys have planned though? You guys doing uh, family dinners or what's going on? Well, guys cooking turkeys. Drop you cooking a turkey? No, I'm going. I'm going to. a family get together that's uh, a little bit of a distance away from here, not too far. And uh, I'm actually going to uh, Benjamin is going to. But there's there's two uh, baby cousins. Two houses. Two Benjamin. Two baby cousins that Benjamin has that uh, are on my side of the family. Is it true on these kind of holidays they bust out the 14 karat gold? Silverware that has a giant W on it for a TELUS? Or is that just a myth? 
They break out to all the China, the fine China. Just family so rich that when they have these, they got to get the good China from Fort Knox. <laughs> That's where they store it. The other three hundred sixty. They actually back up the, uh, yeah, they back up the money truck and bring it right in through the garage <laughs> and everything. <laughs> what uh, about you? Uh, what are you doing, yeah, Brandon? I'm doing a family thing. Uh, three you're not going to do the. I was going to say you're not going to go to the uh, the Kessler uh, buffet uh, thing. No, no, no. I, I've never done. Uh, <laughs> I've never done a casino. <laughs> Thanksgiving. The the closest I've came for a number of years uh, with my dad, we've done this one, just him and I. Um, we used to go to Spago, of all places. We just liked that restaurant anyhow, and, which is located in the Forum at Caesars. And we've spent a it's number of things. It's called Spago? Spago. It was yeah. actually Wolf the Great Chef. Sounds like Chef. a rub and tug. No, it's, 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 no. it's, it's Wolfgang Puck's the place. The Great Chef Wolfgang Puck. Before now... So fucking saturated. I mean, there's like a Wolfgang Buck, you know, some kind of incarnation everywhere. But back in the day, and I mean like the early, early 90s when nobody ever even heard of him, his first restaurant was uh, in Beverly Hills called Spago, S-P-A-G-O. Hollywood. Thank you. What would we do without this kid? Uh, I stand corrected. It was in Hollywood. West Hollywood. Thank you again. West Hollywood. See, Druff, I'm not yelling at him either, saying, don't interrupt me. Um, <laughs> anyhow, then he opened his second restaurant, I want to say like around 1990. And again, this was before, you know, the fucking craze where like every chef has a TV show and all the restaurants in Vegas were like all these, you know, TV famous chefs. He opened his, his second restaurant, Spago as well, inside the Forum at Caesars. And actually, that was maybe 15 or 16, came out to Vegas with my dad, um, and we ate there, and we just loved it, and, you know, that was, fuck, 20-something years ago. So I've spent many Thanksgivings there, probably five or six since I've lived out here for 15 years, but tomorrow I will not be doing that. It's going to be a family thing with, you know, the whole nine yards of turkey and the whole meal, and uh, I'm going to wake up early tomorrow, watch football. I'm betting the Carolina Panthers, which for some godforsaken reason, they're getting two points. They're undefeated. They're, they haven't lost a game. They just yeah, uh, but, uh, when, uh, when the money sounds too, when it sounds too good, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm always I'm always afraid to make those bets. That's that's what happens. I get afraid when I see things like that. Well, I mean they they've won they've won ten games. They haven't lost. Cam Newton is coming off unarguably his greatest game of the season last week. He threw five touchdown passes. They destroyed uh, Washington. They beat him by like thirty something points. Yeah, um, who cares about that? I'm not listening. Every, I mean, you guys tell me. You guys obviously follow this uh, National Football League there. Since Tony Romo went got into the NFL, has he ever won a must-win game? I mean, tell me. I I don't remember one. And next or tomorrow is a must-win game. I mean, if they want to, funny enough, it's amazing that they can be. What are they? They're three and seven. The Dallas Cowboys, three and seven. And they're only two games out of first place. They're two games out of first place. So with six games left, and I think they have to play the Giants again. I, I don't know the NFC. What is it? The NFC East. Um, I think they play the Giants one more time. But anyhow, they're still in the division. So tomorrow is basically a must-win game. If they lose tomorrow, then they'll be three games out with what it, five games of play. They're at home. I, I, I Grant, I get it. Tony Rome was just coming off an injury. Played last week against Miami. Played very sloppy, which you know, which makes sense. I mean, he was out for seven, eight weeks, has a lot of rust. 
how are they two point favorites against a ten and zero team? I mean, arguably, if not the best team in, in the NFL, the second best after the Patriots. I would think they'd be like a four to six point favorite at least. But they're dogs. I mean, I, I yeah, don't. Any, anytime it sounds like a dream, no. uh, there's something. There's something to it. So if you, were gonna, one. if you were going to put your money on this game, no, I mean, gun to head, gun to head. Yeah, of course. But I'm just saying that this isn't like <laughs> the lock pick. Lock pick for me is Lions all day. Sprinkle a little on the uh, game, a little bit more on the over. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's a lock pick, but I'm just saying uh, the line just seems kind of screwed to me. Right. And anytime you see that, yeah, I always get scared. I always get scared. That's uh, like I when I see this in the NBA now. When I see a line that looks just like so uh, inexplicable, like like a team that I, I'm sure should be the big uh, a, a substantial favorite and is like plus two, I go, oh, crap! I don't want to bet this. Like, <laughs> I'm so afraid when I see things like that. Let's see. I'm logging in. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm just. I. What do you guys think about the Lions game, though? I mean, they've been two different teams. You know, the, the after they fired the offensive coordinator and the, I think there was a team president the last couple of weeks. I mean, they beat Green Bay for the first time in uh, I think like, it's like 1991 <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what the lines are. We'll do the current lines right now. Right now, the Lions are two and a half point favorites over a fading Eagles team. But you just never know which Lions team is going to show up. And the Cowboys actually... There must have been some betting on the Panthers because the line has actually gone down to a pick'em, according to uh, stations. Mm-hmm. It's a pick'em between the Cowboys and the Panthers. Both the totals and both games are the same at forty-six and a half. Um, I'm going I don't know. over. I mean, basically, you're betting. You know, it's not even really a line right now because you're not really going to think that the Panthers and Cowboys are going to tie. I mean, there hasn't been a tie in a number of years, so you're basically the Panthers just need to win. <laughs> Um, or the Cowboys need to win. I don't know. Heads up, you're going against a, a three and seven team against a ten and zero team. I'm taking the Panthers there. Uh, Lions and Eagles. You think that's a lock, huh? Two and a half points. Locks. That yeah, yeah. Lock City. Lock it up. Wrap a little bit up on the top there. Spread a little more on the over. And what do you base this upon? Game game and half. Ah, uh, Peter Falcone. I got the pick from him. <laughs> I wasn't ready with a, with a laugh track on that one, but I have to. I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, Peter told me it was uh, game and half, and a little over on the uh, on the over. Okay. Well, uh, thank 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 you very much. Thank you very much, Lou Father. That was Lou Father. It wasn't really beer and poker. Oh, that makes sense. And yeah, uh, I, I just right. dropped. I, I got a text from the real beer and poker saying to say hi, say bye to Lou Father when you hang up. All right. That's so, funny. so all right. Uh, the, at least, at least it was a quality call, though, even if it was mis- misidentifying himself. So, I, I, you know, it's funny. I thought like I didn't remember beer and poker sounding that way. Like I thought the voice sounded different. I it was a little high pitched voice, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, Lou Father was accused in the past of sounding really young. Even though he, you know, he's not that young, but he was accused in the past of sounding very young, and beer and poker didn't really sound that young. So I'm like, how come I don't remember beer and poker sounding that young? And then it's because he doesn't. That's the wrong guy. So all right, let's. Uh, Do you ever bet the NFL? Occasionally. 
Who do, what do you bet with? Do you bet on Bodog or do yeah, you bet on? Yeah, I bet on Bodog. And, you know, this, I, I try to get sports accounts on, on the only two, like, really reputable books online, and, and I had trouble with both of them. One of them, the owner has a reputation of, of uh, basically being a big asshole, and I, I could just totally picture myself getting into problems with him, so I said, screw it. And also, I also didn't like the fact that, that they, when you call up, you actually tell them your password. <laughs> Like they they see your password, all the employees there. So an employee there could technically just log onto your account at any time, which I think is crappy. Like at Bodog, they can't do that. They don't see that. So they have halftime lines on Bodog, huh? Yeah, but the thing is, that you're you're paying more juice on Bodog though. It's it's like the standard one ten juice, and then the live betting, it's really crappy juice. Well, what do you mean you're paying more juice on Bodog? Because it's a lot of it, everywhere. No, because you get one hundred five on a lot of these, on the on the better live uh, the better online books. I mean, not on like any of the major books in Vegas, unless it's no, no, no. But online books, you do the two the two big online books uh, you do. But but then the other one, I where I was wait, hold against... on. So wait, hold on. So if a team is minus one hundred five, you're saying both sides are one hundred five? Yes. Only charging yes. a nickel? Yes. Oh, I, I did yeah. not know that. But uh, but it, but so one of them I didn't want to get an account because of uh, the owner having a bad reputation. They pay, but I like, I just could see we're going to get into problems, me and him, just over anything. And what do they let you bet? I, I didn't even get that far. And then the other one, they wouldn't give me an account of all things because uh, they, for whatever reason, they had record of the phone number I gave not matching my name, which isn't true. And and they would not budge. I, I promised to prove who I was. They were so paranoid there, they would not. They just said, sorry, you can't have an account here. So that was the end of the two books I tried to sign up for. I just said, screw it, I'll, st- I'll stay at Bodog. The, the, the one advantage with Bodog is I don't have to fund two separate uh, accounts. You know, if I have money to play poker on Bodog, I have money to bet sports with. So uh, there's a retrospective that uh, Pocket Fives wrote about the very early days of online poker. Now, how far do you go back, Brandon? When, when was the... First, uh, what was the first online poker site you ever played on? When? First online poker site I ever played on was, uh, I don't you know, it's either going to be it's either Paradise or Party or right around the same time of both. Was it what year was it? Do you know? Like 2001. Okay. 2000, summer. Okay, yeah. so we, we started around the same time. That's, uh, I started, my very first time was on Planet Poker in February 2001. And uh, this was before Party existed, before Poker Stars existed. Uh, it was very shortly before Party existed. At the time when I signed up, there was basically only Planet and Paradise and PokerRoom.com. But uh, wow, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Now it's just amazing how, like, you really, you know, I have, uh, I have three different accounts for sports betting. And I, again, please don't get mad at me for. Interrupting you, um, I have an account with William Hill. I have an account with Canner, and I also have an account with Stations. And you know, if you really are going to bet, if you live in Las Vegas, um, all these all these different places, I think it's like fifty dollars to open up an account, and you can you know they all have first time bonuses. Uh, you know, it, it really does pay to have as many accounts available to you as you can get, just you know for this reason. So. I'm looking at the different lines since we started talking about it, and just for the uh, Cowboy game alone, on Bodog, uh, Carolina is actually favored by two points, which is like a three, four-point swing. I mean, it's just kind of amazing that in today's day and age that it can vary that much. Like four points in an NFL game. I mean, that's yeah. a lot. 
That's a lot of points. Um, so, I mean, Bodog Carolina is actually the favorite. And then, let's see, it doesn't have a line for whatever reason for the Eagles and Detroit. But anyhow, I'm sorry. I just, I'm looking at it now. I'm just, I'm kind of shocked that they're favored. No, no, it's not, it's not, it's in the NFL, it's not as much because there aren't that many games that are won by one or two points in, uh, in the NFL. Well, that's a big swing, though. I have, them at, I have them at one and a half, Dallas. Trader Ruski, you know what I'm saying, right, partner? No, hey, absolutely. I mean, look at that, look at that Chicago game last week that landed on two. And, and, and I mean, that was back and forth between like one and I think it closed Chicago plus two and a half. I mean, if you're telling me on one site, draft, I mean, it is because you're on one site, I can bet Carolina and they can lose by one and I'm winning. And on this side, I can bet Carolina. And if they win by one, I'm losing. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's known as middling. Well, right. Well, no, yeah. but just him having access to three different accounts. No, that's good. That's, that's, again. Yeah, that's yeah. very good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That, that, that's why I wanted to establish other accounts. But then, like, the only two reputable books that I can get online, like, they, they there was problems with both. I, I said, screw it. So, uh, so anyway, this this retrospective they posted on Pocket Fives, and if you go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum on Poker Fraud Alert, you can see this retrospective. And it's interesting in one way, but also this thing is so poorly written. It's amazing. And the funny thing is, I, I said after reading this thing, I said my comments were. This article is a fucking mess and makes little sense, even though I was around back then and understand all the subject matter, because they're writing about like super old-school poker sites. They need a good editor over there. Jeez, what an incoherent piece of garbage. So it turns out I found out that they do have an editor over there. It's Lance Bradley, formerly of Bluff Magazine. <laughs> so I, I guess the, the mighty have fallen here, because I mean, this article, you can find it on... As I said, the scam scandals and shadiness part, it's and the links to these, it's like a two part article. It's called uh, Cheating in Online Poker and the Launch of Paradise Poker. Now, it's not really an accurate article because it's not so much about cheating. And the one thing of cheating they do talk about was people who didn't really cheat, people who just broke the planet poker shuffling algorithm but didn't abuse it. But, uh, but anyway, th- this is kind of like the history, the early history of online poker. But it is such a mess, this article, and jumps all over the place. And, and to someone who isn't that familiar with the material is going to be so confused. Even I was confused. But anyway, the, the early sites, uh, among there were Paradise Poker was one of them. They, they were the big one for a while. And Paradise Poker, they started to fall apart in 2001 because they got too arrogant and they they did not adapt with the times there was no rake back there was no uh there wasn't uh there's was a lot of software bugs they didn't bother to fix it didn't work right on a lot of computers including mine they uh, they weren't having promotions deposit bonuses they just basically said we're here we're the biggest one we're going to stay the biggest one f you and they they got passed up it's similar to what happened in the live poker scene in L.A. where Hollywood Park got passed up by Commerce. Also around the same time. But uh, Paradise Poker for a while was the big one. And and two of the big winners... Now keep in mind, this is all Limit Hold'em in those days. No Limit Hold'em, people really weren't playing for cash because it hadn't appeared on TV yet. It just uh, No Limit Cash just wasn't really much of a thing then. Even though it had appeared in Rounders in 98 from like 99 to 01 when 
you know, Paradise Poker was, it was thriving. It was, it was Limit Hold'em that people were playing there. And, and the two legends of Paradise Poker were Eric Sagestrom, a.k.a. Eric123 from Sweden, and Brock Parker, Bob, known as Bob Cards. And, and apparently, eventually they met heads up. At, uh, they decided to play each other heads up, 2040, and, and Bob Cards just got beat down hard by Eric. Eric uh, won that match handily. But th- this is not mentioned in the article, by the way. I'm just talking about it. Uh, in addition to Paradise Poker was an even earlier site called Planet Poker, which began, I believe, in 1998. And Planet Poker, that one was uh, promoted heavily by Mike Caro and, and also Roy Cook, who was the card room manager, supposedly. And that was the first one I joined. And that was the second biggest one for, for quite some time. After, you know, after Paradise came out and, and passed them, they, Planet remained the second biggest one. Planet Poker is best known probably for, I, I shouldn't call it cheating, but someone figured out how to crack their random number generator. And I didn't understand for a while how they did it, but then I, I later came to understand there's one valuable thing that came out of this article. They never fully understood how the random generator, how they crack the ge- random number generator. But usually random numbers, which are used to shuffle cards, are based, they're based upon some kind of external factor. The clock, uh, PokerStars uses like a really complicated algorithm. Basically, like a, uh, a computer cannot generate a true random number. So in order to generate a random number, it has to take a random event and base it uh, upon that, like whatever the time is down to the hundredth of a second, the direction someone moved their mouse, uh, the temperature outside down to a hundredth of a degree, and you combine all these factors, you've got something that's kind of random. So that's that's really how how they did it. So Planet Poker had its random number generator, which wasn't all that complicated back then, cracked by someone who could see... Basically, the entire makeup of the deck, which is even better than being a super user. A super user means you can just see the uh, the whole cards. The, here you could see every card, including what's going to come. So some people cracked this, and the way they did so was that uh, normally uh, on a true random uh, distribution of cards, there are 4 billion combinations of cards that can come out. 4 billion. That's a lot of cards. That's a lot of possibilities. That's why you basically never see the exact same hand dealt twice, meaning you may get the same two whole cards. You may see the same flop, but you're not going to see where every opponent has the cards that uh, they had before. Like, you'll never see that where every person at the table says, wow, I can't believe this, but earlier in the session, I had these exact cards, and everyone at the table had those exact cards. You're never going to see that. It's like one in four billion to happen. Uh but instead of using that, the 4 billion variations, they, they decided that they didn't need to do it that much. And so they only had 200,000 different combinations of, of deck shuffles on, uh, on, on Planet Poker. And I don't know how these guys figured it out, but in 1999, uh, five guys, and I don't know any of these guys, Brad Arkin, Frank Hill, Scott Marks, Matt Schmid, and Thomas John Walls. You ever heard of them? No. No. But anyway, they 
They published an article entitled How We Learned to Cheat in Online Poker, A Study in Software Security. And keep in mind, they didn't actually steal any money. They just learned – they wrote a little program that uh, th- that could determine what everybody's cards were uh, based upon what, what they saw uh, on the flop and in their own hand because there weren't that many combinations. Instead of 4 billion combinations of the deck, there was only uh, 200,000 in, in Planet Poker. They felt that was enough. Well, it wasn't because they figured this out somehow. And so now just, just based on, w- on what was on the board and what was uh, uh, what was in your hand, they were able to determine everybody else's cards. So that, that's a disaster. So uh, they didn't abuse this. Apparently one other person figured this out too, and that person did abuse it. I just learned that too. And that person won $50,000 by cheating. I wonder if they... Actually, I don't think I was playing 2040 then, so I probably didn't. It probably didn't cheat me. But uh, in fact, I wasn't playing 99, so it definitely didn't cheat me. But anyway, these guys—they didn't cheat. They they wrote a uh, an article about it, which you can still read by googling "How We Learned to Cheat at Online Poker: A Study in Software Security," or just type in uh, Brad Arkin, Frank Hill, Scott Marks, Matt Schmidt, S H S C H M I D, and Thomas John Walls. I mean, that's a You'll, you'll find the article written 16 years ago. So what happened to Planet Poker? I told you Paradise fell apart because they uh, they got too arrogant and they quickly lost their uh, their market share to first party poker, then poker stars. But where did Planet go? Well, this article doesn't talk about that. In fact, nobody seems to really know uh, except for me. I'm not the only person in the world who knows, but nobody seems to talk about what really happened to Planet Poker. But I know because I experienced it. I enjoyed Planet Poker. I played on Planet Poker a lot. I played 3, 6, and 5, 10, Limit Hold'em. Not exactly high limit games, but I was still new to poker at that point. It was in early 01, early to mid 01. And one day, I got a, you know, I said you have to update your software, so as many poker sites do. So I click OK. It updates my software. It reloads. I can't connect. I think that's weird. I try to get. I try to restart. Doesn't work. Reboot my computer. Doesn't work. I cannot connect to Planet Poker. I said that's kind of weird. All right. Well, I guess the server's down or something. Try again the next day. Does not work. Try again the next day. Does not work. Well, then I realized what must have happened. That the update must have been a bad update. So I thought it was just my computer. I thought maybe there was some corruption in, in my uh, Planet Poker software. So I uninstalled the whole software, reinstalled Planet Poker from their website. Lo and behold, it worked. But there was almost nobody on the site. A once-bustling wow. site was empty. turned out everybody was pushed this bad update. And the problem is they couldn't push a new update because you couldn't connect to the server anymore to get the fix. So unless you completely uninstalled the software and reinstalled it, then you were not going to ever connect to Planet Poker again. Now, you'd think, okay, well, anybody who has money on there, obviously they would have done this. Well, apparently not, because uh, a lot of people just, it, it just, I'm not saying nobody returned, but this totally killed the momentum for the site. Because anybody who had a copy of Planet Poker on their computer before and tried to play it uh, during that time was shut out. And it, 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 if this happened to Poker Stars or something like of that size nowadays, then they, they'd survive. 
But and for whatever reason, Planet Poker did not email anyone about this. I don't know why, but they didn't email their user base saying, "Hey, go download from the main site." They just kept quiet about it. And and finally, I think after a long time, they emailed people that if you can't get through, please uninstall and reinstall. By by then, they had completely lost momentum, and people had moved on elsewhere. Where did they move to? Well, some went to Paradise, and others went to a site called True Poker. True Poker was very revolutionary at the time, though it ended up really not affecting much in the in the coming 14 years. You really don't have sites that look like True Poker even today. True Poker was a like 3D, very you know, nice graphics. Uh, of, it tried to emulate the real poker experience with with all the players, the, the animated players there could could move and talk. And, and make gestures, and you actually watch the player pick up their cards and put it back down. In fact, that was even a tell. Someone forgot the card they had. For, they forgot what was in their hand. They had to pick it up. So you'd like see a four flush on the board, like four spades, and you see someone suddenly pick up their card. You know that they forgot whether they had a spade or not, which is a tell, which occurs live too, but on online that never happens otherwise. True poker was different than any site I played on. It was like a social site. People were. Uh, became friends on there. People dated from there. People uh, talked all the time in the chat. And not even like, it was hostile occasionally, but it usually wasn't hostile. It was actually people talking. And all the different characters had different sounding laughs, different sounding voices. They'd say fold, raise, things like that. It was it was really well done, especially for 2001. Even if you saw the software today, you'd think it was impressive, 14 years later. The problem was it was slow because uh, since they tried to make it like a real-life poker experience, you don't want real-life poker when you're playing online. You want it to be quick. So while this is an interesting gimmick, it, it uh, people, when they started wanting to multi-table and, and play quickly, uh, True Poker wasn't good for that. And the CEO, who sometimes posts on 2 Plus 2 as uh, Zesh, or Gazesh, that's G-Z-E-C-H, or S-E-H, something like that, uh, he's a lawyer. He was the one who owned True Poker. He doesn't like talking about that, but he was the one who owned True Poker. Or at least he was the CEO and owned a good deal of it. And he had an obsession with not allowing people to multi-table. He never wanted to add that to the site. He didn't want to speed things up. So that was that was the undoing of True Poker. It it lost popularity when Party Poker, which also started in 2001, caught on. And you guys know all about Party, how... That was really the revolutionary site. Not so much that you know, the graphics weren't anything special. Their gameplay wasn't special, but they they did a lot of marketing successfully, and and they eventually were advertising on television. And they they really brought uh, they were really the first really large poker site, and they had very very fishy games for a long time. So the I used to say with party poker, like whenever I would. Uh, I actually abandoned Party Poker just because they, they didn't spread that high a limit at the time, and I was playing much higher on other sites. But I used to say, whenever I'm slumping on the higher limit sites I'm playing on, if I ever want to just drop down and get my confidence back and have pretty much a guaranteed win, I'd just drop back down to Party. And sure enough, like I just, uh, I could just back in those days, I could just drop back down to Party and guarantee win like twenty thousand dollars minimum in the month. Wow. And. Uh, uh, but you'd say, why don't I just stay there? Well, because it was, I'd be making more than that usually playing on, on the sites of the bigger games. Because those were good games too. Not as good as Party, but they were higher limits. 
But I, I did have times where I would slump on those sites and say, you know, instead of chunking more off, I would take a break and, and just go to reliable party where I would I would make the money. It was just a, a, a gold mine there that it, the, the players were so bad. And in the early days of party, when they weren't doing quite as well, and I was one of the earlier players there, I remember getting a call. I was at work. I still had a job then. I answered the phone, and I hear, oh, yeah, can I speak to Todd Wotellis, please? And I said, yeah, this is Todd. Uh, yeah, Todd, uh, this is Mike Sexton. And uh, I want to know, uh, we haven't seen you here at Part of Poker in a while. I want to know uh, if there's anything we could do to bring you back. It was Mark, Mike Sexton actually was making calls personally to formerly active players on Party that had taken a break to ask if they'd come back. I had another friend that would get calls from the owner of Party Poker, or one of the owners, who'd ask him for advice on what he what he thought the site could do better. And then when my friend was actually giving good advice, the guy called him several times over the years and would ask, you know, what do we think about this now? It was it, it was interesting. So uh, and then Poker Stars they they got going in two thousand two. I didn't join until early two thousand three. But Poker Stars, what really made it for them was uh, number one, they had the best software, and number two, they were the first site to really, really push tournaments. They weren't the first site to have tournaments, but they were the first site to really run an active tournament schedule, and uh, and that's how the they really grew was through tournaments. and And I really loved that because tournament players, especially back then, were awful at limit hold'em cash games, so. I, I used to wonder, I used to have these guys sit down with me who I thought were like mega fish and, and would just chunk off all their money to me in 3060 limit hold'em on, on Poker Stars in 2003. And I thought, where are these guys getting their money? And then I'd find out later, like I'd hear later that these guys are really good. And I'd go, I don't think so. Well, it turns out they were very good, but they were very good at no limit hold'em tournaments. And they were big tournament winners, and what they were doing is they were winning a lot of money in tournaments and chunking a lot of it off at the thirty sixty cash tables at uh, if limit hold them. So uh, th- th- those were some of the early days of online poker. And uh, Brandon, I I don't know, I know you've you've dated some women in in the poker community, but have you ever met any women specifically from an online poker site? Never. Now, has this been because you you just you haven't tried, or is this something that wouldn't appeal to you? Both. Okay. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, no, I, no, I was curious. I I just, I I just thought of that now. If I was like, I wonder if Brandon ever met a woman from like online poker, just like someone you chatted with, and 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 then you know it went from there. So, uh, but yeah, I, I actually was one. I've talked about this before. I was one who who met a woman from. Online poker, and uh, uh, and it was it was a girl who lived in Las Vegas, and I I really never saw or heard from her again after the weekend we spent together. I, mean, I don't mean she's avoiding me; I mean she just like vanished from the scene completely. And uh, but that was from True Poker, and I, I wasn't the only one to meet girls off True Poker. It was a different situation than what you see on. What what do you is that a zipper? Yeah. Sorry. What are you zipping? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I, I hope you're not like hearing my story and unzipping your pants. No, no, no. 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 I was like, whoa. So, 
Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's uh, and, and back in those days, still like in two thousand one, like it was still somewhat of a leap of faith of when you go meet someone like that because the, it's hard to picture nowadays where everybody's got their pictures online. But in two thousand one, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people had no picture online, and you'd ask them for one, and they'd scan some grainy one from a distance, and you can't really tell. Like, yeah, that's there'd be a lot of of a leap of faith when you'd be meeting girls online, even back as late as two thousand one. So, I did take that chance, but I was used to it. You know, I said if if it turns out that it's a monster, then whatever, then uh, just. Uh, Try to end the uh, the meetup as soon as possible. But uh, th- those are some of the early days, and uh, I'm getting kind of tired, so I don't have much more energy yeah, to talk about the subject. Was it two in the morning, huh? Yes. Yeah, so not I, only I'm... that, but I I didn't I I don't have I stayed up late last night playing on Bodog, and I I said I wasn't going to do it, and I did anyway. And the reason I said I wasn't going to do it was because Benjamin had no school today, so I couldn't nap during the day like I normally do. So I knew that, and I knew I'd have to, you know, I would not have any opportunity to nap, and I stayed up late anyway. And when I went to bed, I'm like, oh, crap, I know I'm going to regret this. It reminded me of the days when I used to be working. Like, I'd go to bed super late after playing poker late, and I'd go, oh, I promised myself I wouldn't stay up this late. Now I did. And now I know I'm going to be just feeling so awful the next day and uh that's that's yeah so I, I when i came to doing this radio show tonight like part of me wanted to make an excuse and just not do it because i wasn't i didn't feel energetic enough to do it but but to be honest here when i when i heard that there was going to be a double co-host situation where first we're going to have daredevil and then brandon was going to come on for the first time in a while I, I actually changed, and I, I felt much more excited for this show. I, I came in with a lot more energy than I had the previous week when I wasn't even tired because because I was happy to have a co-host again, and I, I was looking forward to it. So uh, now I am tired again, and we'll be ending this very shortly. I'm getting hungry, buddy. I'm not going to lie to you. Time yeah. to eat some dinner. We've actually covered everything except the Obamacare thing, which I'm not going to bother talking about as I'm too tired. And uh, a quick story, and then we'll, we'll end the show. A British teenager, he was 17 at the time, he decided just for fun he's going to denial a service attack an online casino. It's not clear which one. It's not clear if it had a poker room or what it was. But he decided he just was going to hit an online casino with a denial of service attack to see if he can do it. And he, he could do it, and it, it was successful. And while the casino was not down for that long... And I think it was based in the UK, or maybe it's just because he was in the UK, but the article about this claims that in the time the online casino was down, they lost 18,000 British pounds of uh, of revenue, which I guess translates to, what, like $25,000 or so? Maybe a little bit more. So uh, they found... The, the kid who was behind it, I guess he didn't cover his tracks very well, and he was arrested. So he's 19 now, and there has been a, uh, the, the, you know, he has been sentenced now. 
His name is Max Whitehouse. He's now 19, but he was 17 when he committed this online attack. I guess it was a UK site. He just did it for fun. He wasn't trying to demand a ransom to stop doing it, as many of these Russian groups like to do. And he wasn't doing it for any kind of competitive advantage in poker. He just was doing it for fun. Well, I guess this isn't that serious of a crime in Great Britain because he ended up getting no prison time and a 200-pound fine. That's it. He got a 12-month suspended sentence. So I guess he's on probation, but he doesn't have to serve a day in prison. And he's going to pay 200 pounds, and that's it. Even though it cost the site 18,000 pounds. I don't know why they didn't at least make him pay that. But I guess they can sue him if they want. I don't know how they're going to collect much from a 19-year-old. And this is despite the fact that when they raided his house, when they found out he was the one responsible for this, they found several illegal weapons, including tear gas canisters, eight sets of brass knuckles, and a stun gun that was camouflaged as an iPhone. So they took the stuff, and he agreed to forfeit it, but they did not charge him for any of this stuff either. And so so all he got was a, after all this, all he got was a 200-pound fine and a 12-month suspended sentence, meaning he's not even serving any of it. So he got off pretty easily, and his excuse was that he was living a virtual life and not a real life, and he just kind of lost touch of reality when he did this. The judge actually bought it, though did say, you need to get out more and live. So that's uh, and it, the, the site that was victimized won't identify themselves. I guess they don't want the embarrassment. But, yeah, that's that happened, and this guy got off pretty easily. It's uh, I'm sure he was shitting bricks for a while when they arrested him, and right. I guess he was had potential time he could have faced, but he got up pretty easily for doing something like that and and completely ceasing operations. So be careful when you DDoS a site. Uh, You're not always going to end up like this guy. And if you do it, you got to make sure you cover your tracks pretty well, which I guess this guy didn't. But, you know, he was just 17. He wanted to see what he could do. He probably felt powerful that he could take down this casino. And, uh, well, I guess that's it. I guess we... Uh, it's a long show. It was a long show, and I'm I'm tired. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. We got through it. And, uh, Brandon, I want to thank you for coming back. And uh, I want to thank Daredevil for also coming back. And... Trader Ruski. Trader Ruski and fake, fake beer and poker. Thank for him for calling in. And... Uh, Calwat, I don't forget you. I don't forget you. You called in earlier in the show. Calwat is someone who told me when I, I saw him during the World Series that he uses the show to fall asleep, just like see money. Whatever, whatever way you can use the show, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> so we'll be back on Wednesday. I didn't, forgot to even tell you guys. Wednesday is the new day for this show. Well, I want to stop the music. I don't want to be interrupted by this. All in the Family closing theme song. The new day for this show is Wednesday, and that's the day that uh, was pretty much the day we started on many years ago on a different show. It was always a Wednesday show. And 
then we made it Tuesday because we didn't want to compete with that show and we uh, left that site. But that show is no longer. It hasn't been around for a long time. So there is no reason not to go to Wednesday. Tuesday is not very convenient for me. Thursday nobody liked. Thursday got a, uh, a dip in ratings. So we did Wednesday. And it's going to be on Wednesday. I think Wednesday is a good day to have it. It's right in the middle of the week. And I think a lot more people can make it than Thursday. I think the problem was Thursday, a lot of people were kind of starting their weekend early and just... I think also a lot of people may not be working Fridays and then they can't hear it at work. Like a lot of people were counting on this show to hear... They they want to hear it at work Monday through Thursday whenever we do it. So if we did the show on Thursday night, then they weren't able to hear it during the work week. I think that was another complaint, so... Anyway, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m., provided I'm on time, is the future day of the show. And, uh, Brandon, you think you'll be able to make next Wednesday, or you don't know yet? Oh, uh, let me look at the date. It's I think it's December 1st, maybe? 2nd. 2nd. Yeah. Uh, yep, I'll be in town. All the right. week after that, I won't be. Okay, well, Daredevil will be on standby. Trader Ruski, is he still awake? Of course he is. I'm awake and oh. I'll be I'm available in the second. Beautiful. <laughs> what about what about the ninth though? Ninth. Um, yeah, the ninth should work. By the way, you know, uh, in previous December's I was I was taking a lot of time off from the show to take family vacations, but because I I took so many vacations earlier this year, there's going to be no family vacation in December. So the show should take place regularly. I mean, look, the day before Thanksgiving, I did this long-ass show. So, thank you, everybody, for listening on the beginning of this Thanksgiving weekend. And we'll be back a week from today. This show was only six days after the last show. And I thought we didn't have much to talk about tonight, but it ended up uh, pretty damn long. Partially thanks to all the customer service stories. You know what I don't feel like doing right now is going and editing out the fail. I said I was going to do it, but now I'm like, I think I'm just not going to do it. I'm too tired. Like, I, I just think of going through and editing that out. And, well, maybe I can. Maybe I will. All right, people. Thank you for listening. Hopefully the new computer doesn't crap the bed next week. Did pretty well, except for that one little issue we had. Thank you, co-hosts. Thank you, callers. Thank you, listeners. Archive or otherwise. Remember the live call-in number, 24 hours a day, to listen to this show. Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Trader Ruski. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You too, you too, Brandon. Maybe let your assistant get off at 3.45. Show some heart. That's a great idea. (laughs) Shalom. 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 Shalom.